Guys, I hate to be an asshole, but I have to be up at 3.45 in the morning, so... Okay. God, here we go. Fuck. It's just true. If we fucking that's <clears throat> we're done at ten o'clock, that's five hours until Jeremy, I have to get up Jeremy, to go to work. So. Dude, you'll be fine. Dude, you can't you can't be tired a day in your life. Uh oh, retard alert! We've done it. No matter what time you go to bed, you're gonna be tired. You're getting up at three o'clock in the morning. Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 130 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, 24 beers deep. Also known as Moods. Yeah. And of course, I always got my two spitfires by my side. First up, we have the humble Mexican bullfighter who moonlights as the best podcaster in the world. Mr. Rodriguez, also known as JP. And last up, we have the boy that once he learned how to swear, he decided he wanted to set the world record for the most curses during every podcast ever recorded. That's the Jew himself, Jeremy. Hold up. At least I'm better than that fucking film that freaking says they're the best, goriest film ever made, Summer Massacre, which I'll talk about later. That film sucks dick. At least I'm better than that. But does it have lots of cursing in it? No, but it says that it has the most body count ever, and that's some bullshit. Jeremy is the gutter balls of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's a, good, that's a good reference. Oh, he's referring to the mask. He hates that shit. <laughs> Yeah, it still blows my mind with that fucking mask. <laughs> Me too, man. I just don't understand why he hates it so much. Because yeah. it's trash bags. No, it it's a, you it's could a literally could replace bag. it with a trash bag, it's, and there'd be no difference. Dude, if you're the bowling bag, you've got to wear a bowling bag. Why? It's, it's just, so gimmicky and dumb. But what dude, else are they supposed to wear? They're in a freaking bowling alley. mask ever. Like, dude, it's an not old man mask. Everything. I don't give a fuck. Every mask is gimmicky. The hockey mask for Jason's super gimmicky. It's not gimmicky. No, but it's, it's like, that would be like saying, oh, there, Jason, it's like, the exact Jason same thing should as a have been bag. at a hockey rink to have the hockey mask. It's the same. You should. Yeah, dude, he's at a bowling alley. What else? I mean, what else? He's, it's not like he's going to. Any mask. Why does it have to be related to a bowling alley? Because that's the joke. It's fun. He's in a bowling alley. He's wearing a bowling bag on his head. It's yeah. What else is he supposed to wear? He's not going to wear any mask. Literally any mask. I don't. I don't know. Like like. Does every in a bowling, bowling alley? What in a bowling bag, Max? Okay, there. <laughs> you can't do the bowling pin because I mean that's too close to like coneheads or some <laughs> shit, man. It's just you. It, it's, plus, it'd be hard to do any other slasher film and be like, oh well, they have to have a mask related to where they're at. No, nobody nobody critiques a slasher film because they're but not that, wearing a mask related the fun to what of it, they though. do. They were, see, that's the other thing that's kind of funny about it because no one else has done that, right? 
I mean, what? they they had the mask relatable to We're, the setting. Nobody has no, nobody has done what? Put a bowling bag on their head? No, I mean, have a mask related to their actual setting. They're in a bowling alley. What you do in a bowling alley is you bowl. How you get your ball to the alley is you carry it in a bowling bag, right? I mean, this the, they're bowling junkies. I know. I know. I used to bowl. Bowling bags are not masks. Fucking right it's, they are. They're, they're the exact... <laughs> <laughs> and they're fucking dual purpose. A ball, the bowling ball is the same size as a head. They're, so it's I one would, of the most stupidest purpose. looking thing. It's so unpractical. Dude, it's it more practical. Dude, you can't say it's it not practical. so bad, You too. can't say it's it, not The practical. design of it is shit. If anything, Completely it's, it's shit. more practical than anything because it, it serves a dual purpose. You know, it actually covers your identity because, you know, you're the killer. And, and then it it's also just, holds your bowling it, no, ball. I say it's impractical because it just doesn't work. You can't put a bowling bag on your head and use it as a mask and be able to see and clearly move like simply. Like it's just going to be all over the place, man. All what right. a fucking hate. All right. So your, that... your bowling balls are bigger than our heads, which means there's going to be space. No what way. What does space do? No what? way, man. No way. It's, head is it's, like, it's like a perfect size. I think yeah. it's actually, it's like, it's so practical. I don't think you're seeing it like that. Yeah, like it's like it is literally cringy. Like that's the worst part of that movie for sure. And plus, you can also like, you can almost hide it too, right? Like, I mean, if you're the killer, no one's. I mean, if you're walking up to a bowling alley carrying like a hockey mask, I mean, that seems a little suspicious. But if you're walking up, you know, carrying your bowling ball and your bowling bag, and all of a sudden that goes with the in eyes he- cut out of it, yeah. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I mean, you have that shit turned into your hip, man. No one's gonna see those holes, man. Come on. It's practical. It's practical, man. What a hater. <laughs> Dude, I'm looking at it right now. So retarded look. It's so bad. So, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. That's going to conclude episode 130. Um, no, that's like episode like 27. <laughs> I don't know Was where. Was it really that long ago? Ryan Nicholson special. <laughs> the BBK killer conversation can- comes back like 50 episodes later. Yeah, I've, I've been on record many times saying how much I hate that mask. Okay, here's and a question I look for the back folks. At those up. ratings of that film, dude, we were all smoking crack. Like, <laughs> the movie is fun and stuff like that, but we were, like, just insane with our ratings. I don't even remember. 9.5 from both you, and I think an 8.5 from me or something like that. <laughs> I know some people, like, was it Christian? He fucking hates that film, doesn't he? Yeah. Fuck Christian. Actually, you know, and I see why Jeremy likes that movie so much, too, because it, it literally has the most cursing in a film yeah. of all time. Like I, I bet fil- you if you guys watched it now though, I, there's no way you guys would come in at 9.5. Still. Yeah. I haven't watched it. I think probably since that show I haven't either, but, but <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while, but yeah, it's actually the 10 year anniversary of gutter balls this year. Yeah. Fuck. Where's gutter balls too, Ryan. Maybe Ryan <laughs> will put it out in a special pack in a one, two. It's been done for how long? Now? It'll, it'll be a special I, edition. It comes in a bowling bag and everything. Fuck, that would be amazing. Was there just massive post-production problems with that? With what? Cutter, Cutter Balls 2? Not really. You've seen it, right? You've seen the rough cut. Yeah, no. Well, it was the finished film, but he decided after he showed it to, you know, the Calgary Horicon and uh, Texas Frightmare that he wasn't satisfied with the film. It was a finished product, and then he decided that he wanted to go in and do reshoots. Uh, and change up a lot of the things that were in the film. So what he did is he cut a lot of the shit out of the film, um, put out, you know, the more dead new girls type thing. And that was footage from that. And so, yeah, he was doing reshoots um, just basically on his own merit. 
So, and then he was going to re-edit the film and do it. I don't know. It's just, you know, filmmaker bullshit, right? I'm not happy with it. So, but the thing is though, he has said on record, cause I even talked to him not too long ago and he said, all that shit's been done for a long time. I didn't want to pry and get, you know, too deep. Cause you know, he was doing effects for on a movie and stuff at the time. But, um, he he did say that everything's done. I don't know if all the post is done and everything, but it seems like it is taking a long time now, right? So I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, people are have been inquiring, like, hey, man, like, I know that you're doing reshoots and things, but where's the film? I don't have a very good track record with Kickstarter <laughs> things, man. Like, I've, actually, all the Kickstarter, I've never received one movie that I put into, so. Well, don't invest in Sandman, because you know you won't be seeing that shit. Yeah, that, that's soon. definitely probably never going to happen, so we all know about that. But hopefully hopefully it does come out, and being a 10-year anniversary, maybe hey, that's, maybe that's a little bit know, of motivation. You could, you could send a million dollars to Tom Savini, and he could redo Nightmare City, and you'll make no money back anyway, and then you'll be like, hey. Hey, man. It'll be a recurring theme. It's all about, having your, na- it's all about having your name on there as an executive producer. That's oh, yeah. good. But, uh, no, you know I mean, you know, maybe it's motivation for, for Ron, you know, being the 10-year anniversary of Gutter Balls to do a, a nice addition of that and maybe, you know, actually finally get out Gutter Balls too. I mean, this is turning into fucking uh, Class of Newcomb High Volume 2 right now. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but at least that's showing. Yeah, but, like, where is the release of it, though? Yeah. It's is it ins- really showing? People yeah. have seen it? Oh, yeah. For a while. Yeah. yeah. yeah wow. I know, I know some people saw it last year. I mean, well, it obviously aired, you know, way back in the day, too, but... Um, well, I guess rough cuts, but yeah, no, I mean, even Luke said he saw it in the UK. Mm. They had showings of it yeah. there. So I don't yeah. know what's going on with that, man. But it's pretty crazy, man. Like I'm I'm looking back and I've been trying to push Jeremy to do these throwback Thursday things where we highlight old episodes of the show. Yeah, um I don't I shouldn't have to remind you. If I remembered myself, I'd just do it myself. <laughs> right? He's I'd asking for a reminder. JB yeah, can't remember. Like, he's I give him one job. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, I did the box office brawl. So fuck you. Yeah. OK, good point. Um, but episode 34, interesting episode um, that came out back in December of 2014. It was actually our first episode of 2014, I believe. It might have been the second episode. I can't remember. Uh, wow. So long ago. Yeah. It does uh, but yeah, it actually just passed a thousand views on YouTube, which is it makes like another like I, I swear, like most of our episodes are over a thousand now. It's crazy, um, and it's it had interesting conversations in there, guys. This this was a very interesting episode. This is not Thursday, and it's not didn't come out. That, like, Let's talk about that jabroni that was talking shit to me on the freaking Hellraiser comments. We could do that, yeah, and the one that was talking shit about me. But so this episode, I had this noted. Shit, I had this noted about uh, host hate. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we say that uh, should be a new segment, man. We'll just have a new segment called Host Hate, and we'll just read out okay. all the hate comments and uh, and posts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So speaking of hate, this this episode was really interesting because um, we had that segment there where we talked about Emperor Corndog. You remember that guy? Oh, dude, I re- that was that episode, right? That was the one that he was supposed to come on and rebuttal his. Yeah, shit, right. Yeah, because yeah. he took shit way too wrong. Like, yeah. and didn't take apparently it right. his channel's gone because I'm clicking the link where we linked his video, and it's go- it's not there. So, um, who knows what happened to that guy? But yeah, yeah it was uh, it was pretty interesting. We talked about hmm. uh, the remake of it that episode. We talked about Contracted Two, uh, Tales of Halloween. What Rampage a piece of 3. shit that was, Contracted Two. Yeah, that yeah. was. 
agree. Trash movie. That wasn't very good. Uh, we also reviewed High Tension, Dead Nude Girls, Death Bed, The Bed That Eats, The Devil's Business, Day of the Mummy, uh, as well as Gutter Balls and Hanger. It's a pretty cool episode. Check that one out if Dead you Dead News Girls. I was, yeah, I just brought that up. Yeah, because he yeah. The, the part two to that was the footage cut from – yeah, okay. That's interesting. Corndog, yeah. man. That that dude was funny. He actually was like he legitimately was funny. funny, but he would – He was our he, first voicemailer. Yeah, that's right. He was. Remember he, he told Jeremy to suck it up and quit bitching? <laughs> Among people, yeah, he was the first person for that too. <laughs> yeah, I've only heard yeah. that eight thousand more times since. <laughs> Neil just said it right now. <laughs> I did actually. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's so fucked. Uh, but it's yeah, so no, we had we had some pretty good back and forth with Corn Dog Man. That was uh, that was interesting because he was very opin- opinionated too, right? Mm-hmm. And like I, that was that was a fun time. That was a fun time. There was a lot of people that jumped on that hate wagon though. Yeah, remember that? Oh, the the comments! Holy fuck, man! These guys, yeah, are, that... these guys are acting like dicks. Ever since they started up this podcast, they're, they're oh, so yeah. over opinionated and they, and they think they're just running everything. And it was like, holy no! Imagine you what don't you would think, think about that actually. Account. I'm like, you're thinking that because you're jealous or of the? Sh- I don't know what the fuck you're. Yeah, coming from. it was very weird, man. Like we started what you would getting think about us now, though. <laughs> Who knows? Um, well, those cats though, or hundred and eleven more episodes. Some of those people that were really hating. They were part of, you know, the the horror community at the time. I don't think, you know, they probably don't even know what we're up to anymore. Yeah. The people who thought they were elitists. There was a few. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think people also thought we were elitists, so it was like kind of a interesting thing. Uh, I I think people thought that we thought we were, like, cooler than them when really – like we don't we think like that at all. We we <laughs> encourage everybody to do stuff like this because because it's fun. people get you know honest <laughs> opinions confused with being or trying to be a, an elitist. You know, yeah. Like, which which brings us to our actual you know point that you said like the host hate thing. Oh. We had two different incidents. Um, one of which, uh, Jeremy, you, if you wanted to talk about <laughs> yours. <laughs> oh. I wasn't prepared to read it. This isn't going to have any N-word coolness like the last guy did when I read off a comment because we all know how much I loved reading that guy's comment. The guys listening, you need to comment on a video because I want to read out your comments again. Because Yeah, it's been a I while saw, actually since he responded. Like, I haven't heard back from that guy. All right, so. this jabroni that goes by the name of HorrorFan87, he says – I love these podcasts. I totally support 22 Shots, and I'm so glad you've done the Hellraiser franchise. But honestly, this guy has horrible grammar. But honestly, the show would be so much better without Jeremy! Exclamation point. <laughs> he offers no knowledgeable opinions. His bad language is so frequent and unnecessary. It should be a period there, or comma. It's almost like a child showing off. Okay. Uh, he constantly argues with Moods and JP and appears to be... <laughs> And appears to only be present so that he could pick up any grammatical errors while I just did on the earth. <laughs> Dude, that uh, guy just totally the irony is so th- it's so thick. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me if I'm wrong! Exclamation point. And he constantly argues with moods and JP. I barely fucking talk, so how am I supposed to be arguing with moods and JP when I barely say anything as it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, if if you know. All you have to do is listen to episode 76 through 100, and you can have all you want without me. So suck my dick. Okay, so that's all you have to comment on that? Sure. Okay. I don't really give um, a shit. Okay. I, I, do feel uh, like, I do feel like that guy is a regular listener. I'm pretty sure he comments frequently. I don't know. 
So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, but... I'm trying to find mine. I can't find it. Does anybody know where it is? It's on Facebook. No. I know. I'm trying to find, like, think of a search word to type in. Because I, I don't, don't remember don't what he said. Oh, he just says you suck. No, he didn't. I know. No, it, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, if we find it, we'll hey. come back to it, but... <laughs> yeah so he he basically said i annoy him and i was like okay i was like why <laughs> and um like he really didn't say anything he's like well you recommended these two bad movies i much like the one that moods recommended more with both of the movies i couldn't remember what they i, I he didn't know what they were and i couldn't re- he just said they were about something and i couldn't remember what he was talking about one was like australian i think um so i don't know how i would recommend a bad australian film seems like seems like not possible to me but i don't know and then he said that i think i'm always right um i don't think that's true actually like i've admitted being wrong like when i mean when when did that happen i wasn't i I admitted with the hellraiser (laughs) thing where i said i was completely wrong about this film um I mean, I I don't know if I've ever is that a fart specifically. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've told you guys like in chat and stuff that like, oh, like Moods was kind of more right about that thing or whatever, okay. or, or something like that, you know. But I mean, I, I I definitely admit when I'm wrong about something. Uh, am I very opinionated? Yeah, I think all three of us are. It's just it went like, <laughs> like me and Moods will will like duke it out with our opinions and, and things like that and and there have been times where everybody agrees with moods like and there have been times where the majority of people have agreed with me mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but like you guys got like I, I i swear every couple like months we say stuff like this but you got to realize like this is entertainment right it's not it's not dead serious life it like some people take this shit too serious in terms of like they literally get mad at people if they have the wrong opinion versus their opinion like i never get mad right like i don't like we get heated in in, in our debates and stuff like that but at the end of the day dude it's it's all opinion we always establish we always say it is all opinion it is okay <laughs> so it's like yeah i mean 100 man i mean even yesterday i i usually don't respond to comments i've mentioned this many many times on videos that are like four years old but mm-hmm. i had to respond to this one because it just made me laugh because i was literally just thinking about it too and because i think it, me and brandon were talking about it and so this guy had commented on i did a top 30 films of the year i was born like four or five years ago or something and this guy commented, and he's like, he said, uh, no terror train or prom night, but Cannibal Holocaust is good enough to make your list. And I was, I was like, dude, these are my favorite films from the, this is not a bonafide best of list. I'm yeah. like, how can you tell me what I like? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't like prom night and terror train didn't make it. I'm not a big fan of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I can, it's, and it's actually, and what he's saying, it's not like what you even said is against the grain. I think most logical people would say like cannibal holocaust is better than both of those movies so it's like he's even more like w- twisted with his opinion well it, it went it went even one step further than that too like he went on to say you know i can't get behind cannibal holocaust because you know they were just killing animals and blah 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 and i was like and then that's when i piped up and I said you know what man i said a lot of people did think that the animal killings were purely for shock value at the time 
But Ruggiero Diodato has stated many times, and many people that were involved with the film have stated many times, that the animal killings were shot for the film, but they were also, you know, food for the native tribes. And they mm-hmm. ate those things right after, too. The, the, you got to remember, they shot with non-actors there, right? These were real natives and, and non-actors. And this is what's their source of food, just like how we slaughter cows and shit, you know? And yeah. this was their source of food. And I was like, dude, it's been stated many, many times. Like, Rodero Dado didn't want to. It wasn't his vision to put in these animal killings and things like that. It was just what it was, right? So it's not like they went out of their way to plan this out. It was actually food. And I was, you know, and I responded back to him. And he did, you know, kind of came around on it. And I said, he's like, yeah, I do understand that this is your opinion on these lists and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's just my personal favorite. So I'm like, I like Mother's Day more than I like fucking Terror Train. You know, I'm probably in the major or the minority there, you know, but who knows? Did you say Mother's Day? Yeah. Yeah. Like the original Mother's Day. So uh, I've never seen the original Mother's Day, but yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Terror Train's like overly good. No, no, I don't. <laughs> really? and, and that was the thing. And again, it's not like I dislike Terror Train. It was just it didn't fit into the list at the time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I just find it so funny how people take these things so damn serious. But on that note, I did find the post from Eddie Gallows. Okay. Here's cool. the here's the post. It says, "I love listening. I love listening to horror podcast." Okay, speaking of grammar. Uh, oh yeah, this is the guy from Chicago who <laughs> asked me for movie recommendations. Get, it gets me through my job. Um, out of all the horror podcasts I've listened to, this one is my favorite. I've gone back and listened to older ones and listened to some twice. But my God, JP annoys the living shit out of me. What's <laughs> the whole post? Yeah, and and it's like I don't know, like. I've talked to him because I was like, he was like, I would love to come on, like pay the money to come on or whatever. And I was like, you don't even have to pay. Just come on and tell me why you're, why you find me annoying and we'll debate it out. You know, I thought that would be an interesting, um, segment, you know, have him on for a segment or whatever. And like, you know, actually have a live conversation on what I do. That's annoying. Um, and I told, I actually invited him on this Sunday, um, for, or at least I was going to record something beforehand or, or after, but he said he couldn't do it or something like that. So I don't know. Um, I, I He started getting like, like I don't know, like not apologetic, but it seemed like he was walking the rope backwards a little bit yeah. with his comments, like where he's like, you know, like it's just humor, like saying that he was only joking or something like that. So like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to take it whatever you know i'm i know i annoy people like i don't i don't know any single person who doesn't come off annoying to somebody else you know like everybody's gonna not like something about about people and i do understand that when somebody's very strong opinionated like me uh which which will uh, is actually something that's brought up in an email that we got um that i'm about to read so like yeah i'm strong opinionated that's gonna rub people the wrong way especially if they have the opposite stance of what i'm talking about and especially yeah i know you guys have listened to podcasts or something like that or the radio or something where people are saying something that you're just like like don't even believe like it happens all the time in sports radio where they're talking about something i completely disagree and like you can't even say like you're just like want to say something so bad but you like you're obviously listening to a radio it's like not a two-way conversation and it's like you get frustrated so like i understand that you know it's it's just part of um podcasting radio like all that stuff like you're gonna you're gonna have rub people the wrong way but anyway let me read this email this was very interesting and it just so happens to kind of coincide with some of the stuff we're talking about which is very interesting that we got this today before we recorded and it just fits in with this conversation 
So this email uh, is from James Cox. Uh, the great James Cox has done some work for us in the past in, in terms of like um, artwork and stuff. He made the top five Friday banner that, that I use on my YouTube videos. Um, but he's a really cool dude, big supporter of ours, supporter of the Patreon, stuff like that. Um, and he says, hello, gents. It's been a while since I last emailed, but wanted to bring something up. Jeremy, I'd really like to hear more from you. You have a really interesting insight into films, technical know-how, I'll never know. Yeah, I can get, I can give something kudos for having great aesthetics, but with your film school background, you'll have no doubt been taught to look and read things differently. Another thing that's needed to go hand-in-hand with this, though, is confidence. Dude, just blast out what you have to say. Who cares if JP or Moods agree or or not? It's your opinion, and it'll add even more to what your already great discussions. They don't care if people agree with them or not. And they, as well as all the listeners, want to hear more of what you have to say. That's all I've got. Hashtag more Jew. By the way, you guys have been killing it the last episodes. You've gone up another level. So I think James is actually extremely making an extremely fair point here. I personally think that Jeremy backs down from his opinion if all of a sudden me and you both disagree with it. Often. Not all the time, but often. I feel like you're afraid to fully commit to what you feel. And I think that James is right, that you need to be more confident in what you have to say. Who cares if people disagree? Me and Moods know that we're going to say stuff. No, it's just not that. It's just like, oh, what happened if you say something and then we all could relate to my lure review in the freaking top 10 episode and then I freaking freeze up and I don't know what to say. Yeah, but those type of things are going to happen. I mean, I'm mean, i sure but, it's but happened to all of us before. the reason you didn't know what to say, Jeremy, is because you got caught off guard with the fact that we hated it. If we would have just... If it would have just got gone to you and we never would have said anything, you would have started going into why you liked it, like you did previously in the episode with all your other picks. The reason that you got caught up is because you were shocked that we didn't like it, and then you felt self-conscious that you did like it and didn't really want to say something that contradicted what me and Moods said why we didn't like it, because then you wouldn't know if it was actually good or you just liked it. I don't know. It was, it was an I interesting... Think- I think situation. It was that moment where you heard what we had to say, and then you—I think you might have questioned yourself a little bit, too. You're like, "Did I like this more than I, than I said <laughs> yeah, I did?" Yeah, I, or... so. I, I literally think that's what it was. You yeah, know? you started questioning, like, because we said this is bad, this is bad, <clears throat> and for you to say that you liked it, well, that means that you were saying that it's not bad, which I think you didn't want to do because you weren't confident in your feelings towards the film, but you should be. Whenever you feel something about a movie, I think you should just say it, you know? It, and sometimes you are going to look dumb, like, to other people. Does it mean that you're actually dumb? No. It just means that they're looking at it different from a different pers- perspective. Some of the things that I say about things, like, take gutter balls, for example. We just had that conversation. Like, I truly feel that that mask sucks bad. But other people like it, including both of you and other listeners. But 
I didn't back down from my feelings towards it because I feel very confident in saying that that mask sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, I'm confident in that opinion that I feel that way. I truly feel that way. So I'm going to share that opinion, even if it goes against the grain. And mm-hmm. you look at, like, the Schroyers, right? Like, Andrew. He says shit, I think, just to go against the grain, like, sometimes. But Yeah, um, you want to talk about somebody him, that's, that's constantly having to defend his, his opinion. Christ, if, man. if you ask him, though, he says that he truly feels this way about this stuff. But one thing that I give him props for is he has confidence in the shit that he says. You know what I mean? Even if it's always against the grain and, and nobody can even take it seriously sometimes with, you know, Happy Death Day being the greatest film that came out last year. You know, that's ironic <laughs> to a lot of people. But he has confidence in him saying that. You know what I mean? So, that I, hey, you know, hats off. I don't know um, how that's still the case. Uh, I don't know. What? That, dra- that he thinks that movie's the fucking best movie of last year. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating. But that just goes, that's his taste, right? I know. I mean, he had not, that, lady, that late 90s floating head era, like, mm-hmm. he loves that shit, man. And, I mean, but, yeah, but, but, I mean, but, he even pi- he's picking a Patreon show this month, and it is floating head 90s films. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he wants us to talk about him, which is cool, because I actually like the films that he picked. Yeah, faculty's cool. pretty good. I swear he's yeah. doing it out of spite of me, because he thinks it's going to torture me. But I'm like, it's not really that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i think that james had a, a fantastic point in in that be more confident yeah we'll you, see. that's essentially what it comes down to man just i mean if you're thinking something say it not a big deal man we ain't gonna bite you yeah we might make fun of you yeah, and then I'll freaking have him laugh with the lure, and I'll freeze up, and I won't say anything. I think I think one of the shorters made an interesting point when he said, like, oh, I'll say something, and then you guys, like, talk over me, and I say, oh, that's stupid, and I'll just stop talking. I, I think it was Austin who said that. It yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, hey, like, somebody else said that. Or I'll uh, have something interesting to say, and I'll say it, but when you guys are talking, and then you just keep on talking, and then... What yeah. I say isn't talked about, and you guys just keep going. Um, I think Andrew has said this, and I know Carly has said this to me. Um, she said sometimes, like, wh- like if me and Moods start talking about something, it's, like, really hard to get in a word. <laughs> like, if me or Moods or both of us, especially if we're conversating with each other, Mm-hmm. Like I but think I, you know, and, and hey, I I I probably agree with that. It probably is hard to get in. Well, it's simply the fact stuff. that like us doing it right now, like because when you're talking, like I'm just I'm thinking about what I'm ready to say, and I'm just yeah. gonna say it right away, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, it does. Yeah, it, it's it it comes down to having just you know, it's a space issue sometimes. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think there's a lot of shows like this though. Like you'll listen to other podcasts, and there's always one guy that talks less. And it's probably due yeah. to the other ones talking too fucking much. Yeah. So. And and listen, one thing about our show, and I, I do want to make a commercial for our show, like a little bumper that we could give the other podcasts to play eventually. Um, but one thing that I think our show has completely different than everybody else. Well, two things, actually. One is that we are not afraid to disagree with each other and have debates. I believe Mood said that he heard somebody say... Like I read it. I don't understand why podcasters argue with each other. It's so pointless. Yeah, and it was, and I'm thinking like I if I hear a podcast and everybody's agreeing with each other, 
I don't listen to that podcast anymore. Yeah. Because you're telling me that 50 episodes in and all you guys love all these films equally and all you guys hate the ones that you hate equally. Like, get, everybody's afraid to offend people. But, like, you shouldn't be because it, it, it's opinion. So it should, opinion should never offend. <laughs> That's fucking... It's so ridiculous. And, and we're not afraid to to disagree with each other. I think that I think our resume speaks for itself with that. We've had so many classic debates. That's some Pleasantville shit right there. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. No. I don't want to hear everybody no. being super <laughs> super Oh yeah, you're right man. That movie is so good. Like I just it, it just turns me off instantly. Like mm-hmm. and you can tell sometimes that somebody will like not really be, like the movie but they'll they won't they'll be like scared to say it like i've heard this in podcasts it's super annoying <laughs> like you could hear the tone mm. in their voice that they're they're not really a fan of the movie but they're just like agreeing with everything um i hate that and the second thing that we do that no other show does man i swear to god is we cover everything like if it's the worst franchise in the world if it's the best franchise in the world it, we cover Ozploitation, we cover black and white flicks, we cover all Get all the kind of fuck stuff. out of here. We don't cover, we cover no black everything. and white flicks. Get the hell yeah, out of here. Do, dude. We've covered what? a handful. What? We've covered we've covered Spider Baby, we've covered uh-huh. fucking cat people. Um there well, has to be there those has, are in uh, main Coffin, Coffin Joe. Like we've definitely covered some black and white flicks. Not many Co- though. Co- dude, if you look at the range of our show, I've never seen another podcast have the range we have. Like, just look at our, our Octobers and 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 all these sh- like our Italian horror months, like the Coffin Joe show. To, co- to cover the Coffin Joe show and then do the like Chainsaw show like right afterwards. It's such a broad scope of different films. Like, and I think I truly think we cover everything. Not not all at once. Like, there's things we haven't got to yet, but. That's why when I was explaining to you our lineup this month, and I was like, dude, these are all things that we would do anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they, truly, we we will tackle anything. Like, if Moods wants to do, if if Move wants to do a Co- Coffin Joe show, we're like, all right, let's do it. If he wants to do a Gene Rowland show, we might fight it at first, but I'm glad we did it. Derek made us do it. So. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but we literally cover everything, dude. Every little facet of horror, masters of horror. Like, there's all these little sections of horror, and we we touch on all of them. Eventually. Killer genitals is coming soon. Killer yes. genitals. Like, <laughs> we, do the uh, what's the one with the grater on the cover? Tommy Pistol is that the name of it? Oh, dude, that shit. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> but but I was I was literally looking at our episode list, and I'm like, dude, we've covered so many different types of things. It's 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 awesome, you know. Yeah. So many that's so true. many just weird things, and I and like you know you got you got some people who who like would never do some of the shows we do. Like Coffin Joe, like there's not many podcasts that have covered that trilogy. <clears throat> I was actually quite shocked too because when Synapse released the trilogy, that there wasn't more people talking about it. Makes mm-hmm. me wonder if it even sold well. I, I yeah. don't think a lot of people even know who Coffin Joe is. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I think there's a ton of people who don't know who Coffin Joe is. Dude, that shot with him eating that lamb when the people are walking down the street is fucking awesome in that movie oh yeah so oh, yeah. yeah so good but yeah i mean i think i you might disagree jeremy but i think we do a great job of a variety yeah we really don't do them any older films though bro 
I mean, we don't do that many older films, but we don't do that many, you know, uh, German German films either. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, we don't do that many Italian films. We just do. We have a month where we do them. I mean, it's you know, 130 episodes into the show. There's probably a ton more to go, and who knows? We'll get to those. I mean, we we. I mean, we did kind of talk about this and came to agreement. Like some of the some of the films that we didn't want to cover early in the show was like. Things like Dracula and Frankenstein, like you know, the films that have been mm-hmm. talked to death, essentially. Yeah, and we and so, we do stuff that has been talked to death too. But I mean, of course, of I course. think that like we okay, like we did Spider Baby and um, what was the other one I just mentioned? Cat People. Like yeah. those are two the two shows, and we don't one we don't do them often because truly they don't do good numbers at all. They're like our those two of those are. Those two shows are two of our least viewed shows of all time. Well, that's where my point was leading to, too. I mean, we have people we bombed do, completely. We do this show, you know, for fun, but mm-hmm. we also want to, you know, the, have the listeners be interested in the shows that we're doing, too. So if yeah. we're not doing the more popular black and white films from the silent to the 30s and 40s era um, and we go obscure from that time, do you think people, people are going to click on that shit? Like, I doubt it. I mean, if Cat yeah. People isn't getting the views, and that's one of those films that's kind of a groundbreaker a little bit, and people aren't interested in it, are they going to be interested in some random film? I don't know. Yeah, we've we've done some uh, Bava films that are uh, that were black and white, I believe. Yeah, um, at least one of them, and uh, Coffin Joe, obviously. So, so we've touched on it throughout time. I'm sure we will eventually do a Universal Monster show. You know that that would be fun. Uh, we need Obviously, to do some hammer we, shows, man. We need to do some that, hammer that shows. That too. Exploding Heads is doing hammer right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm down. Yeah, like Amicus. We could do Amicus shows. Like, like we're we're getting like I just even this next little lineup that we have. Uh, you know, some of the shows we have planned. There's a lot of variety there. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's cool that we touch so much stuff. And I think that one of the reasons that this show could potentially go on for years and years longer. It's just that there's so much that we can do. There's so many, you know, still trilogies and franchises we never got to. So many, uh, like we said, we never did Universal. We never did uh, Amicus. We never did Hammer stuff. Um, we haven't even done, done an Irish show. We haven't even done like a straight up Vincent Price show. A Vincent Price actor spotlight. We haven't done a Stephen King show. Yeah, I know, and that's one that that is definitely a show that's been requested many times. I think that's yeah, going to happen I mean, sooner than say later. Though. It. It was kind of one, and you could say Pet Cemetery, kind of. But like, I, I I have the idea that we should just do a like trilogy of King films and let the Patreon pick them, um, and and just do like a couple of volumes of that. I, I agree. think that would be fun. I agree. But um, yeah. So I think I think that uh, we have a lot of cool stuff that that we could do going forward, and and we cover everything. Anything you guys want us to cover, we'll cover. That's right, man. That's right. But on that note, besides Carrie, because fuck that. <laughs> if they want it bad enough, they'll head on over to the Patreon, and we will do. That's Damn become it. quite the fucking joke, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. When's Carrie? Yeah, yeah. So on that note, let's get into some news. Let's do some news All right now. Live. Okay. Well, no, 
We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! The news. Um, not too much this week. We haven't been covering news lately. Um, we took a little like bi-weekly type break for the last couple months. Literally the last couple months. Um, but there, there's been some stuff happened since then. Nothing major, honestly. Uh, but so we have a couple of uh, Blu-ray announcements. So we got Toho's trilogy of uh, vampire films getting a Blu-ray release from Arrow. This is yeah. called the Bloodthirsty trilogy. It includes the Vampire Doll, Lake of Dracula, and Evil of Dracula. Mince, have you seen any of these flicks? I have not seen them. I know about them, but this is like a really cool release from Arrow. Good on them for releasing this shit. Yeah, this is cool because yeah. I've never even heard of these flicks. Mm-hmm. You know, they're um, Toho, which is, uh, I believe, the Japanese company that uh, produced like the Godzilla films and like maybe some of like the Gamera stuff and shit, right? Yep. Like a lot of that kaiju stuff. Um, they may have done like, some of the Gamera stuff, like the. the I thought like the stuff. Gamera was like I thought that was like the the arch nemesis of Godzilla or the ripoff of not Godzilla, so. Well, there's a shit ton of Gamera films. Yeah, yeah, they're really. I'm nice. not. I'm not really familiar <laughs> with those, those things. I, I'm not. I'm not 100 yeah. percent well versed in you know the Tahoe filmography, but who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just figured that they might have had something to do with it, but yeah, and that's another thing we haven't done: Godzilla, right? Nope. There's a plenty of those. We would do those in volumes, <laughs> like th- four, three or four films at a time. At a time. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of makes sense to you because there's Godzilla films from like so many different eras, you know. It yeah, kinda fits that. There's a, there's a mold there. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, they Toho Toho did a bunch of stuff and like Ghidorahs and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not you guys know I'm not super versed in, in that stuff, but uh, that's cool that they're putting that out. That's that seems like a neat neat release. Uh, they also announced. I actually really like this release. So this is the last house on the left, right? Like it's and, like the Hills Have Eyes kind of box set. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, dude, I love their Hills Have Eyes release. It made me appreciate that film a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this is pretty neat because this release here, I love when this happens. I love when there's a certain movie that comes out multiple times on multiple editions but for whatever reason i just keep i just have my original dvd copy and then eventually like a super mega edition comes out and i'm like man i'm glad i didn't buy all these other blu-rays that came out in between it um and that's the case with last house on the left i i still just have the standard uh dvd release so this is this will be a happy upgrade for me so do i (laughs) yes i had the blu-ray that i bought when we were supposed to do that Wes craven show <laughs> on burial grounds or whatever the fuck it was called, whatever the hell. Yeah. Well, sell it and you can save a dollar on the new pr- on the purchase of the arrow. Yeah, it's cheap. You can get it for like five bucks. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is interesting because there's three cuts of the movie on this release. Yeah, I'm interested in this. Yeah. What's the Krug cut? Krug. Krug. Krug whatever. Fuck you. Krug maybe it's company. maybe it's a cut without the soundtrack. <laughs> wow, that would be freaking neat. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um uh, yeah i have no idea what that is but you know we know krug is the lead villain d- played by david hess mm-hmm. yeah and uh the r-rated cut is pro has it been released uncut before yeah oh yeah the, yeah, yeah. the old blu-ray uncut yeah uh, it's the d is the old dvd uncut yes 
the, okay. there it, there is a theatrical version DVD and there is an uncut one too. Okay, so that I mean that's pretty cool. I don't know if I've I ha- own the uncut version or if I've seen it, but if uh, I sh- I assume I probably have. But so really the the main thing the main interesting thing there is the Krugen Company cut just to yeah. see what that would be. Curious what that is. Yeah, but uh, I'm really excited for this release. This is a pretty cool release. Well, it comes out in May. With it being that type of cut, I imagine there's more soundtrack then, because David Hess <laughs> actually did the music for the film. So Great. if, if it's it. him actually controlling the cut, I don't know. <laughs> shit. Well, maybe maybe it's darker and they took out the you know the, the parts of the stupid cops and shit. Who knows? Uh, That'd man, be cool. That's that's pretty. Oh, I'm really curious though. Like, do they have running times on those? Like, is it longer? Is it shorter? Doesn't say. It doesn't, doesn't say? say. Okay, it's pretty neat though. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, apparently, Jordan Peele is gonna start prepping for his next movie, uh, which is just tight, like Boy Discussing says, an original genre movie. So, I'm not sure. What is that that's horror about. or what? Yeah, I don't know. Um, hmm. Guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess. Maybe we'll be Get Out too. <laughs> I don't want Get Out too. Me neither. Surely. I think that movie's great by itself. It doesn't need a sequel. Yeah, but it made up five hundred million dollars, so of course they're going to ruin it. Yeah. Um, can't leave things alone, you know. So the last the news here that I have, like I said, it was kind of short. Um, apparently the Blair Witch Project might be heading towards the small screen, um, which is interesting. I'm uh, not sure how I feel about that. I don't think that's really a TV kind of a format. Like, how are they going to develop that to be like an episodic type of a of a show? I think it just works well as it is as a 90 minute piece. What are they going to have? Do you have somebody fucking go out into the woods every week and see what's going on? It's like. I don't know if I really want to see a long-form Blair Witch project. Project, no pun intended. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it works. Really, I'm not. Well, um, is yeah. it is it going to be shot like found footage style, or is it just the idea of Blair Witch being brought to the small screen? Well, it says the studio announced today their initial slate, which includes three features set to Bob the Spring, along with episodic projects in development. One such project hiding deep within the history is a series based on the 1999 film The Blair Witch Project with spawned two sequels and a forthcoming documentary. Hmm. Doesn't really say. Yeah, who knows? Um, I don't know if you would do it like, would it be a remake, like a retelling of the Heather, Josh, and Mike story and just stretched out? Because honestly, like, I think so. If it was like a half hour show, like there's definitely enough like time I think to build they use, that story. I think they use the backstory of the film as kind of like the starting oh, okay. point for the series. And yeah, that would be kind of cool. And go through the hit. Cause yeah, there's like tons of like, like the, uh, like a whole backstory and, and all that. Right. Yeah. Like, no, there's like tons of mythology in the movie that like they just briefly talk about exactly. and you're like, oh, I would have liked to see that. Would that like, see that, that look like? I think that would like, be cool. Like you take this backstory and then you then you you take the mythology that the movie presented to you that didn't yeah, elaborate dude. on it. And then they go from there. 
all so the way have the start idea. back with the actual witch like yes the, the Mary and, and it creates a story out of this mythology and kind of go yeah. from there i think that would be a good way of doing it and kind yeah, of keeping and it fresh there's like even that old man who like killed the the kids and stuff like that that little story in there that's totally um, exactly yeah dude that would actually be kind of cool like yeah you just cracked that baby open moods you just came <laughs> up with a great concept yeah. uh Lionsgate, you know where to do send it. a check <laughs> um and Listen that's to moods because he knows everything that's it for the news no I, I honestly i'm usually wrong on all these type of predictions what did you hear about this uh friday the 13th original filming location offering overnight camping experience so this is happening on friday the 13th april friday the 13th and friday and saturday the 14th and uh i guess let's see i'll see what it says uh in order to release the stress tick blah 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 uh lottery system and i guess what they're doing is they're offering tours of the original set of where the original film was shot at and a once in a lifetime overnight experience to four people wow i didn't even realize the the original sets were still there it was part three that burnt down right the farm yeah yeah Yeah. wow so if you want to go on a tour of the friday 13th cabin it's only 135 bucks for three hours so yeah, I don't know if I'm actually interested in that or not. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it depends what else they're offering. I mean, if they're just walking us through, and I'm yeah. looking at you know sites and and sets and shit, I I, I don't know. I, I'm not overly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be too stoked on paying 135 bucks for that, but maybe the overnighter. I don't know. Who knows? Mm-hmm. If yeah. I get to, if uh, I get to bring a couple you know cases of shock top, I'll be cool. But. Yeah, it says 3 p.m. to 11 a.m. includes dinner and breakfast, minimum age 21. And it's it's just like an Ooh. auction thing, so I'm curious to see how much that shit ends up going for. Oh, so they're starting at 135 and No, no, no. The, the, the tours are that price, but the overnight is a different. It's I like see. an auction type of a thing. Yeah. yeah, also there was that little bit of news that came from the Vestron Facebook page. We don't know if it's 100% accurate or not. Yeah. But basically, they say that the next releases are going to hit in July. So probably going to be a little bit. <laughs> they're playing the. They're playing this to uh, people's pockets, though, man. These Vestrons are so damn expensive. They're giving people time to save their money to Wh- buy Which them. was always <laughs> one of our biggest criticisms of Scream Factory that they just released too much too fast. Yeah, but these are like fucking stupid money, though. Well, I, see, my thing is like. Every Vestron that I've got, I've got for around twenty-one or twenty-two dollars or less. Yeah, but there's, they're just ant releases. What do you mean? Like they don't really load on like the new, newly produced special features like Screen yeah, Factory yeah, and Arrow. There's, there's a good bit, a decent there's amount. A good, there's a good bit of features. Like they they poured over a lot of this. Yeah, they pour. You know, they don't fucking but, do but newly that, produced yes, features. They do. Like, yes, I mean, they not do. that much though. Like they Arrow. do actually though. Uh, have you watched any of them? No. Oh, well, where are you getting this information? Well, to be honest, Screen, Factor- Screen Factory is... I mean, they used to produce a lot more features for the releases, but some of these even collector's editions now are... They shouldn't be collector's editions, in my opinion. There's barely any oh, features on them. Great. It's crazy. 
So yeah. I don't know. I, um, I think Festron is doing a decent job. I see the problem is for me is that they're considered imports here, so they're like forty something bucks. It's just yeah. ludicrous. So yeah, I will say this: that I think that um, every single release has like new like featurettes. Like I'm almost certain that all the releases have like like new featurettes that were completely done f- for the releases. Like I know, especially because I've gone through them. You know what I mean? Like the first four releases all have brand new features. Mm-hmm. I watched the Return of Living Dead three, some of the stuff on there, mm-hmm. and I think that's. I want to say that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the only one I watched for features, but yeah, I don't Their know. Their transfers are pretty good. Um, Return of Living Dead Three is a great release because they finally released it uncut, which is I think the biggest thing you could do. Like Waxwork was the first time uncut, and you know, yeah. and I think that putting some of these films on Blu-ray for the first time is pretty cool too. Like the Wishmaster films have never been on Blu-ray. Um, so if this rumor so, is true with Vestron not releasing their next titles until June, I wonder what the reason is. Because, like, we're just going into... Well, they're market. running out of eight-pack films. <laughs> well, besides, like the, besides the obvious well, joke that we're thinking I, I of, think, right? But like, I think, like, from what I read is that they are trying to get, like, features. Like, because there's a lot of films that they can release that already have HD masters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, somebody mentioned The Wraith which has an HD master um, it used to be on Netflix. So like they could easily just drop that on a Blu-ray and, and release it. So I think they're actually trying to like f- create features for them. Maybe that's actually a good point. Maybe they are trying to put out the Wraith and they're trying to get uh, Charlie Sheen, you know, to do some, <laughs> to do some feature, <laughs> to do some interviews. It's not like he's doing anything else. So. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just sitting there dying of the hiv, isn't he? Or something. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean it's true. I mean, if that is the case, if they're just you know not trying to rush the release, well, no, he ain't dying of hit of HIV because he has a shit ton of money. Yeah, exactly. He's got Magic so Johnson live, money. He's got Magic Johnson yeah. money. But yeah, it, if this is true though, if they are waiting, you know, to put in the you know for the features to come through and shit, that's a pretty good excuse. But you know, you think you would try to get something out in that? He time. doesn't have super aids though. <laughs> because you gotta be afraid of that super aids. Because let's face it, like. This world of these niche companies is it's very, it's very competitive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have to stay in the game a little bit. You know, you don't want to be releasing stuff so far apart that people kind of forget. I mean, people are probably aren't not going to forget about Vestron, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's there's different ways of doing. It. I mean, we've criticized Screen Factory for releasing eight to ten films a month. That's like way too much. That's fucking yeah. overkill. And then you got Vestron, who's releasing you know a film or two every like four or five months. That seems a little too. Yeah, it's too I, I, infrequent. I think the best way to do it is to have two films every other month. I just hope it's not like issues with the films themselves. If it turns mm. out it is about the features, I'm I'm totally cool with that, and they're really trying to put in the work and produce these things. But I think that just having a full game plan and just having a bunch of films ready to go and maybe release one or two that don't have as many features, maybe like a feature here and there or something like that. But just get product out there. You know, because, you know, I, I just don't want the company to fail. You know, it's nice having these companies that are doing mm-hmm. these works, right? Yeah, so. I just I just want them to get to, like, some of the more... Because they're almost done with the eight packs, finally. So, like... Because it seems like they're... What they're doing is, like, they're releasing an eight-pack title and then a non-eight-pack title. An yeah. eight-pack title. Like, if you look at the history, like, they're all like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, I think that 
their their vault is like so cool, and I'm hoping that they rumple skilled skin. <laughs> I mean that like I wouldn't even mind that. You know what I mean? Like that. Um, well, that'd be a cool release. Yeah, like just just the oddball ones. Like I like they are expensive. I'm not gonna lie, they're definitely expensive. Mm-hmm. But like if you wait a little while, you can find them. I like. Oh yeah, I haven't paid more than twenty for one. Yeah, and and like Besides even now, Master. even now, I'm pretty sure that like. The last time I looked, like Return of Living Dead was like seventeen bucks on Amazon, which is yeah, a great. You ain't great gonna get price. the fucking slipcase though. Well, I mean, point. yeah, it is, it, man, I didn't even get that fucking slipcase, and I pre-ordered that shit. <laughs> that seems yeah, to par- be the one that was like people were having a hard time getting a seventeen fifty nine right now well, on that, Amazon. That was the. But con- I, oh. Apparently, if you look at Blu-ray.com, people have said that they've got that they've bought the release without the slipcover, and they've contacted Lionsgate and Lionsgate sent them a slipcover. What? Yeah, that's only for the unholy though. Um yeah. no 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 no. Not just the unholy. I know that's a different situation where um Bull Moose, their batch of them didn't ha- have slipcovers and they contacted um Yeah, but I heard of other people doing the same thing though, contacting them for that movie. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, but I'm saying like this is a different situation yeah. that people are talking that I'm referencing. Oh, okay. Um, but where they're contacting Lionsgate directly, not through the company that it bought a- in bulk. But I that happened to me, right? I bought the unholy. And well, I just I chopping while I I didn't have a slipcase, so I just went and stole it from Best Buy. Yeah. So look, but, and but now I, I'm no worse than that bastard we were making fun of a few months, a few years ago, going to fucking Walmart and. Taking all the slip cases and then did you actually sca- steal and then it? Scott made that funny video. Like what moods? Did you actually steal it? No, I just went and I bought it and then I returned it without the slip case and <laughs> put the slip case on. You did it the fancy way. <laughs> yeah, but it's awesome. It's so funny because um, that I mean, hell, I don't think like I don't think Walmart really cares about the the cardboard cases. I really don't. Probably not. But yeah, so I mean, I th- I I bought the unholy from Bull Moose. It didn't come with a slipcover. I emailed them about it, and they sent me a slipcover out. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. That's that's the news, more or less. Coolio, that is the news. Fucking thing sucks. Oh yeah, you guys know what time it is. Time for some box office brawl, baby, baby. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, Jeremy, you got the shit? Load it up. Let's yeah. roll. Let's roll. All right. So we're doing Winchester from a few weeks ago. And it made $9.3 million. <laughs> and I think I won on that one. JP has it written down. Yeah, you you definitely Ooh. won on that one. Um, you actually had a very very good, um, you know, thought process for that one. The old fucks. I said that it was you know good that it was PG thirteen and probably capture an audience. You actually said that it's not going to help it at all because it's a period piece. And yeah. I went and seen Winchester, and there were there were people in the audience. It was me. I went with Carly, and then there was two She's other groups of, of people. Did, yeah. So there was three people down in front, teenagers, and then two people behind us, teenagers. 
and they look bored as f like they just look so uninterested in this movie um carly was uninterested in this movie um i kind of liked it um but i like period pieces i could totally it totally makes sense that this movie did not do good now that so far since it came out it's only made 23 million dollars so so what was everyone's numbers on that so jeremy you it only made 9 million but what did you what was your guess he had 12 million i picked 14.5 and you picked 16 million so uh that uh, moods versus jeremy it got tied up six to six and then uh jeremy versus me uh he took a point so it's now 10 to 5 and then me versus moods i actually took a point for moods and made it seven to six shit yeah so he was jeremy was spot on on his thought process behind that one uh definitely definitely interesting i'm gonna be keeping that in mind in future picks i mean in retrospect i mean we all had it super fucking low predicting it was gonna shit the bed and it did i I can't honestly that's really low though i'm a little bit shocked like that's crazy so yeah oh well it happens man you know all right, and then this week we had Annihilation, which is the second film from the director Alex Garland, who did Ex Mani Ha, which I love. That's a great movie. And I, 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 I'm not how, sure how to pronounce that, but I feel like you butchered it. Ex <laughs> Mani Ha. No, All I heard was ma- I think it's Machina. 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 Machina or something. That's a great movie. It sounded like he was ordering like some kind of weird drink. <laughs> yeah like some kind of hawaiian shit or something all right so this one i had 16 and a half million jp had i think you had 14 and moods had 12 i know moods had somewhere in the 12 million dollar mark and it made 11 million dollars it shit the bed oh i was so right i it's knew just and what was I the know, reasoning? I think Moods went a little bit under me. I did. What's their reasoning? Exactly what it was. I, black people want to see Black Panther. Well, it's you know it's not just black people, but it's it's <laughs> it's a fucking it's a superhero uh, film, yeah. and they seem to always knock it out the ballpark. But yeah, this is kind of an exception though too. But that's the reason. Look what it did. Yeah. Yep. Everybody wants to see Black Panther. Yeah. Made a hundred and five more million dollars this weekend. <laughs> fucking unreal just crazy for yeah. a movie in the second weekend to fucking make and it's crossed 700 million dollars worldwide already yeah annihilation did pretty bad considering yeah. it has a 40 million dollar budget yeah and that movie is like, Total like i don't even know what it is dude it's like it's listed as horror sci-fi mystery thriller like drama like it's like six things they on should, IMDb. they should have called that shit heinz 57 man it's just a blend everything <laughs> yeah yeah. Even the trailer, like I don't really know. Look, adventure, drama, fantasy, horror, mystery, sci-fi, thriller. Most last movies <laughs> like that. So. How many tags could you possibly have for one film? Yeah, His last right? movie is the same thing. That's it's a yeah. mix-up of craziness. Yeah. Um. So I believe that means that Moods versus Jeremy. Moods takes the point, breaks the tie. It's now seven to six. Uh, I took a point from Jeremy and made it eleven to five. So I'm still stomping him. Uh, and then Moods took a point from me and tied it back up at 7-7. Seven, seven. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. And we do have a film this week that we are covering. So Not what, necessarily a horror film, but a revenge film. It falls That's, into that exploitation type 
area. Yeah. So I don't feel damn, bad Strangers about doing it. Strangers 2 is two weeks away already? Yeah, God dude. Damn. Huh? God damn. Looking forward to that shit. Yeah, uh, Death Wish, Eli Roth's newest film. Filmed here in Chicago. Bruce am, I the, Willis. Am, am I the only one that's still a little bit weirded out that Bruce Willis is in the remake of Death Wish? Mm-hmm. Who else was it supposed to be? I don't know, man. Eli Roth just seems like somebody that would not cast or allow the casting of somebody like that. I don't know. It just it seems weird like, like I said, this film completely goes outside of like Eli Roth's like what we've seen from him and known from him in the past. Like this feels like a straight director for hire job. You know what I mean? It does. And, and you know, and even Bruce Willis even doing kind of an ex, you know, a straight up exploitation film like this. It doesn't really seem like his full cup of tea either. So this mm-hmm. whole thing still seems a little bit strange to me. I mean, it makes sense in a way because like Charles Bronson was like the action star of like his time and like Bruce Willis is like the action star of the next our generation. Time? Yeah. No, not our time, the previous generation. Yeah, like not my time, but like the time right before. I'm trying to my think time. like who's the action star of our generation. Like, there's a few, you know, there's you got the people rock. like I guess the rock. Eh, kind of, but I mean, mm-hmm. I think you have like Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, there's there's a few guys from our era. Nothing like that. I wish they would make. Like it's pretty sad. I wish they would make Crank Three. It's pretty. It's Crank. pretty sad that we have to think about that. Like, who is the action star of this era? You know, yeah. if you were to say that in the eighties, everyone would be like, "Are you fucking retarded?" Yeah, you would hear eight different names. Yeah, you'd well, hear Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Steven Seagal, Bruce Willis, Steven Seagal, John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> like it, the list just goes on and on. Chuck Norris, you know, like Chuck there's Norris. so many. Oh, fuck, uh, so many, man. Um, but like, er, like our our generations is a little weak. Yeah, but we still have some. Right. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest, man. One of my favorite, who's you know, I wouldn't consider him like a Gerald Butler. Is that that guy's name? Who's fucking in all those retarded ass oh, movies? Fuck Gerald Butler, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's his job after he's done acting and shit is being a butler. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. Like one of my favorite. I mean, I wouldn't consider him a full blown action star star. You know, like comparatively mm-hmm. to you know a Stallone or a, a Schwarzenegger or anything. But Keanu Reeves, man, in, in the John Wick films. Dude's selling it, man. He's killing that fucking shit. Keeps doing yeah. shit like that, man. He's he's got he might he may have the three best action films of Christ, man. A lot of years, man. American action films. Mm. So yeah. it's impressive. It's impressive. I mean, who would have thought, right? Keanu Reeves isn't that young boy anymore, and he mm-hmm. wasn't Bill and Ted. So interesting, but yeah. So Death Wish, we got a few things here. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Yes. It's MGM. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's all it's right. A remake. It has Eli Roth attached to it, but I'm not sure the crowd that would go see an Eli Roth film mm-hmm. necessarily are super interested in this film. Remakes typically do hit and miss. Um, horror remakes seem to do better than other remakes, right? Um, do people know it's a remake though? Well, Is the Death Wish films popular enough to even know that it's a remake? I've read, I, pretty right. much everybody that has brought it up to me didn't know that it was yeah. a remake. You know what, man? I've already been asked or had conversations with people that didn't know that it was a remake. So I don't know. Is that a good thing? Possibly. You well, know, they're, it they're doesn't go- help the movie then. The, it's not getting any extra oomph because people are interested in the original. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so I mean, typically that would hurt it. Is it enough for today's generation? You know, the name of the film, Death Wish and Bruce Willis? 
I don't know. Is today's youth yeah. like really that high on Bruce Willis? I don't know. I mean, for well, me, well, it had a big budget. They were fucking flying helicopters and shit downtown. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, for older it has people a bigger budget that know about Death Wish, and you know, I'm curious about the remake, of course. And you know, I mean, we know everything about like Eli Roth directing it, Bruce Willis. I mean, there's a lot of selling points for us, mm-hmm. right? But does the younger youth, the ones with all the money, the expendable no. money to go and spend on these films, is it enough to sell it to them? I don't no. know. Bruce Willis isn't, he's so. not that star he was 25 years ago to us, you know, then, you know, to the new generation. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, Bruce Willis is definitely a name, right? Like, yep. like that alone could, could bring in some people. Like you look at his last films, right? Um, which actually he hasn't had a ton of theatrical films lately at all. all. Straight to DVD. He's going the, um, yeah. Fucking Nick Cage route. His well, last big Seagal theatrical Van was Frank Miller's <laughs> Sin City. The Dame to Kill For. And that, that was, was in the sequel. 2,800 theaters and it only grossed 13 million total. Man, that, that movie, movie bombed. That movie, wow, that's crazy. That movie bombed that bad. It's crazy. Bombed yeah. really bad. <laughs> um, and then before that, it was in 2013 with Red 2, which made 18 million opening weekend. Uh, his last Die Hard film, A Good Day to Die Hard, twenty four million opening weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's a very tough one for me. Not a lot of young people went and seen Red too, though. That's more of like an older generation oh, yeah. type comedy film. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Malkovich. Fuck, those movies are actually kind of funny. I'll take I'll, I'll take twelve point five on this one. That's actually a pretty good guess. Yeah, so we're going for a total. Or Jeremy's predicting a total bomb. What was the what was the um, budget? Yeah, what was the budget? I'm just trying to. I don't think it says anywhere. It's, it's opening in twenty seven hundred theaters, though. Twenty seven hundred, and there's no budget. Wow, that's a lot of theaters. Fuck. Um. Not I, really. It's really not that many theaters, to be honest. Twenty seven. I mean, it's pretty wide. I wish yeah, I the budget. Yeah, I, I imagine it's probably pretty big. Uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting film too because it was in, originally supposed to be released um, back in I think like November, or December, right? Yeah, November twenty second. Yeah, and they 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 pulled it from release and then saved it for now. I don't know what the strategy was with that. Maybe it was the competition. Was there a lot of Christmas films coming out that they figured that they couldn't go up against considering the holiday season? I don't know. Because I could see them. seem like it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pull a film that's coming out due to those reasons, you're not going to put out in January because nobody spends money in January, so you wait a little bit. This does seem like the time. I don't know. I mean, March doesn't seem like a bad month to put it out in. What is it going up against? Red Sparrow... What is that? That's a movie with Jennifer Lawrence when she's like an undercover spy. spy. Yeah, okay. Uh, So we got that. Jennifer Lawrence as an undercover spy. Jesus Christ. And then we have, of course, Black Panther, which will probably rape again. That's it. Yeah. Actually, that's not a bad spot to land, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that Hurricane Heist movie that comes out next week looks absolutely fucking horrendously bad. I remember talking about that a few weeks ago. Mm. That comes out 
I'm going to come in about... I'm going to come in at 15.5. Oof. Going bigger. That's actually could happen. Uh, Okay, so what did did Annihilation make? 11? Yeah. I, I feel like there's no way this does less than that. Yeah, that's how I felt too. And I think that, you know, Black Panther being in its third week... I don't know. I think that, uh, yeah, definitely it's going to die down. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, it's still going to make money all the way to the end, but I'm saying it's it's not it's not competition anymore, really. Like, people people who really wanted to see Black Panther have already gone to see it. Um, well, those numbers are definitely telling you that. <laughs> yeah. So, um Man, dude, I don't know. Like, I there's actually a few movies I want to see this week, right? So, like, I want to see Annihilation, and I want to see um, that Game Night movie. It looks freaking awesome, uh, and I want to see Death Wish. So, I, I mean, I'm gonna see at least two of those probably. Um, maybe Death Wish. I don't know. Depends on moods, honestly. <laughs> it, it's tough. I, I I truly don't know where to come in on this one, so I'm just gonna come in the middle of you guys um i'm gonna say 14 oh 14 oh yeah you're skiing right in the middle of us aren't you buddy yeah you're skiing <laughs> Fort. so what you said 14 or 15 no i said, I said 14 14 you said 15.5 yeah. 15 and a half yeah yeah i'm gonna give this one a little bit of credit thought about it i think it might do decent i'd like to know what the budget was i mean it doesn't really factor into how it's going to do but yeah, yeah. Who knows? i mean the, it hasn't been overly promoted i've seen trailers and stuff but nothing like you know something like happy death day or something where yeah, it's like to be, everywhere to be honest you're right though it hasn't been the trailers aren't running every five minutes like i've probably seen more strangers to stuff than i have death wish Mm-hmm. I actually and that's still any. a couple weeks away. Yeah, I haven't seen any yet, so I'll try to stay clear. I wasn't too like hell bent on trying to avoid the the fucking Death Wish trailer. I caught the yeah. end a couple times. I was like, eh, okay, whatever. Still gonna uh-huh. see it though. But <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some cool movies coming out this year though that that um that I've seen in like I've seen previews for already. Um, like this one, this one looked pretty cool that they just showed a preview to called Unsane. Really interesting. Yeah, that's the uh, Stronenberg's new movie. Yeah, saw it. Sh- yeah, it was shot on an iPhone. <laughs> really? What this movie was? Yeah, that's the thing with it. It was the thing what is the it was hell? shot completely with an iPhone. Oh, that's the gimmick to these it. These gimmicks, man. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, if it's enough uh, to get people in the seats, you know. I'll tell you props, what. It didn't but... look like it was shot with an iPhone. Yeah. It's really cool. It's about this woman who thinks she's who people think she's going crazy. Yeah. And she's like goes they, they lock her up in a mental hospital. Yeah, it was shot only with an iPhone. And Nothing then, else. And then and then it looks like then there's like it looks like there's probably like something that happens and then she's yeah. like starts questioning her own sanity. Yep. It's really it looks really cool. It could kinda yeah, go either way. See. I think that the ending is probably gonna either piss people off or you know, be predictable or something. Well, or uh-huh. I mean, if the, if if we're if that's the way it's going to go, and we're thinking about that right now. Unsane. I mean, is the title giving it away? I hope not. Well, I mean, <laughs> she feels like she's unsane, like not insane. Yeah. But we'll other but, yeah, people we'll do. Yeah. Then she thinks she is. Like, so it's like I feel like no matter what, you're gonna 
there's only two ways that it could really end and no matter what because you're going back and forth you're going to feel like it's predictable so i don't know i'm going to see it though oh yeah me too third all right so that's the box office office brawl box office brawl ding ding i am the devil and i am here to do the devil's work they will say that i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding i like to dissect girls did you know i'm utterly insane have you checked the children children what do we do why don't we just wait here for a little while see what happens Oh, yeah, getting into the dub, dub, dub portion of the show. That is what we watched, where we go round tree, review a bunch of Patreon picks, <laughs> give our thoughts on them, rate them, and pass it along. So who's going to start us off this week, man? We got a lot of films to get through. So, JP, how about you start us off? Okay. Uh... Let's start off with a Patreon pick. So um, this one, who gave me this? Oh, Mikey. I'm not even going to fucking look at that shit. <laughs> Mikey gave me this one. I have it up. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so I'm doing Baby Blues here. This one came out in the year 2008. Uh, I was actually, I actually when I got this, I was going to message Mikey and be like, hey, I've already reviewed this film on another podcast. Oh, it's another one. Yeah. Isn't there two baby blues? Isn't there's the one that came out like recently with the girl's eyes on it or something? There's there's three fi- there's at least three films called Baby Blues. Uh, one of them I have reviewed. It's like the one that came out in like 2012 to 14. Yeah, I think that's the one. That's an Asian one. Um, then there's another Baby Blues that came out in 2008 that's like a thriller. And then there's this one that also came out in 2008, which is more of a horror film. Oh, what a surprise. Uh, two films with the same name came out in the same year? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. So, this movie uh, takes place on a secluded family farm, and it basically follows a woman who is dealing with postpartum de- depression. Now, I, like, for whatever reason, I always thought that meant a depression for women who have lost their baby, but apparently it's not. No. Postpartum depression is dealing with the stress of being a mother, pretty much, right? Yep, pretty much. So, so she already had three kids, um, but for some reason, she's like kind of cracking here after having this fourth one. Um, and I, I could, it, they kind of set it up well because the husband is a trucker, so he leaves on long periods of time, and the mother has to raise like the th- the three you know younger kids as well as the brand new baby pretty much by herself you know cook dinner all that different stuff and she also begins to suspect that her husband might be cheating on her so that just sends her into a complete like downward spiral of insanity and she basically turns on her kids and it's up to the eldest son to sort of help and save his younger siblings and there are child deaths in this movie um at least one uh, and i won't spoil too much but this movie is pretty ballsy i'll say that like th- this movie has some balls to it uh it's you know well well it- it's well done 
But there are can't just, say the same for my film that Mikey gave me. So <laughs> there are some minor problems that I had with it. Um, I feel like the lead character, like being the mother, I feel like she's too. Like she's supposed to be going insane, but I feel like everything she does is like so premeditated. The, like the way that she like plans out things and and like chases the kids in like pursuit that it's like it's not of a insane person it's of a like you know slasher killer or something so it to me it just kind of like got away from itself and got ahead of itself a little bit with the mother being the villain at a certain point and i wish they would have played uh, played that out a little slower and maybe had like because it feels like a slasher film final chase scene through a huge portion of the film and i wish there would have been because when she first starts cracking it's very tension filled it's like you're like nervous for these kids and there's a certain point where like holy shit stuff just hit the wall if that would have happened later in the film and there would have been more of these tense moments of like waiting for the mother to crack and less of this like slasher-esque chase scene i think this movie would have been so much better uh it still is very solid though because of the balls that it has i really truly like this movie it's a it's a great watch the ending's a little i think some people could like take it as as not a good ending i didn't mind it it was all right um but i'm coming in at a 7.5 on this one this this is this is definitely a nice little hidden gem that i don't think a lot of people have seen i have that on my shelf should probably watch it yeah it's good i've seen it yeah it's actually based off that that real case that's true too yeah so it's kind of sad when you really put it into perspective man yeah but i mean it's an all too common thing though postpartum depression happens like it's so common the killing i mean hell i was watching i was getting stressed out and i was having anxiety because of all these kids yeah (laughs) i mean the killing of the kids obviously is not that common but you know, yeah. it's an extreme case, but I remember liking it too. I don't, you know, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, right. I might as well get the worst one out of the bunch, out of the way. Uh, the Summer of Massacre from the year 2011. That good friend Mikey fucking Fisher gave me this one. Mikey hooks me up. Like, like most Jesus of the films that he gives me are like awesome indie gems. <laughs> like, I could understand fucking watching movies like Hellinger. And Hellinger looks like a freaking Best Picture nomination film compared to this trashy piece of junk. Like, I've seen some movies. This is literally the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. Hands down, no doubt about it, the worst piece of crap ever. And this fucking movie runs an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes of just <laughs> horrible. So if you horrible. could like talk to the filmmaker right now, yeah. would, would your question to him be like, really, there was nothing you could have cut out of that? I remember to make that. You know, I would now. say, like, how did you make this CGI so bad that it's like, worse than cgi that i would ever want to watch like you remember my review of cube 2 and i talked about the cgi in that movie this movie makes that movie look like it was done by fucking star wars the last jedi freaking affects people this movie is so bad so so bad i mean there it's an anthology film that's like five parts and like the opening anthology uh story has like this guy getting killed by this group of hoodlums 
but he magically comes back to life and starts murdering these people on a murderous rampage. But it's never really explained why this guy's going crazy. And it's really fucking stupid. And it's just, you have to see the CGI to believe it for yourself. Like, me explaining it would absolutely give it no justice whatsoever. You just have to watch it. It is, just watch the trailer and you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, the second story has this move, this this part with this um, this girl who's played by a guy in a wheelchair who has this giant lump on her head. And her her family treats her like shit. And ultimately, this pus oh it's it that's the one nasty part of the movie like she has like this she has this giant pimple on her head and they're like pushing it and it's like it's actually practical effects for once and it looks really fucking nasty and she goes on a rampage and murders all her friends and family that 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 one's actually i could stomach it but after that it just goes once again downhill with like this this guy who's goes on this another murderous rampage which makes no sense and then we end up the movie with these firefighters who uh, get burned down in this woods, but they didn't die, so they go excited. They go, you know, insane, and they start murdering people, and it's it just drags on for way, way, way too fucking long. Who directed this? Joe Castro, who directed some other amazing films, such as Terror Tunes, which is, oh, that movie sucks. I've actually seen that movie, but it's not as bad. This movie's way worse than that movie, to be completely honest. And uh, Legend of the Chupacabra, which Troma released. Boots, have you seen that one? I uh, actually have not seen that one. I don't know that one. Yeah. But, yeah, Summer Massacre 2011. The worst movie I've ever seen, hands down. This one gets a .5 out of 10. <laughs> Absolute trash. Horrible, Damn. horrible, horrible fucking movie. <laughs> Please kill me now. <laughs> it really is fucking bad. I forgot about the running time on that shit, man. It's way too long. CGI, bro. Oh. <laughs> Where do they come off like making a hundred minute film like that? Oh god, it's awful. Because it's like has like the, the tagline the highest body count in any movie ever. But it's like, yeah, because you didn't put any effects and you just used horribly shitty CGI, so you're, of course you're gonna have a high body count when you put no time or effort into your kills. <laughs> it's just <laughs> another shit <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome yeah I man when he sent you that pic I, I burst out laughing I was like oh my god <laughs> this might be the worst movie he's ever seen oh yeah definitely my the suspicions were confirmed <laughs> oh, it sucks so much jerry cock it's horrible <laughs> jerry cock alright so first uh, patreon pick for me tonight here is a film from 2018 sent to me over from uh, Matt Janoski uh, from 2008, and it's Doomsday. Um, this is a movie I actually have not, I had, I had not seen since probably 2008. Um, it really did not remember it much. I kind of remembered that you know it was directed by Neil Marshall, um, and you know it had a couple notable people in the film also. Uh, so basically, oh, this looks pretty cool. Have you never seen Doomsday? No. Oh wow. Now, yeah. is this a zombie film or an infection film? Uh, this is an infection film. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. You I know, didn't even know Neil Marshall did another horror film. Yeah, like Neil Marshall is probably mostly known for directing Dog Soldiers and The Descent. And then he did this one right after. This was kind of the third one. Um, he hasn't really done a whole lot since, I guess. I mean, I love, he, my, I, I love my quarantine film, so. 
yeah, he also did Centurion. I'd never seen, I, I never saw that one. Um, but it is, you know, he's apparently going to be directing a new Skull Island film, right? So mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah. in itself. But yeah, so Doomsday, uh, this one takes place in the future. Um, it gives you a backstory here. So what happens? I can't. It's like in two thousand, like fifty or something like that. And what had happened was um, there was an outbreak in Scotland. Some kind of virus um, spread through Scotland, infecting millions of people and shit like that. And so the government uh, essentially quarantined the entire country. They literally built a wall around the whole country, locked everybody in, and they actually. Huh, that sounds like what's going on in our country right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they kind of they they succeeded. You know, the the virus didn't spread to the rest of the UK and things like that, so it worked. But Scotland now was basically just a wasteland, kind of a post-apocalyptic type uh, world. Um, so jump thirty years later. It's not really fully explained in the film why there is a minor outbreak in uh, London of the same virus so of course the military steps in and they're like okay we need to figure out a way to stop this before it spreads because we don't want to have to quarantine off london like we did with scotland 30 years prior so they of course call up this elite group of uh, military people to go into scotland because there was a doctor in there that was working on a cure now they weren't 100 percent sure if he had the cure or not before they quarantined the whole place off or if he was even still alive to this day but they send in this group of of um soldiers to go and find out if they can you know save london and stuff so that's what they do they enter in there and yeah it's a fucking war zone so my thoughts on the film um you know, I remember digging this one when it when I watched it when it came out, and I actually really dug this one again. It's one of those over-stylized kind of action, infection, horror films that is, it's kind of a mix of everything that we've seen in the past. Have you seen any type of post-apocalyptic type films with gangs and just weird-looking people and infected people? I love those kind of movies. Yeah, it's just got weird characters all over the place, and they're just up to no good. So, of course, these military, once they go in, they're just, they're the, you know, they're, they're just setting themselves up for disaster essentially because you know they've been quarantined and they don't give a fuck <laughs> so that's what we get so um it, it's it's kind of it, it's interesting man i will say this film is non-stop action from start to finish it's very mindless in the story itself it does have a couple of twists and turns in the film with you know the governments and and things that are happening why these quarantines happen and you know things like that it, you know it's it, it kind of makes you laugh a little bit too um but uh, yeah very much an overstylized type film. It's fun as shit, though. There's a lot of fun characters, a lot of insane gore in this one too. I was really shocked watching this one that there was an abundance of CG. It was actually practically a f- practical effects, and it was gory as fuck. Like I watched the unrated version, and there's some good decapitations, some fucking heads exploded. There's a lot of really good gore in this and stuff. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, we also have. Um, Bob Hoskins is actually in this film, which adds to, you know, the element of having some decent acting in there. <laughs> you know, the acting in the film itself is kind of, it's decent for the times, but having Bob Hoskins in there just fucking feels right. I don't know. It kind of adds to it. It's really cool. Um, so what we get in this one, we just get a whole pile of action scenes. It's very much like Mad Max kind of meets any post-apocalyptic. Yeah post-apocalyptic type film especially in the third act in this one i mean once they break out of the quarantine area there's a huge mad max type scene uh car chase scene and it's just like wow i'm totally watching mad max right now (laughs) you know kind of thing right so i mean it's nothing that we haven't seen before but the ride is pretty fun in this 
I thought for, you know, the second I seen this car, they use this Bentley in the car chase scene. And I was like, wow, you know, that's obvious product placement kind of thing, right? Well, I'm reading in the trivia here that apparently Bentley doesn't do product placement in their in their movies. And the director actually went out and bought three of these Bentleys for 150000 a piece <laughs> to shoot these fucking scenes. And it's so fucking goddamn funny, Jeremy. You would have laughed at this part, too. There's a scene where they jump in this Bentley and they rip through this gate. And they obviously hit the gate and scrap, scratch the living shit out of the door. Well, the next scene, mm. the car is pristine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it's totally getting beat to shit. But the car seems like it's always in good shape. It's pretty funny. Um... But yeah, all in all, man, it was actually quite a good watch. Uh, you know, like I said, the acting was pretty decent. Um, you know, it, you know, one thing I, I one thing I will say about the film, I fucking hated the score. I hated the music in this movie. It was like that overpowering. You know, when you're watching these kind of epic type films and shit, and the music is just way too loud for its own good, and it's just adding to the annoyance. That's kind of what I feel like in this one. Um, there is a little bit of comic relief that I felt like wasn't over the top, but there was one scene having to do kind of with like this game show type thing. And I really did not care for that scene. That kind of brought it down for me a little bit. I felt like it went on too long and just added nothing to the movie whatsoever. And, uh, but you know, all in all, I give this one about a seven and a half. It's a very fun watch. Definitely check it out. I mean, JP might even like this one too. You know, it's mm-hmm. not I'm like that. Pick it off. It's not like insanely over stylish, but it's just, it's fucking fun, man. And it's gory. And, the, the selling point is the practical effects. I was very surprised by that. Very, very surprised. But good stuff. Does it, does it have blood splatter? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it, I think it has portions of CG and stuff, but most of it is practical and stuff. So that yeah. was, you know, it was expected in a film like that to have a little bit. But uh, um, I think there actually is a scene where the blood goes on the camera. <laughs> you know, like, I think there was one, but it's fun, man. Seven and a half out of ten. I enjoyed it. All right, after that eight-hour review, uh, my next film here is... <laughs> well, what am I supposed He's, to do, man? He said it, not me. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Um, speaking of CGI blood, uh, my next film here is... It can't is... be worse than Summer Massacre, bro, I'm telling you. I guarantee it's not, but I'm just... I'm just. I'm never going to say... I'm never going to say CGI blood again. Mm. Oh. So... This film here is uh, who gave me this one? Uh, I believe that it was uh, Matt Janikowski, and Janowski. this film is. No, I think I'm actually right. Oh, here comes the eight-hour debate. <laughs> how to say his name? <laughs> um, the Midnight Meat Train. Man, uh, this movie's cool. This Fuck movie you, is um, based on a Clive Barker story in the Books of Blood. Actually, was produced by Clive Barker. Uh, this is a film that was, I know, wanted to be made for a while. Like they tried to get this one off the air back in the uh, a long time ago, I believe, when Barker was more heavily involved. But um, finally, it got, you know, began production uh, probably with different producers and stuff like that, different production company in uh, like two thousand six, seven. And we got this is a I guess a Lionsgate release here. Yep. And uh, basically follows a photographer who is trying to capture, um, you know, unique and interesting shots of people who live in the I believe it's set in New York. Um, I, I don't know if it says it's definitely a city. Um, and he's you know 
trying to sell his photos to people. It was definitely a city. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way you said it was making me laugh. Sorry. I hope on. I hope they have subways in cities and not by you in rural areas. That'd just be fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's awesome. Besides Chicago and New York, I can't think of any other city that has a subway. Yeah, we don't have them in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that it's either Chicago or New York. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So the, the this this photographer is trying to capture some interesting stuff. He begins to go out into the after he gets critiqued, um, about some of his work. He goes down and hits up the subway at night where he sees a potential sexual assault victim being assaulted by a group of men. And instead of like stopping to save her, he takes some pictures of the attack and eventually he does save the woman. uh, And that's when he begins and that woman ends up dying later. And he basically finds out that there's somebody killing the subway passengers uh, and he begins to do like investigations into that, and there's all these reveals and, and things like that. So th- there's basically somebody killing passengers on at a certain time, like late at night in the subway. I feel like this movie could have been a lot cooler than it actually is. It's okay. It's not bad. It's definitely a fun little ride, um, but I, I feel like it's I feel like it's a I feel like it's a little weak at times too. Like like some of the kills are like fun looking but they're not the greatest like design because there's like it's like a like splattery like cg effect most of the time also like i felt like i felt like the end reveal is like kind of a little dumb like i don't know if it makes the most sense like i feel like i feel like this movie is like really impractical if you like kind of take it serious which the whole movie is pretty serious so it's hard not to like the idea that they're killing all these people on the subway and then they're taking this cart to a certain area where they're unloading the bodies. Like, it just seems like that wouldn't like, I don't know. Like I've never ridden the subway, I guess, but it just, it seems like that, that would, well, not... you're going to do that in October. If you come here, yeah. got to see the weird sights and smells. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like that would not be like a practical thing. Like, I just feel like that, it would hard. It would be hard to get away with this. Um, I was really interested in. The, it kind of goes into a weird direction. Like, like I don't know. Like, I don't know if you'd say like supernatural or like just just an odd direction. Like you expect it to kind of be like this basic ass like serial kit. Like I, I was expecting more of like a slasher in the subway, which would have been cool. But it kind of goes into a, a weirdo territory. Um, but the title of the film kind of I mean when you think about it in retrospect the title of the film kind of kind of says it Midnight mm-hmm. Meat Train you know yeah. like the meat portion right yeah I mean well it's not as cool <laughs> as the, the subway in Hellraiser Deader so I, I had a I work with somebody who has read the story and he said that the ending um, of the movie and the story are, are a lot different um, so it doesn't like that reveal that's in this movie um, isn't the same as that's in the book. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a weird one. Um, I liked it enough, I guess. I, I don't think it's overly good though. I'm coming in at like a six out of ten. All right. It's been a while. 
I know I know that seems to be the the general consensus about the ending that it kind of ruins the film. Is that where you were kind of leaning towards? That like, or- I mean, I don't I don't necessarily mind it. I just think that the movie was like set up in a different way. Like, I yeah. almost wish they would have rode with that from the beginning and not tried to make it this huge reveal, but mm-hmm. kind of let you know that that's what was going on, like, you know, midway through the film or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, it seemed like it was like this huge punchline. I'm like, ah, that doesn't really work for me. Like, it, it would have worked had it, like, been the main story of the movie, because I think it's cool. But I don't know. I don't know, man. It was it was all right. Like, I just, I, I was really into it the first section of the movie and once it started getting more and more more bizarre like i kind of was like thought it was a little bit lame i don't know fair enough jeremy Jeremy? all right sorry i'm eating eggs (laughs) all right next up let's talk about um pick my poison uh fight for your life from the year 1977 this was given to me by good old Andy. Now, Mood says that he talks about this movie all the time. I don't remember him fucking talking about it, but I'll just go with the fact that he said he talks about it all the time. You know, the funny thing is I was actually just talking about this movie in a video I did like last week. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, but I don't I, I've definitely heard him mention it before. Oh, yep. man. Yeah, this, this is a pretty heavily talked. I mean, even Zach, he brings up this shit all the fucking time, too. Yeah. So this is a video <clears throat> nasty and um mm-hmm. really really interesting film about uh three convicts who escape from jail one day and they take over a house that's filled with african americans and it's just a battle between uh these three guys and their interactions with the family and how the family tries to fight back and the the struggles and the dialogue that these three characters in this family have very racial racially tense and um some really fantastic dialogue and uh william sanderson plays our main conflict jesse lee kane who's a complete fucking madman in this movie like he is the highlight of this movie like he takes the acting uh level from a 10 to an 11 in spinal tap terms like he just is over the top, dropping nigger and a whole bunch of other stuff all the time. Every time he's talking, all the racially, um, Dude, he, racially terms he's, that he's, you could come up with, he calls them monkeys and watermelon <laughs> and porch monkeys and everything that you could come with so it bad. along the way. So it's like he really is absolutely insane. Like, woman, go make me some mac and cheese, like shit, like that. And it's just mac and cheese. Yeah, like, oh, I heard your black folks make good soul food. Why don't you go in the kitchen and make me up some soul food? Shit like that. But it's just so captivating. Like, you can't, like, look away from the screen because it's he's just a crazy fucking dude. And there's children killing, which you would appreciate, JP. Mm-hmm. And, and things along the line of that. Now, the film, I get, I, I can understand why it's a video nasty just based on the dialogue this isn't a violent film i mean there isn't i mean there's killings along the way but it's not really about the violence it's more about the the dialogue and the tension between white folks and black folks and i think this movie's so prominent in today's society uh you know especially a few years ago this movie would have been an extremely hot 
topic of discussion if people would revisit it because this is a bunch of awesome discussions about um, racial tensions going on in America in the late 70s in this movie. It's just, it's really, really, really damn good. It's a low-budget film, so you know what you're going to get with the terms of aesthetics and filmmaking, but uh, it, it's a really well-acted, really well-written film that I really, really liked a lot. So uh, I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. It's really, really fucking good. Check it out. I actually yeah, sent Umbrella this one to release on Blu-ray because it should come out on Blu-ray. It's, yeah, that, it's really, that, really that, good. I mean, I, I've known of this movie because of like Moods and Zach and, and <clears throat> a few other people talking about it. Um, I always forget about it. But I yeah. really want to see this now. Like, I, I feel like Andy did a really good job with his picks this week, um, this month, because I think he gave us all three like kind of thought-provoking movies, which I thought was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a good utilization of the Patreon system uh, for conversation on the podcast. But yeah, I, I you know we talk about films like Get Out and stuff that that touch on the topics of um racism and and different types of uh black culture and things like that and like people who see it thought like you know a lot of people who who might not be versed in horror think like that it's hugely groundbreaking but we've been doing this a long time ladies and gentlemen you know back you know we've mentioned it before you know people under the stairs in the 90s as well as tales from the hood in the 90s um they all the way back to george romero's 1968 uh, Night of the Living Dead. Like it's not anything new that's been tackled before, but I like to see it done in in new, interesting ways all the time. Mm-hmm. And an IMDb under quotes, the most famous quote or the most voted up quote is, "Repeat after me, yes, sir, Master Kane, sir. All of us black ass coons is hungry." So that should just give you a uh, a sense of what's Jeez. going on. It's yeah, it's just, it's nonstop. It's nonstop Super with the racial racist. slurs in this film. William Sanderson, but it fits man. his character though. That's the thing. Like, it's it's not well, like out he's of white. left field. It's like this guy's literally fucking insane, white supremacist, racist he's... asshole. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, man. William Sanderson knocks the role. Does out he the say anything part. about Jews? I no, I think I he just hates blacks. <laughs> no, I think he, I think he even talks about Mexicans at a point and Asians in the film. Well, because one what of the, the guys, because the other two inmates are one's a Mexican, one's an Asian. Yeah, so. You know, it makes sense in that part, man. Yeah. But hmm. it's a great film. Yeah, it's a, it good, it's, it's a good home invasion film. Who it's put that out? Blue Underground. Blue Underground. Really? Is it still readily available? Fourteen ninety eight on I, Amazon. I think you can DVD get or it. Blue? DVD. It's not available on Blue. It's not on Blu-ray. That's why I emailed Umbrella when James was like, oh, what title should we release on Blu-ray? I yeah, like, I sent him a bunch of titles, this too. One. It was super neat that, that Umbrella like physically like asked out to their press people. Uh, what titles we've heard in the in the mention in the community and i sent them i just sent them yesterday like release freaking massacre central high bro yeah that's when it's coming out from synapse yeah Yeah. four years ago yeah i mean we also like what's cool about umbrella is they're their own you know they they kind of like they kind of have their own thing because they're a different region yeah which most of the stuff is actually region free, though. Like all of it, <laughs> like which, almost all of it. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Like, the batch of Blu-rays I got in were all region free, which is super awesome. Yeah, I fucking I love Fight for Your Life. It's amazing. Performances are awesome. You talked about the aesthetic and the way it's shot and stuff. I think it's shot 
perfect for the grindhouse feel. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's definitely an exploitation. It's a good title for that film it, too. I like that title. Yeah, it's you know it's a home invasion film, so it's one location type thing. It's really what it is. So it's cool, man. It's a it's a classic in my opinion. For yeah, it's a good film. I would actually probably like I literally might drop the fourteen bucks on the on the DVD for that. It's yeah, worth it's it just good. to see Sanderson's performance. It's, I mean, if you didn't know anything about that film and you went into and just watched it, I think your jaw would drop a little bit. You're like, damn, yeah. this is like the most racist movie I've ever seen in my life. Just like, because of him. Like, none of the other characters are racist. No. It's just him. Yeah. He's just that it's white like, redneck it's trash. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's insane. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So next uh, pick here. Is coming from Derek, a film from 1990 called Dreams, directed by the one and only Akira Kurosawa, um, who I don't even want to get into his filmography because he's done a lot of films. Uh, this one right here was, I believe, it was co. I don't know if it has a co-director on here, but, um, but yeah, it was co-directed because at the time Akira Kurosawa was going blind when he actually did this film, so. So he had an assistant director who helped him actually do this film, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so basically, Dreams, what Dreams is about, it's an anthology-type-based film uh, that has no linear story. It doesn't have a wraparound or nothing. It's just a collection of eight short stories, or short films, if you want, if you will, um, based off of Kurosawa's Dreams. So uh, what we get here in the first one, the first one's called Sunshine Through the Rain, and this one is basically about... Uh, the it's it's a legend and, and you know apparently it's kind of universal and globally done which I've never really heard of this one myself but um, so when the when it's raining outside and the sun shines through the rain apparently that's when the foxes have their weddings and I didn't really know about this you know this mythology or this legend or whatever so what happens in the beginning of the short is. Um, this little boy is talking to his mom, which I'm assuming is himself talking to his mom. And she basically says, you know, you can't go to the forest because, you know, it's the sun shining through the rain. And if you see the foxes, that's not a good thing. So, of course, he disobeys his mom and he does that. He goes to the forest, sees the foxes having their weddings. And, you know, he comes back. And in that meantime, the foxes have actually brought his mother a knife. And she says, when the boy gets there, she's like, you can't come inside. You have to commit suicide. <laughs> so it's like, it's this really kind of morbid thing, but it's based on this thing where, you know, the foxes are very unforgiving because the boy's like, well, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm going to go and, you know, tell him I'm sorry for, you know, to, for peeking on them while they're having their wedding, but they're unforgiving. So it's kind of an interesting story, man. Um, I thought that one was really interesting. Um, Next up is the Peach Orchard. This one is about another little boy, which I'm assuming is probably himself in his dream. And it starts out where he's got his sister in the house and she's got a few friends. And he comes into this room with six placings. And she's like, there's only five of us. And he's like, no, there's six of us. Anyways, he argues that he ends up going outside where her dolls have come alive because they had this peach orchard in the backyard and they all the peach orchard was kind of cut down and stuff and her dolls were representing the um the spirits of the orchard and it kind of goes from there and stuff um so there's an interesting thing in this in the short that i actually had to look up after because 
once he goes outside that sixth person, I was like, what the fuck happened with the ghost? Like it didn't relate to anything, but apparently it says in Wikipedia here that the mysterious girl may have been a reference to an older sister, Kurosawa who had died of illness when he was in the fourth grade. So that's kind of an interesting note without that. I would have been like lost on that. So uh, next up is one about, uh, it's called the blizzard and it's about these four guys that are on this mountain and they're going through this insanely fucked up blizzard. They're just climbing the mountain. Which I also learned from looking up this that Kurosawa himself was a avid. Kurosawa. He was an avid. The, yeah, he was an the, avid. The filmmaker every Japanese person really hate because he sold out and he went to live in America. <laughs> well, his films are so American. It's funny. Well, la- I mean, I would assume more of his later stuff, really. But yeah, I, I don't know. But. Uh, so, yeah, in this one, I find out that Kurosawa himself was an avid mountain climber and stuff. So, basically, this one right here is about these guys that are on this mountain, and it's like, they're dying. They're dying, and, you know, the spirit comes to kind of take their souls and give it to the mountain and stuff. And this one was really damn cool, too. Uh, very cool aesthetic. Very, just, it almost seems like there's irony in this, too. It's, I don't know exactly what he's fully getting at, because these are all based off his dreams, and they're kind of hard to dig into his you know, mentality and exactly what he's trying to go for here. But it's pretty cool, man. Um, next up was one called the tunnel. And it's about this guy who's just uh, finished his tour in uh, world war two. And he's walking home through this uh, tunnel. And all of a sudden this dog comes out of nowhere, strapped up with bombs and shit. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. So then he keeps kind of going. And uh, all of a sudden one of his uh, platoon members shows up out of nowhere. And then he's like freaking out. Cause he's like, you died kind of thing right and then all of a sudden the entire platoon that you know died shows up and it kind of goes through this and this is a really cool one too man like i was really shocked by the look of the dead platoon it kind of reminded me of what you would see in dawn of the dead you know like that green kind of but this one just glowed like it had this really cool aesthetic and i love the costumes that were in this it was fantastic also um next up is probably my favorite one it's called crows and it's about this artist who goes to this vincent van gogh um you know, um, art gallery. And he ends up going into one of the Vincent Van Gogh paintings. And he comes across Vincent Van Gogh himself, who is actually played by Martin Scorsese. It's the only one in the shorts that is actually fully done in English. And it's very, very cool. This is like the coolest aesthetic ever. It's if you're familiar with Vincent Van Gogh paintings, you know exactly what his style is. You just know it because every, if you see one of his paintings, you know, it's a Van Gogh, like it's that, unique it's that stylized and very very cool stuff but so he comes across martin scorsese and and uh he has a conversation with him stuff and it kind of goes through this trip and he's kind of going through all of his paintings and shit and the aesthetic and the look of this one is just fantastic man i tell you criterion knocked this shit out the park with the colors it looks fantastic very very cool stuff going on there and scorsese is completely unrecognizable you don't even recognize him so we got Mount Fuji in red. Well, he loves Kurosawa, so that makes sense why he would be in this movie. Yeah, it, it was a very cool idea to do, go into one of his paintings, because, like I said, if you know what his paintings looks like, you know what this short looks like. Very, very cool. Yeah, I should probably watch some more of his movies. Like, I watched a few when I was in school, but, like, I really didn't dive into his filmography that much. Mm-hmm. I know he's a very, such a, you know, prize director, you know, so. Oh, exactly. Probably watch some more of his movies. Yeah, and, and this one. Rashomon. Like, Rashomon's so fucking good. So. I, did, I did that while I was in school, too. I wrote a paper on that film. That was fucking yeah. great, man. But this yeah. next one, Mount Fuji in Red, is basically about Mount Fuji, who has surrounded by these nuclear reactors that actually start exploding. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of a weird one because they talk about how 
the radiation that we're generally breathing in or you know exposed to we can't see or smell or anything but in this one they created a way to actually colorize it so you knew exactly the radiation that was affecting you and there's this crazy conversation about this guy this doctor you like he knows all the different colors and what it represents and how you're gonna die and shit it's really morbid it's fucked up man it's like so depressing and shit to watch it's awesome again great acting aesthetic awesome uh and then this one kind of went with the the previous one it's called the weeping demon it takes place in like this post-apocalyptic type setting where uh this man is just kind of wandering around and he comes across like this very demonized mutant man he actually well it's called the weeping demon so i'm assuming he's like a demon and he's just all like mutated and shit like that and it's in this post-apocalyptic world kind of you know, he was like he was exposed to radiation and shit too. There's definitely a lot of deeper meaning to this shit, but who really knows what was going on in Kurosawa's mind in this one? But it's awesome. I love the the shots of the dandy long long legs or whatever the fuck they are, and like they're huge. Like everything's mutated and it's so big and shit. I love the aesthetic of it. It's fantastic to see. And then last up was another really interesting one. Same kind of setup where it's called Village of the Watermills. This guy's kind of roaming through this this side country in Japan, and he comes across this small little village and he's just interested and he sees this old man working on this watermill and he's like he just starts talking he's like what's the what's the name of this village and he's like we don't it's just called the village we don't have a name and he's like really he's like but the surrounding people call it the village of the watermills and then he just starts talking about the history and why these kids are putting on these um you know these flowers onto this rock and stuff and it's really fucking cool man the conversations between these two were so interesting i wanted a full-length film of village of the watermills and this is like two hours into this anthology you know this thing is two hours long flew by absolutely flew by my total thoughts on this amazing every short had such an amazing aesthetic the the acting was brilliant the music the costumes were fantastic the colors pop like shit like criterion knocked this motherfucker out the park it's absolutely amazing you know i would like to know all the deeper meanings to everything that's in his dreams but you know we kind of take it with a grain of salt i mean we will never really fucking know but I highly recommend this. Not a horror film <laughs> whatsoever. It's more fantasy, more fantasy, I guess, with more or less, you know, horror themes in there, I guess, but things that could be related to horror. But, you know, I highly recommend this, man. Dreams from 1990 by Kurosawa. 9.5 out of 10. I absolutely love this. I thought it was fantastic. JP, sorry about the... 95 minutes. <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to break it down because I just didn't want to like, you know. Hey, it's shorter than your get out review that you weren't supposed to do, but it ended up being <laughs> two hours long. It's cool. I, yeah. wanted, I wanted to bring up, you know, the kind of short. It's hard to talk about them because they're like each like 15 minutes long, you know, right? So you mm-hmm. the general premise, but very, very cool shit, man. Well, at least you watched a good anthology film this month. <laughs> yeah. Wait, well, <laughs> we'll put it this way, Jeremy. My nine and a half and your point five equals ten. Oh, <laughs> is it in the hall of fame then yeah exactly because you know my track record with guessing that shit so <laughs> all right uh moving on to another patreon pick here this one is a is a title that i actually did want to see eventually i owned it and uh that's why i love the patreon because it gives me a good excuse to watch some of the films that i've wanted to see uh, and this one was by Fan of Eli, and he hooked me up with Dead Snow Red vs. Dead. Yeah, this actually premiered at one of the marathons a few years ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so this one is a sequel to Dead Snow, which uh, I really like. 
Yeah. Um, basically a Nazi zombie film set out in the, the wilderness. An uh, over-the-top Nazi zombie film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little over the top. This so. movie's insane. This one uh, goes way more over the top than yeah. the previous one. Yeah. But it, it uh, kind of picks up where the last one left off. Um, so if you've never seen that one, uh, basically there was some Nazis, uh, zombies, and... They were resurrected because these people stole their gold. Um, now, uh, that's not like, racist. What? That's not racist. What? Uh, a bunch of Nazis going after gold that was stolen. Jews love gold, so. Oh. Okay. God, damn it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so uh, now you know, Cox, why I don't talk. <laughs> the lead character. The lead character of. <laughs> of this one of this one was the previous lead character he lost an arm the uh and the leader of the nazi zombies herzog um his arm was removed so the hospital accidentally puts that arm onto our character martin who begins to have like supernatural powers with this arm (laughs) pretty funny stuff uh, I, th- man, dude, like this one is like so much bigger than the last one. Like, there's like so much going on to this movie. Th- it's kind of long. It, like, there's just it goes from place to place. Okay, it just feels like way more epic. Um, and eventually they they kind of resurrect some Russian, um, I guess soldiers to kind of go against the the zo- the Nazi zombies, which is kind of cool. And uh. Jesus Christ, man. Like, there's so much going on in this one. There's, like, this group of zombie hunter, like, squad people who just turn out to be a bunch of nerds, but, like, kind of help out and 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 all this shit. Uh, there's, like, a really funny scene involving this kid at a, at a hospital that <laughs> his arm attacks this kid and he goes flying through this window. <laughs> it's probably the funniest part in the movie. Um like there's there's good this gore good just that has, it has craziness that guy from, what from, it's good because it has the guy from one of my favorite films Adventureland in it oh okay he has that he he has that nerdy freaks for freaks and geeks look to him are you sure yeah. it's not you in the movie mm, <laughs> it could be in the movie i don't know if people would want to see me act though i'm not good at it just like i'm not good at talking so it's like no no difference if you're gonna be in any movie, it's gonna be in a. You're gonna be in a Nazi zombie film. You know, you don't really <laughs> like zombie films, and it's Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Shit, that's funny. That's funny. To me. Yeah, but uh, this one, I don't. I don't have a ton to say about it, honestly. Um, it's it's kind of more of the same, but like way more amped up. I, pr- I actually didn't like it as much as I like the original one. Um, it's bigger. It's technically probably more fun. But I kind of like the like simplicity of the first one a little bit more. I think this one gets a little overcomplicated with the amount of things that are, that are going on in it. Um, they're both very solid, and and honestly, like both movies are a good little double feature there. Um, but I prefer. Can you the watch first this one. shit? Yeah, dude. Okay, you didn't yeah, pull me. Of course, I watched it. Why? <laughs> it's not like your usual review. You're going, uh. It's uh, a lot, and you usually don't do that. So you sound like me in 2014 when I haven't watched anything. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that I was going that far and badly with it. Yeah. But yeah uh, so it's like Torture Chamber. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, but um, like it ends. It ends with like this 
you know tank scene and all that like there's these russian pow's that were that were brought back with the arm that that the uh martin has he like learns to control the powers a little bit and then it's like a, a giant face-off between him and like herzog and the nazi zombies and stuff like that uh it's it's definitely a good movie i i enjoyed it i probably will come in at about an eight out of ten on this one holy shit wow yeah it sounded like you were gonna come in lower wow that well, I, really shocked I, I mean me. i like th- i like both of them uh, a great deal um the first one i'd probably come in at 8.5 this one eight just slightly under um but it's probably a better movie honestly <laughs> i just i just like the original a little bit more mm-hmm. hmm. right back to you jeremy all right from the year 2014 we have some beavers now i know mr what the fuck is this guy's name mark lehem lehem see i had to put a jewish twist on it um you probably thought I wasn't going to like this one because it's craziness, but I had a really, really great time with this movie. It's batshit crazy, and one one of these three girls are definitely being added to my spank bank. But um, So we follow these three broads who go on a weekend adventure to a cabin up in the woods in Redneck Phil, and they're partying, drinking their Coronas, doing whatever chicks do when they go on a weekend vacation. And uh, we we see that Bill Burr's character, and actually John Mayer, which is funny, uh, they're driving along, and they have this toxic barrel in the back of their truck, and they go, uh, did you see that deer over there? What deer? And they fucking crush the deer, the barrel goes into the water, and it turns all these beavers into zombies. And basically... Uh, these three girls end up coming across these some beavers and their douchebag boyfriends come up surprising them and the beavers go crazy and you know what you're going to get. You got a bunch of beavers and hand puppets fucking smashing through windows and, and crazy douchebag horror tropes that you would expect with a low budget movie called some beavers. But it's just so fucking fun when you have zombie puppets zombie beaver puppets breaking through windows and grabbing people and you could clearly see their freaking hand puppets it's just absolutely fucking hilarious it's just a fun 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 movie um i had a really good time some people went on the facebook page when i was watching it were like oh this is like a sci-fi movie this is nothing like a sci-fi movie if this is like a sci-fi movie then you douchebags need to watch jeepers creepers 3 because that shit is a sci-fi movie this movie is definitely no, it's, not. It's definitely sci-fi. not a it's sci-fi. Like maybe like sci-fi of old. Yeah. Nothing like this new sci-fi crap. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a touch above a sci-fi film for sure. Um, it's fun. I had a fucking blast with this movie. So mm. I gave it a seven out of ten. It's not like gonna blow your balls away, but I, th- I think I rated it that too. I watched it back in uh, like 2015, I think. Yeah. And uh, the way, it, the way, it's definitely the, a fun movie. The ending is just fucking hilarious. I fucking pissed my pants laughing at that ending. It's it's just it's super funny. So um, check it out. Put that girl in your spank bank. <laughs> yeah, some hot bitches in that one. That shit's yeah. funny as hell, man. That movie. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun time. Yeah, it really fun. is. All right, so next up here, uh, another Patreon pick. This one's coming from Mister Mikey Fisher. Uh, film from two thousand called The Convent. Now, this one's directed by Mike Mendez, who also did The Grave Big Dancers. Big Ass Spider. He did Big Ass Spider, too. But I love his movie, The Grave Dancers. That, that shit was awesome. It was very much like a 80s throwback, like a throwback to the 80s ghost films. Fucking awesome. 
It was one of the eight films to die for. Uh, he also did a segment in season Tales from, one. Was it season one? Yeah, um, he did a segment in Tales from Halloween. He also did Lavalancha. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's filmography is bizarre. And recently he did Don't Kill It, which I mentioned that because I really enjoyed that film last year. I watched it a couple times. It's got a pretty cool premise to it. So, with Dolph Lundgren of all people, very odd. Yeah. Um, so basically, the convent is about uh, this group of friends or not friends, whatever a group of people. Uh, college students that are you know it's kind of a fraternity thing where they have to go to this place uh this um you know this potentially haunted convent where something happened about 20 years earlier or something like that uh to spend the night and of course once they get there something happens to one of the characters where these demons are resurrected and the rest of the people start getting picked off one by one yes um (laughs) so the movie opens up with a young girl who walks, she just walks into this convent full of nuns, priest, everything fully loaded shotgun and just starts capping off bitches everywhere. Right. It's totally awesome. And then we jump into our story and then that of course plays into the end of the film. Uh, my thoughts on this one, you can't help but notice the resemblance between this and night of the demons because it is Night of the Demons. It's exactly the same fucking movie. Dude, that's so funny that you said that. Because I, before, like, just, well, I don't know why. Like, I felt like I'd seen this movie before and I was thinking of Night of the Demons. It's so odd. Yeah, man. It's like, pretty much the same thing. It's exactly the same setup. Of course, this one, you know, everything that makes up in the middle is a little bit different. But and it, it feels at times like it's a little bit of nunsploitation, too, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, you know, this one is essentially a lot of comedy in there. There's a lot of funny ass shit. There's all the stereotypical characters and stuff. And, um, but it's got some pretty good kills, man. It's got some pretty good stuff. It's got some cheesy effects, um, kind of some weird kind of throwback eighties, which I believe was probably done purposely because it's supposed to have that type of eighties feel to it, but it's got some of that neon type effects and shit. And, uh, you know, but mixed in with a lot of good practical effects. too. There's a really good kill in this film where, it's so fucking funny, dude. This guy just grabs his bat from this dude and completely annihilates this demon head. And I, I had to pause it. I was pissing myself. I haven't watched this movie in a while, and that shit was funny as hell. But how fun would it be to watch movies with moods? Like he just the way he. Fucking <laughs> I don't know. Laughs. You did it before. <laughs> it's so yeah, funny. we did. Yeah, but I was six. So I was fucking snoring on the couch half the time. But we fucking watched Ginger Dead Man versus the Evil Bong. So that should just fucking. But. Ugh. He always says him pissing his God. pants. It'd be more entertaining than the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And <laughs> but there's there's a lot of you know you think with a storyline like this and being a lot of comedy, it'd be kind of over the top and shit. It actually is pretty funny throughout the film. It's got legitimate laughs in it. I was I was laughing. <laughs> so Are what? Ha- talk about Coolio? Oh no, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, right. But okay, so sure. so basically, how the demons? I'm gonna give this away because so how the demons get res- resurrected. It turns out that there's these two doofus Satanists at this place also. And they've come up with this bright plan that they need to, like, sacrifice somebody to resurrect Satan. And, you know, these guys believe all this bullshit. So that's what they do. They actually end up killing one of these people. And that's what, you know, brings the demons back and shit. So um, so fast forward towards the end. And there's this, there's this fucking funny-ass scene in this movie where... <laughs> This dude, who's quite obvious, one of the doofus Satanists, who's quite obviously gay. He's totally gay, right? And what it comes down to, they've got this guy tied up, and they've got one of the other guys, one of the brothers. He's all tied up and shit, too. And so 
what the nuns or what the demon nuns need to do is they need to sacrifice a virgin to complete their, you know, to complete their ritual. <laughs> and so this gay guy turns to the other dude, he gets this bright idea and he goes, hey man, so, you know, if we weren't virgins, they wouldn't kill us. <laughs> like, it's right, insinuating that he wants to fuck this dude in the ass. And it's the funniest scene ever man i was just fucking dying and the guy's like no man no i'm cool man i'm cool with dying dude (laughs) he says it's fucking it's totally awesome i i thought the comedy was amazing in this so cue in adrian barbeau who actually plays the older girl that she was the one that actually blew everybody apart in this thing and so they need her to save the day and this movie's just a it's an all-out blast it's super fucking fun man good effects uh, lots of good laughs and shit. And then we have this ridiculous, I guess, cameos, I want to say, from Coolio and Bill Mosley. They play cops in this film. <laughs> Bill Mosley's actually common What collected. a weird pairing. But yeah, so at one point in the film, these cops show up to see what the fuck's going on in this uh, in this convent. And Coolio's completely over the top. He's just like, he's like, you hear me, white boy? You shut the fuck up, white boy! And he's just like, on this dude, white boy, and shit the whole time. It's ridiculous. It's so fucking random why Coolio was even casting this. I, Bill Mosley, of course, he always does shit like this. Who knows? Um, but yeah, The Convent Man, it's, you know, it's a throwback to 80s. It's Night of the Demons ripoff, non-exploitation. It's, it's fucking fun, man. It's really fun. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. It's definitely worth the watch. Good pick, Mikey. All right. It's good to rewatch that one. Cool. Julio. All right. Uh, the next film here is from Andy, and this is Funny Games from the year 1997, an Austrian film. See, I was going to uh, suggest this one time, actually. Yeah, there, there's actually a remake done by the same director, Michael yeah. Hennick, and it's essentially the only other shot for shot type remake that I've ever known to exist besides Psycho. Um, and. I actually, what's funny is I started watching the 2007 version and I got about 30 minutes in before I realized that it was the wrong version. <laughs> and then so I watched that. I watched, I started watching the 1997 version. I was like, holy shit, this is the exact same movie. Um, and wow. Okay. So this is a very interesting movie. This would have been a good for a good film for a feature review, honestly. Uh, but basically, it follows uh, a family who go to sort of their – they seem like a wealthy family. They go to sort of to like a holiday, like uh, summer house type thing. And basically, their neighbors uh, come in and ask for some eggs. First, um, one of the characters comes in and asks for some eggs. And it's a very like – like tense scene like you kind of get like something's up with this dude like it's just like very uncomfortable and awkward uh so he takes the eggs and he drops them and then the the wife like cleans them up and stuff and then he asks for more eggs and like a very very awkward scene it's like super uncomfortable because like she just gave him like six eggs or something or four eggs or whatever and then he's like just like kind of standing there and he like looks towards the fridge and he's like so you know like he's basically notioning like you're gonna give me more eggs and like she kind of gets a little salty about it and then basically uh the other person shows up and he's like another younger kid and basically asked to like use these golf clubs and essentially it's like a home invasion film after that so these two start torturing the family uh, and they 
they make a bet with the family that says that they'll die by nine o'clock the next morning. And then it's basically plays out like a, you know, home invasion film after that with kind of, um, scenes that like throw you off convention, uh, basically scenes that are set up to, uh, essentially be what you would expect in horror, uh, and in films in general, and then they they do a 180 and they they go the opposite way of what you expect. Um, then you start noticing all this stuff. There's like one scene in particular that completely is like just like it's hinted at earlier that they're doing this, but like it is just like you're gonna be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, uh, so this film breaks the fourth wall, and. Uh, it starts very little with like one of the characters like looking at the camera and winking, and I when that happened I noticed it and I was like, I was like, what what the hell was that? Like, and I thought that maybe like his other the other teenage character was behind the camera or something. He was like looking at him and like winking, but it's really he's like just looking at the audience and winking. Um, and then there's all this other stuff, and it and eventually. It, it you know fully breaks the fourth wall uh and and basically like i don't want to spoil this at all because i feel like people should see this fresh um but it's very much like social commentary on violence in media and i, I read up a little bit on it and honestly like i kind of hate the message like basically the filmmaker is trying to say that the whole movie is pointless because violence, senseless violence is pointless. So he wanted to like show that, that senseless violence is pointless. And I didn't really like that message because hell we're horror fan. Like we like, we like this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is this final exam? Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's done very, this film is done very brilliantly. Like there's a scene early on where there's a knife on a boat and the camera is so direct in setting up this foreshadowing moment that you're like, I even was like, okay, that was like way too obvious. Like I remember saying that in that scene, but it was literally intentionally as obvious as possible. Like they literally like tried to be so on the nose with it because of something that happens later in the film where it goes against convention. And that is all really cool. Like I really like the whole dynamic of this movie and like, the fourth wall breaking things like it makes so much sense it's like so neat but like the overall message like kind of annoys me so i was like very torn on this movie like the like what the guy does is brilliant but i just hate his message so it's it's kind of weird but i can't really hate the film for that or critique it for that but uh i i love this movie like the conventions are used so brilliantly and also the um i guess the tension that's in throughout the film and the ballsiness of the movie too, uh, with like some of the, what happens to some of the characters and things like that. Really good. The acting is great in this one. Uh, these, the two, especially by Paul and Peter, the, the two younger kids who are doing this, uh, especially the, the like leader of them. He's so good. And man, like, I, I don't know, dude, this movie is so cool, but it's just like that message is like, ridiculous to me but i'm still coming in very high on this one i'm giving it a nine out of ten damn that okay. high how in the fuck did you get 30 minutes into the fucking remake and not realize it wasn't in spanish 
Yeah, didn't you know like Ellen Page? Well, how was I to know? How was I to know that the original movie was Spanish? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't look up. I don't look into these movies before I watch them. You know, unless I've heard of them pre- previously, which I have heard people talk about this movie. But um, I was, uh, you know, what I thought this movie was like another movie called like The Game or something like that, um, where like. I think it's about like a guy who's being like the Michael. Like, Doug- yeah, that movie's fucking. Awesome. I, yeah, where he's like being forced to like do things or something. Yeah, I, like, that movie's great. Yeah, oh, I thought I that that's that what this was. So I I thought it was an American movie. Like I never knew that it was this was an Austrian film. So that's why it, it wasn't until they pulled out the cell phone in the re- in the remake where I was like, wait a minute, that looks like a newer phone for 1997. <laughs> like like not newer as in like a smartphone, but like like a razor or something from like the the mid 2000s I, like, I was like i was like there's no way that phone was from 1997 so then i looked yeah, it like, up and that, that phone oh, is way shit. too small i'm, I'm watching the uh it doesn't the look remake. like a cordless phone <laughs> that was yeah right <laughs> um but yeah it, it like apparently they use like a lot of the same like props and different and like i think they use the same exact house in the remake as the original um mm really interesting super interesting uh that they that he remade his own movie in english apparently he originally wanted this film to be done in english and and set in america but budgetary reasons kept it in austria hmm. uh but i'm i'm interested to see the remake eventually but i, I feel like i don't need to right now because it's literally the same movie probably uh, but I, I am curious to see if they do all of the same beats of the fourth wall breaking things. But yeah, this movie is very good. Like it's a, it's a very good movie. Super interesting and original. Yep. All right. Next Wonder if it was inspired me. by Scream though. I don't know. The anyway, Scream came out the year before. Let's talk about the Dutch know. the Dutch film from the year nineteen ninety four. This one was given to me by who's this fucking guy? Rob Henkins, titled "Night Watch." Now this is like a it has a giallo feel to it, but not so much a giallo. But uh, this is another film that was remade in 1997 and directed by the same guy. I kind of like the lift and down. It has a, a similar kind of a story where the director directed the English counterpart. So this is about a guy named Martin, and Martin is uh, this college student who gets a new job at this uh, insane asylum. I mean, I think it's a insane asylum. We don't really figure out what it is, but it, it looks like an insane asylum to me. And he gets the job as a night watchman, and every half an hour he has to walk around to all these different rooms to put this key in this it's like a, a box where you turn the key, it registers that somebody has been there like doing a, a check of each room. So he goes around to every room, puts the key in the box, he turns it, and then he goes to the next room and does the same thing. And uh, he he basically walks around, and then the morgue has um, one of these boxes, and some strange stuff is starting to happen in this morgue. And uh, a lot of people have been getting murdered, and being brought to the Morgans, Martin's trying to figure out who this person is who's murdering all these people. And along the way, we get more and more clues about who this murderer is, you know, supposed to be. It's pretty basic uh, murder mystery type of a film. It's not going to like blow your balls away. The reveal is actually told like 
45 minutes before the end of the film. So it's interesting to see that sense that it's it's differentiates from a giallo where we we learn the killer way far before the end of the film. So it's interesting in that sense because we have this whole now build up to uh, Martin and this killer facing off. So. It's an interesting, inter- it's an interesting movie. I wasn't like blown away. I know like uh, when what the fuck's this guy name? Uh, when Rob gave me this movie, he's like, oh, it's one of my favorites, and this and that, and this and that. Um, you know, it's it, it's an interesting film. I know uh, it's out of print, so it's kind of hard to get these days. But uh, I liked it for what it was. It's not gonna like I say blow your brains away. So I gave it a seven out of ten. It's well made, and it, it's an it's an interesting watch just once, but not really going to check it out again so is it did you say is this the one that came out in 97 94 so the remake in 97 with fucking um dude the the cast in the remake has like ewan mcgregor yeah nick nolte eric anderson's in it josh Josh brolin laura graham patricia arquette brad durf i was like holy fuck (laughs) this is insane wow okay i wasn't sure and jp you'd like this you have some uh necrophilia going on in this one too Awesome. I know that's your thing. No, yep. his thing is incest. Yeah, that too. He likes both. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, unlike you guys, I could give a review and not 90 minutes. That no, was still like seven minutes. I feel like mine are pretty short. The last one was pretty long. Mm. Yeah. All right, All right. So, moving along here. Uh, next up here is a pick that was sent to me from Mark Lethem. Uh, from 1981, and it's called Mad Foxes. <clears throat> this is a film that I knew about, but I have never seen before. And oddly enough, I was actually uh, flipping through Instagram the other day, and someone had posted a picture of this movie, and I was like, damn, that's really fucked up. I need to watch this this week. So apparently Full Moon is putting out the DVD. I had no idea. Yeah, I have it already. Yeah, so there you go. I had no idea they were putting it out. It was just totally shocked to me. Yeah, it was so random. getting enough that- views for Full Moon. No, not for the full moon trunk. <laughs> See, everybody, we did it. We made JP not get the trunk. Yes, we did it. <laughs> Sorry, are you gonna re- are you gonna review this one? Who me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, eventually. <laughs> all right. So, so <laughs> mad fox. I mean, I've been reviewing all the ones I get from them. So, all right. yeah. So I'm not like, behind right now. Sorry. This is a Spanish film. Um. <laughs> from spain uh and it basically is a a rape revenge film slash like just revenge you know so what happens at the beginning of this film is this guy is out with um his girlfriend and you know he runs into this biker gang this nazi biker gang and he kind of has a little bit of running with them and then he fucking so he takes off he jumps into his car and he speeds off (laughs) He speeds off, and of course the bikers take chase after him. And he didn't even cause this accident, but he so he speeds around this corner, and this guy on this bike just goes straight forward and fucking slams into his van and like explodes and dies. <laughs> like it's the funniest scene ever. So now these bikers are like out to get him. So they actually find him again, and they end up raping his girlfriend. But before they do, I've never seen this in a movie before, and I have to say this is like the craziest shit. But so this Nazi biker gang member grabs this chick, rips off her clothes and he like 
puts his fingers right in her pussy. And you can, like, see his hand. Pussy? Like, like right. You don't say pussy very often. Yeah, but it was so fucked. It, I, it was pretty. I, I couldn't believe this. So, anyways, you, like, you can kind of see his fingers moving around there. He pulls them out. They're covered in blood. And he's like, oh, she's a virgin. And then he wipes the blood on her face and then rapes her. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I've never seen that shit before. I was like, that's ridiculous. So, so <laughs> only moods would say that's ridiculous. <laughs> only, only you, a person getting raped. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not it, saying it's ridiculous that she's getting I raped. Know. Ridiculous because of the blood. So this, so this event happens, and now of course he's you know got to get some revenge on, on this gang that raped his fucking girlfriend. So, my thoughts on this film. This is a very odd film because, like, after this happens, like, yeah, he's he's wanting to get revenge on them, but the story like strays away. You know, it, it starts following him where he decides he's going to go out to his you know his parents' house and stuff, and, and he ends up picking up this hitchhiker, and he brings her to his you know his parents' house, and he ends up having sex with her and shit. I'm like, what the fuck happened to the girlfriend? She didn't die. Right? They just kind of like forgot about the girlfriend part in this film. It's so random. And then on the flip side of the film, we're following these bikers and they're doing a bunch of random shit, doing, you know, creating havoc and stuff. And they go to the, they have this like funeral, this amphitheater and stuff. But the whole time, it's just these random scenes of these Nazi bikers drinking. And one of them is completely buck naked all the time. He's like riding his bike with his fucking floppy donkey well, cock out. That sounds like that Roland film I watched a little while ago. It's so random. It like cuts these scenes and this dude's like buck naked, his cock's hanging out. And you're like, what the fuck? It's, <laughs> it's so weird. It's like so weird. And then, so, and then eventually what happens is, you know, the bikers, they kind of get whiffed that this guy's after him and stuff. So they end up going to his parents' house to kill the parents. And so now it's a revenge on that. And it's like a back and forth revenge film. Like the bikers get revenge on him and, Oh my god. So it's a fucking absolutely terrible film, but so entertaining. I I the best thing about this movie was the dubbing. I don't know the people that they did they got to dub the voices made my whole night. It was the funniest shit. I was laughing every time they were talking. It was so fucking ridiculous. I'm not sure if it was translated properly because some of the dialogue spit was just people don't talk like this. They do not talk like this. And it was just every moment it was like they don't talk like this. This is so funny. And it just kept happening and happening and happening. It's Do so they talk bad. like that? Oh, man. It's edited poorly. <laughs> the music is shitty. But it's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. Horrible film. Full of laughter. Unintentional laughter. I'm giving it three and a half out of ten. But on a fun fact or like an entertainment level, it's like a seven. It was so fun. But terrible movie. But uh, I got I to gotta add this one to the collection. It's pretty fun. <laughs> it's like the weirdest odd rape, rape revenge slash revenge film ever. Very strange. Mad Foxes from 1981. Decent exploitation. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, sounds pretty bad and pretty cool. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> I can't wait to hear... Oh, you gotta watch it, man. It's, nice. it's funny. Yeah. Alright. Uh, recording Kill the Cast. I think Exploding Heads are also recording right now. Um, I think there's fuck, a few podcasts recording right now. <laughs> Fuck you, Jerry. That's the second time I brought up your name, so I get one more. Sorry, go ahead. All right. So uh, this is my last Patreon pick for the month. Uh, this one was by – who gave me this? Uh, Mark, Mark Lethem. And this movie is from 1998. 
and it is a we're getting a lot of 90s films i've noticed it's mm-hmm. pretty interesting uh it's a film directed by gasper no uh his first film what else has he done why does the name sound so familiar irreversible, oh, irreversible. Mm-hmm. Floyd. yeah okay yeah i know him like the, um, the best french director uh, a French filmmaker here. This is a 1998 French film. Uh, I don't know. This, what What would you say? How is this filmed? Like, what What would you say that is? It's like, like it's it's very French New Wave film. If you guys are familiar with that, it's very, you know, a lot of handhelds and and dialogue and things that shouldn't be in a movie, but it is anyway because it's French and artsy and. And see, this is actually one of the first DVDs I bought. I, I haven't watched it in a while, but I guess it's like a little uh, documentary type of style, follow character kind of thing. Yeah, so it basically follows this this character, and it, it gives us like whole history. Like, so it starts off with um, like a voiceover and like some like like slideshowness going on and, and different like scenes of, of this kid growing up. Like he was orphaned. Uh, he was sexually abused by a priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was had to, you know, get into uh, a career, which was, he did butchering, uh, specializing in horse meat, which we know is, um, we don't need it over here, but, but it seems like in the East they, they do. Um, and, Basically, he you know hooks up with this girl. He has a daughter to her. That woman leaves him. Um, Man, and then then he loses the kid after she. He thinks she's like raped or something, and then he like attacks the person. He does some jail time, gets out. Uh, It's like, dude, it's all sorts of just messed up stuff, and uh, and it kind of like picks up there where he's like it gives you that whole history and then it's all done through narration and then you find out that you know the person that they're talking about is him and we follow him in sort of like uh his last couple days of um we follow that like i guess it's just a section of time in his life um and it's a very bizarre movie it, it really is uh he there's all these like i guess um repressed sexual feelings towards his daughter that oh, the eventually come through the head crazy. yeah fucking and, ending is just... yeah it <laughs> I, like it i don't know charts. how to s- describe the movie really it seems very experimental yeah uh it's it's very unique and very very different it kind of makes sense that he directed irreversible because it, it kind of has a lot of the same beats uh this this movie for some reason it feels like very fast paced. It's not a long movie, but there's certain aspects of it where it's just like, uh, like there's just word, like rapid words, like coming across obviously subtitled, but this, this character just goes into these like rants of just like craziness, like, and seems very insane to me. Uh, and he's very, he's very much struggling with, um, the theme of it seems to be like the poor, and people like struggling in the world there's a lot of like dialogue about uh the pointlessness of life um and you know uh the fact that nobody truly cares for each other um the fact that nobody's willing to help each other Uh, you know the you know the butcher is in the beginning of irreversible right i did not if you watch it now you'll realize it but Mm. yeah interesting interesting Hmm. that's interesting 
so he yeah like he's he's a very i guess messed up human being and he's not a likable character by any means like uh there's a scene where he actually punches his pregnant girlfriend's stomach um and and causes a you know a miscarriage i believe he's even quoted saying that baby is now hamburger meat um so you know not a very nice guy at all um it's a this is just an odd movie man like i I really liked it though like i thought it was super interesting kept my attention the whole time uh definitely talking points throughout the film uh definitely very pretentious (laughs) you know what i mean like that type of uh filmmaking um i liked it uh coming in probably about a 7.5 on this one yeah this was a film back in the day in the early days of youtube where all the freaking amazing hardcore folks that i've talked and loved so much out here on the show uh this is one that they were always fucking talking about uh because of the end back in the uh back in the hardcore fuck days where everybody would have like stw all those people that i absolutely love you know (laughs) you know you know who everybody is that i've but yeah this is this is one film that peeps were talking about back in the day a lot yeah i probably i probably remember like because i missed that whole era i wasn't even making videos back then but i watched everybody's yeah and like there was a huge movement for like this like underground extreme like uh sort of um like film all the people who think they're better than everybody (laughs) i've talked about it before but those folks but anyway i think they're cool yes yes i have yeah it's i mean it's it's pretty good it's pretty i actually the ending is pretty fucked up (laughs) um yeah i don't think it's my favorite film by him by any means no No, way way better than this probably yeah i haven't seen i dig it though i dig it i think it's okay it's okay yeah see you see what i mean cox trying to fucking say something and i can't uh Maybe yeah, so. I haven't seen Love because it was supposed to come out from Alchemy, but they fucking shat the bed and it never came out. So hmm. uh, I haven't seen it, but oh yeah, Irreversible and Enter the Void. Are, what, Enter the Void is probably his best movie in my opinion. I haven't seen Enter the Void, Enter but the void Irreversible is... made my top 10 of 2002. Bizarre. That's bizarre. It's a good movie, though. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up. For me, from Matt Janikowski. Uh, we're talking about In the Mouth of Madness from the year 1994, directed by Mr. Carpenter. Now, Jonathan Carpenter. Well, what other fucking Mr. Carpenter is there, JP? I'm sure there's a few. Yeah, not in the fucking horror community. I'm talking about In the Mouth. What other director by the name of Carpenter directed a film called In the Mouth of Madness? Nobody, so shut the fuck up. Uh, so, I'm just saying, treat Jonathan with respect. He's so touchy. He's so touchy yes. today. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> it's insane in my vagina. People aren't donating to the Patreon to help get it sucked out. So I, I'm not as diverse in John Carpenter's filmography as most people. I've seen a lot of his movies, but I haven't seen this movie, and I haven't seen, you know, a few other of his films. But uh, so I was going into this with a a clear mind because I haven't seen it before. It's also not one of his more talked about movies either. Which is unfortunate because it's a very weird, strange movie. Very uh, 
a Twilight Zone mindfuck type of a film. Uh, very influenced by Lovecraft, obviously. And it, yeah, it's definitely out of the ones I've seen. It's definitely a, a, a stranger kind of Carpenter film. And I was reading in Fangoria, I have an issue that covers this movie. And it was talking about how uh, Nick Arito was trying to come up with these monsters that end up at the end of this movie. And he was talking. Yeah. uh, Who's that? You don't know who fucking Nick Arito is? He's like a top tier makeup designer. You mean Nicotero, Greg? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See? (laughs) Aren't you proud of me? I was even like, what? Who is that? (laughs) Who's Nick Arito? I've never heard of this guy. I have to do it at least once every. I mean, come on, Greg Nicotero is not an uncommon name in horror. You should know that one. Yeah, Nicotero is pretty common too. You worked with him? Jeremy's walking around saying, "Come on," he's like, "Come here, Mister Nicarito." (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't like interact with. The fuck did that kid say to me? Bring me some Doritos. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Dude, I can't hear you. What's wrong with your mic? What are you doing? Check, check. Can you hear me? Okay. My better? Yeah. You sure? I think. I can hear you. Uh, uh, he did the effects on that John Grumman movie that I worked on last year, but he was talking about in this Fangoria issue how he was coming, trying to come up with the monsters at the end of this movie, and uh, he was working on Pumpkinhead 2 at the time, and him and his assistant were just... What? I said classic. Yeah. And him and his assistant were just trying to, were just, pot, you know, piecing together things that they had from Pumpkinhead 2, trying to come up with these ideas of all these monsters because they knew that this was probably going to be the next movie that they were going to work on. So it's kind of funny that I think that Pumpkinhead 2 probably influenced the monsters in this movie a little bit. Kind of funny. But we follow John Trent, played by Sam Neill. He is uh, this private investigator who is trying to figure out where this uh, famous author has gone who wrote these series of these murder mystery type of stories. Uh, uh, Sutter Kane is his name. And, um, you know, he, he, his last book is, you know, everybody's becoming obsessed with these books and his last book's about to come out and he goes missing. So uh, the publisher hires John Trent to go and track down Kane and one of the publishers go with him and they go to this little town and a bunch of weird twilight sony things start to happen um this town is saying you shouldn't be here and it's like it's quiet and the townsfolks aren't right and as time goes on we learn that 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 kane's actually writing what happens in the book is actually happening in real life so whatever he writes in the book happens in real life the whole story with kane and everything like that. Like I said, very trippy, trippy, weird, weird movie. And I, I wish they would have dived into a little bit more of the of the uh, readers becoming mind-washed after reading the books. I think that's really, really interesting that this book is making people go crazy and, and cr- you know, create havoc. I think that's a really interesting idea. And I wish that the film, you know, developed that a little bit more. We see it here and there. Uh, along the way a lot in the beginning but not so much towards the end i think that would have been a really really interesting idea so as the film goes on we learn more about kane and and heaven and hell and all those uh you know typical bullshit themes that we see in these kind of movies and there's monsters along the way and things like that 
it's a very it's a movie that I think you would have to watch a few times to maybe fully grasp everything that was happening in the movie. But I had a really really fantastic time with this movie. It's a really fun um, mind fuck type of movie. Like, uh, unfortunately, I had to miss my the marathon that I go to every year last year, and they show this, which I'm pissed off because I would have loved to seen this with an audience because I feel like it's a movie that. Uh, uh, audience participation, tw- especially towards the end of the movie, would have made this movie a lot more, you know, a, a more fun, enjoyable experience. So, um, and the ending of this movie, it's very, um, how can I say, uh, you know, it, uh, John Trent goes to a movie theater and they're showing In the Mouth Madness by John Carpenter and things like that. It's very, um, you know, what's real and what's not type of movie. So, I had a good time with this one. So I gave this one an eight out of ten. Very different kind of Carpenter. Really enjoyed it. Check it out. Yeah, I, I didn't love that one when I watched it the first time, um, and the only time. Um, I still liked it. I think I I might give it like a seven, but I also watched it it like in like a party setting too. So it was like you know, not the best time to watch it. But mo- like with most John Carpenter movies, I always seem to like them better on second watch. Like. Pretty much every movie that I've seen of his that isn't like Halloween or the thing, I've liked better on second watch. Mm-hmm. Sam Neill is amazing. He's such a great actor. Yeah. Yeah, I I fucking love that movie. It's so, so it's so overlooked, man. It's movie. it is, man. Like, but don't you just want like more Charles from Hesed that film? Plays a character and he's like just a weird a weird character for him to play. Yeah, and, and of course towards the end of his life, so. It's just a weird, weird movie. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. But, you know, it's one of those films where you probably could have watched for four hours, you know, get the whole thing, you know, the whole fucking story. I don't know. There's just something about it. I just wanted more from it, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. You know, I just wanted to know everything because it was so interesting. I love mm-hmm. that one. It's a cool. One. All right. So next up here, another Patreon pick. Uh, this one's coming from the homeboy, the retro slasher, also known as Andy. From 1971, a film called Straw Dogs, directed by the one and only Sam Peckinpah, um, who has directed a lot of great films. Um, not not notably, not noted for directing, you know, thrillers and or horror films or anything like that. But he's mostly known for directing. I, I would say like action thr- or uh, you know westerns and things like that, like The Wild Bunch, Junior Bonner. He did uh, The Getaway. Killer Elite, Osterman Weekend. Those are all good films. Um, Sam Peckinpah, you know, he's considered to be one of the greats. But Straw Dogs, starring Dustin Hoffman and Susan George. It basically revolves around Dustin Hoffman's character and Susan George. Uh, It takes place in England, where Susan George is from, this little kind of small rural town. Uh, And Dustin Hoffman has moved there. You know, to kind of get away from everything and work on his studies and, you know, his work, which he is an astrophysicist. And uh, so upon moving there, you know, it's a different area for him. He's not used to like the small town rule setting and the people and things like that. And you can tell he's having adjustment issues um, dealing with that type of stuff. And uh, of course, what happens is, you know, some of the some of the locals that they've hired on to work on their place. Uh, start taking i mean they start kind of fucking with him a little bit and stuff like that and then you know there's a whole showdown towards the end of the film so my thoughts on this one uh 
this is it's a very interesting film i have to say um you know sam peckinpah who is actually an american director really you know you almost would when i first watched this film years ago i always thought that this was done by a uk director and not even thinking about it you know because the portrayal of dustin hoffman being an american is just (laughs) it's like they portray him as this douchebag fucking american you know in the uk and you know they kind of portray it as this guy that's completely better than everybody. And he's, he's an asshole. He's essentially a fucking American asshole. And I think that's what they're going for. It works really well. Dustin Hoffman plays the character very, very well. You know, he's this kind of high class astrophysicist that treats his wife like shit, you know, doesn't really care about these rural settings and, you know, the people around and stuff. And it really does, does add to the narrative a whole shitload because, you know, you're dealing with these, these small town folk and the the clash that happens in this film is quite intriguing based on the events leading up to it. Um, a lot of people classify this film as being a rape-revenge film. Um, it's not a rape-revenge film whatsoever at all. I don't know why this gets lumped into that. I think it's because a lot of people may have seen this film kind of miss something in the movie. But there is a rape in this film having to do with Susan George. And one of the construction workers is actually like an old boyfriend. So there's this event that happens in the film. But it's not what causes the main uh, you know, showdown in the end of the film. There's a lot of really cool things that add up to, you know, to that showdown. And a lot of really interesting subtext that goes on you know, with America and the UK. And uh, just people in general. And how they perceive things and what they're willing to do and stand up for. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this movie. Um, I do find this movie to be a little bit slow. It's not actually one of my top tier Sam Peckinpah films. I think that The Wild Bunch and the other films are way better than this one. Um, but there is a lot of great subtext here and great performances. Great setting. It's shot brilliant. I mean, every one of Peckinpah films are shot brilliantly. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit slow though. I think the development with the characters they they give you so much. There's a lot of great dialogue and stuff, but they give you so much of Dustin Hoffman's character with Susan George, his wife. I think her name is Amy in the film, and you know you kind of get it. You know you get it that he's a dick. He, he wants to be left alone, and but um, overall, it's it's a really good film. It's one that sits with you days after. Is this film as extreme as people make it out to be? No. It isn't. I, I don't think the visuals are that extreme at all. Uh, I think that, you know, maybe for the time that it came out in 1971, it probably had more of an impact based on what you're seeing because this wasn't the most common thing. I mean, you got to remember this is predating stuff like Death Wish and I Spit on Your Grave and things like that. I don't think rape in film was all that common in the early 70s, you know, but, you know, it's a good film and I, I like what they did with this and I really like how the conflict again is developed i think that's actually sheer brilliance in the script it's got a brilliant script so i'm gonna give this one nine out of ten um great performances dustin hoffman again you know as usual i mean have you ever seen a hoffman film where he didn't come through with the performance probably not yeah I don't he's, know. he's always really good but he plays he hasn't been in a so movie well. in a long time yeah man um well, he's probably not going to be in anything anymore <laughs> yeah considering the allegations but have you seen yeah. you've seen this film before right jeremy oh yeah of course um, but you know what I'm saying about how people think it's a rape revenge film because it's clearly not like, I don't want to ruin JP. Have you watched this movie before? You've seen this movie before, right? No, I've not. Oh, you oh, have? My oh God. okay. Never mind. I won't. I mean, I, I thought pretty much everyone has seen this one, but 
All right. I've not seen this movie. It's uh, it's it's Classic. a great it's a great piece of cinema. I I just I think it it holds up very well today based on the subtext that's there and stuff and it's it's a classic i mean it's one of those films yeah, i mean it, it you know i i've actually have not seen the remake is that have you seen the remake jeremy yeah <laughs> i didn't see it i didn't watch it it's not, it's not do, very good do they, i own both of them do they switch do they tell the story the same in the remake or yeah pretty much yeah okay interesting very very interesting but yeah that's straw dogs man you know if you've never seen it check it out it's 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 an interesting well made film yeah all right so next up here first non-patreon uh let's do uh 1977's just missed 1976 uh orca the killer well uh this is uh one of did you just many... say the killer well or did you say yeah, whale? The killer well no i I, th- I thought you said the killer well like the water well <laughs> So well, like you said the like well. The, I mean, I probably might. I might have said well uh, instead of whale. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, you said well. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like just a dialect there, thing. There's something that hasn't been done a killer well. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty cool, huh? <laughs> that's awesome. Good shit. So, I've seen this film before, but uh, Umbrella put out a Blu-ray, so I wanted to check it out again. Let's see the transfer. Transfer is good. Uh, this is this is one of many Jaws ripoffs. I think this and Piranha are probably the two best Jaws ripoffs, uh, at least can, can, at least from the general public standpoint. I think most people would agree with that. Uh, this one is kind of interesting. You know, it, it follows a guy uh, who's like a Irish Canadian like boat fisherman, and he wants to capture a orca whale well after (laughs) after he sees one attack a great white shark and kill it um and he kind of enlists like a scientist to kind of tell him about him uh he eventually sets out to grab one of these whales and he shoot he's trying to capture a male and he ends up nicking the male with the harpoon and actually striking the female but he says, what the hell? And he gets it on. He goes to take it on board. And in like, honestly, like a cringy scene to me, the female whale. I, every time I say whale now, it feels like I have to and like and like super enunciate the H. <laughs> <laughs> I made you self-conscious, didn't put I? So, so put so much emphasis on the H now. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, so um, <laughs> th- this whale. <laughs> This damn orca begins to try to commit suicide, I think, where it's like diving into the propellers because it doesn't <laughs> want to get captured. Um, and they pull it on board and its stomach is slid open and out pops a baby orca. And the male orca is like so heartbroken by this. He's looking on from the, the waters that he just lets out a crazy scream that's just like earth shattering because he's seen his wife and his his unborn baby get massacred by these humans, uh, so he begins to take revenge on the people who did this, and he begins like sinking ships and stuff in the town. And then they have it all like comes to <laughs> comes to the end with like in like some Arctic landscapes, 
human versus whale battle. Uh, some people love this movie. Like Jerry loves this movie. It's one of his favorites. Well, we all know um, why he might like it and you don't. Why? Because he's dumb. Oh, I do like it. Oh. I'm not gonna say I don't like it. It's just to me, it's just a, it's a little ridiculous. Like it's it's like Jaws four, the revenge. You know, like <laughs> this time it's personal. You know, like it, 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 it's it's essentially that. You know, it's a personal. Uh, vendetta that this this orca has for this guy and it just I, like I know they're they're trying to express that orcas are very intelligent which they are you know they have appa- apparently they have language where they could communicate with each other which is pretty interesting uh, but it's it's like just a it's it's the action and it's fun it's just the plot is a little ludicrous uh, <laughs> you know it's it's a, it's a little out there to kind of buy all this stuff um it sounds like if when you explain the plot it sounds like a fucking animated film yeah it does kind of huh <laughs> but it's like i was talking to people at work about this one and the more i was i was like i had to stop like midway through i'm like wait wait it's actually not as bad as it sounds like like because it, it sounds so ridiculous when you explain it and it is and but one thing about this movie is it's it's very mean spirited. Like nobody really wins in this one. Like the humans are kind of dicks and the whales kind of a dick. And like nobody really gets out looking too great at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'd probably come in at about a six point five. I don't think I could give it a seven. I'd go six point five. It's entertaining. I'll give it that. Yeah, it's definitely entertaining. I'm I'm about the same on this one. I think it's okay. It's fun, you know, for a Jaws ripoff type thing. But it's definitely I don't know. It's not one of my more. I mean, favorite. the workers look great. Yeah, definitely. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. I gotta watch it again. How's the Blu-ray look? It looks really good, actually. The transfer is good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Hi up. Yes, All right, so going to talk about the film from the year 2013, directed by Jim Jarmish, titled "Only Lovers Left Alive." Now, um, Jarmish directed a film in '95 titled "Dead Man." It's a really awesome neo noir shot in black and white western with Johnny Depp. Uh, it's definitely probably my top 20, 25 favorite movies ever. It's a really, really fucking awesome movie. So uh, when I heard. You- he was doing a vampire film i was very interested to checking it out and it's an it's an interesting movie uh you know some of his movies are hit and miss i'm not not the biggest fan of all of his films but uh you know he definitely has a a interesting taste and the fact that he's still able to keep on pumping out movies like he is (coughs) it's very interesting because he has a very um distinctive style and i would assume his movie's don't make any money but he keeps making them anyway so <laughs> because because they're they're art house artsy fartsy but he just has a good track record of pumping out uh interesting films that his fans like that sony which mainly releases a lot of film keeps on releasing them so we follow uh adam adam is a depressed musician living in detroit uh he 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 doesn't want anybody bothering him and he doesn't want anybody to find out where he lives. He's very seclusive because he's a vampire. And the only way that he gets stuff done is uh, Anton Yelchin's. How do you pronounce his name? Yelchin. Yelchin. Yeah, character Ian 
<laughs> is like his bitch boy. He gets everything that he needs. Anything that Adam asks for, Ian brings it to him. So he never has to leave the house. Uh, the only time that he ever leaves the house is to go to the hospital where he, he has a deal with one of the guys in the lab who gives him high-quality blood. Because what we learn is that um, Adam has lived so long that he outgrew the uh, the act of going and killing his prey to drink their blood. <clears throat> he doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't have any desire. He's, uh, uh, you know, very... Intra- a introverted i was going to say my new word because me and jb had a discussion about that but i'm just going to say introverted uh personality that he doesn't want to have any kind of interaction with people so he he just buys his blood because he has a lot of money from being a musician and his wife eve who's also a vampire lives um overseas in this uh middle eastern country and she decides to go visit adam one day and they get back together and all this kind of stuff very artsy montage scenes and of them driving around Detroit talking about <coughs> the city and things like that. And one day Eve's uh, sister Ava shows up at their doorstep and Ava's a different kind of a character because she hasn't outgrew the, the desire to kill people and get their blood that way. And she doesn't understand how difficult it is getting blood from different sources without having to kill the people. And she's just, Drinks all drinks all of Adam and Eve's blood and things like that, and it's there. It's Adam and Eve struggle towards Ava to try and get her to understand that this isn't the right way to do things. That she's very naive, young and naive compared to they are, and it's just the inner struggle between the family. It's an, it's an interesting film. It's extremely artsy fartsy, um, a, a lot of really fantastic. Uh, production design throughout the entire film um, very 70s musician-esque type of aesthetic uh, Tilda Swinston is a very interesting looking woman I have to say I've seen in a bunch of stuff but she just has a very weird weird look to her um, I'm curious to see how she does in uh, the new Suspiria film because She's a really, really great actress who has a very uh, unique look to her. So, and she's great in this film. And um, Tom Hiddleston, who is now famous for being in the Avenger films, does a, a pretty good job in this movie as well. So, it's it's not my favorite Jarmish film, um, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, it's a, it's it's not your typical vampire film with people going around killing each other. It's very, uh, you know, artsy fartsy time. A vampire film a movie that i would probably make if i ever made movies because i like artsy fartsy stuff so i gave this one a seven and a half out of ten um it's a slow burn it's over two hours a lot of dialogue a lot of talking character development things like that not much stuff going on but if that's your kind of thing check it out it's pretty good i can't believe that you came in so low. i thought you'd love this movie because it's right up yeah. your alley i fucking love this movie man i yeah. love everything about it man i just love the the character study of this guy that has lived so long that he just wants to be left alone and the setting is so perfect because it's like Detroit's Detroit. all it's in, ruin. it's in ruins right and he's on the outskirts yeah. there's no one around so he picks the perfect spot to live and I like how he kind of rekindles his relationship and you know adding in the system like there's a lot of really cool things that are happening here but I like it how it's just it's not about you know the blood and gore it's a totally yeah. different story 
It's yeah. a love story. <laughs> it essentially it is. is, but it's yeah. not. It's not like a corny one though. Yeah, yeah. It's done really well. It's acted well. I think. Every, I just. I love this movie. I thought mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, it's a good movie. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm. I, I thought for sure that you're gonna like this one a lot more. It's very, yeah. very interesting. So. Um, but yeah, so moving along here, uh, next Patreon pick here coming from Edgar Sanchez. Uh, he sent in a film from 2017 called Bunny Man Vengeance. Um, this one right here is the third installment in the Bunny Man trilogy. Now, I have to say this right off the start here. I generally do not do this very often, but I have not seen the previous two. But I did read into it, and apparently there's not a lot of continuity going on here. So that was good. You just to know. skipped the first two and watch this one and watch this one. Um, <laughs> so what I learned from reading into the first two is that the big question was with the first two films is who the fuck is bunny man and where did he come from and why is he doing this shit? Cause it was just bunny man killing people. It was a slasher bunny man film. Um, and there was no backstory. So that's what we get with bunny man vengeance. We basically get introduced to our bunny man, who has come home and we get to learn that he is his family is uh it's he's part of a black family and you know they raised him as their own and stuff like that there's an incident that you know basically it shows you why he wears this costume and stuff which i have to say man the whole backstory to this if this is what they came up with after fan demand of you know telling a backstory man i don't know why they didn't write something a little bit better it's fucking all over the place the backstory really doesn't even make a whole lot of sense and shit i'm just like what the hell like this is crazy and i actually you know i read into it and everyone was saying that too they're like this is the backstory that we get from the first two films so (laughs) i wasn't alone on this i didn't really need to see the first two so um but yeah no it's kind of a mess it's all over the place but so yeah so the bunny man has come home and he's living with his family and you know his family's got this bright idea that they're gonna have they're gonna house like a haunt attraction and you know that's how they that's how they get money and stuff like that but the bunny man has anger issues and you know everyone that shows up or comes around ends up getting killed so my thoughts on this movie (laughs) first up i cannot believe that this movie was 110 percent dead fucking serious (laughs) no jokes dude there is not an iota of fucking comedy in this this movie is played how could you have a serious movie with a fucking guy in a in a bunny bunny costume yeah dude that's why i always say that you can always have a serious movie this is crazy subject matter i had no idea that this movie was not a comedy and i was about 20 minutes and i'm like wow this movie's really not funny and then you get to realize it's not a comedy it's fucking dead serious man you know and I'm like, wow, crazy. So that was interesting in itself. It took itself insanely serious, which I did kind of enjoy. That's why I enjoyed about the film. I was like, this is different. You know, a dude in a bunny costume, but he's wearing the costume for a reason, which he didn't know before, which is revealed in this film. So, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but it's slow. It's really, really slow. The backstory is a complete mess. The things that are happening are very convenient in the film acting is really really fucking bad in this movie uh the effects are super shitty too they managed to fuck that up with a lot of cg and stuff which is such a shame but there is some practical effects and stuff but there's a lot of bad cg in it too which 
you know, I think if you're trying to take yourself serious and do a movie like this, you know, you'd probably try to stray away from the shitty, laughable CG effects. That wasn't the case here. We get some shitty CG, a lot of kills, um, which really aren't that great. But man, such a an, <laughs> an oddball film. Play dead serious, and it, it really did absolutely nothing for me. The main focus here for myself was it was super boring. It was really boring. It was going nowhere. <laughs> um, I don't like the main or like what happens in the third act either. The way everything kind of goes down in the whole conflicts and stuff with the family and the younger brother or the, you know, kind of the slow brother and stuff. I hated everything, how that developed. It was so stupid because it doesn't make sense to how or what happened in the beginning of the film. It was really, really frustrating. And another thing, way too long. This one runs like a hundred and something minutes. It's crazy. Like these low budget filmmakers need to learn how to edit down their shit. Uh, maybe if they tighten it up, I, I don't even think that would have worked. It's just strictly boring. It's not a good story. I mean, if this is the backstory you get from, you know, films without one, it's not good. Uh, three out of 10 for this one. I will give them a little bit of credit for trying something completely off the wall with being serious, but that's about it. There's no redeemable qualities here at all. I hate that sucks. it. I really did not like it, man. Really did not I'll just, like it. I'll just buy it when it's a buck fifty, just so I could have all of them. But so I'm not 100 percent sure if the other Bunny Man films are played this dead serious. I didn't note that at all. But if they are, Christ, man, that's bizarre. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. But I mean, from what I've captured or gathered, is that the first they're more like slasher films. You know, like this one kind of has that feel, but it's telling a story too, and it's just wow. I don't know, man. That's. Whew. Mind is blown. Yeah, hundred. We've never done an Easter special, but there's a lot of bad Easter horror films. Oh, there's tons. There's tons. Yeah, this one runs a hour and forty eight minutes. Hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to poke my eyes out. Really Do you say a hundred and forty eight minutes? No, an hour and forty eight. Oh, minutes. I was. <laughs> that's way too goddamn long. Yeah, it's Jesus hundred, that's that's a hundred and eight minutes, man. It, it, you know, Jeez. for filming, it's just with without any enjoyment. Like, there's no fun. There's no fun factor in this whatsoever so downbeat and just like what the fuck not my not my thing man all right next up we have a vestron title uh and this is class of 1999 from the year 1990 i bet you guys thought i was gonna say 99 but no 1990. Uh, this is a pseudo sequel to Class of 1984, uh, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. And there's also a direct sequel to Class of 1999 called Class of 1999 to The Substitute. <laughs> I've seen all three of these films. I've actually reviewed all three of these films on YouTube before. Uh, and this one I hadn't seen in a couple years, probably like five years. And it basically follows a kid who just gets released from like jail or like juvie and he's going back to high school uh, and he meets up with his old gang member friends and his brother, like a youth gang called the Blackhearts. And they are kind of beefing with this other gang called like the Razorheads or something like that. I don't really remember what the actual name is. And it's like post-apocalyptic, like basically uh a dystopian future but it's mainly for like youths but it's kind of everybody too i guess where like young violence like youth violence is at a all-time height high and 
basically like the schools have become these like what they call free fire zones in which like the police won't even go to and essentially this dude is trying to change his life uh he wants to be good you know he doesn't want to go back to jail again because if he, if he gets caught gangbanging he's gonna go do some serious time while everybody around him is trying to keep him in that lifestyle that he previously was in uh this film oh i forgot this part <laughs> and apparently they have the the government or somebody has developed these new teachers that are supposed to uh be like yeah. androids yeah. that are kind of keeping these kids under control but they start killing the kids uh and one of them is played by the lovely pam greer uh and wow. uh malcolm mcdowell's in this film and Senior Stacey Bank Keach. Bank. uh yes, yes, yes i love yeah. pam greer i still uh, love Stacey, pam greer. <laughs> yeah stacy stacy keach is in this film and malcolm mcdowell it like kind of has the kind of beefy cast for uh oh and the little fuck from, from uh, <laughs> <near Dark> is- <laughs> what the little fuck. the little fuck you got you know the little fuck from near dark yeah the guy yeah, from yeah. river's edge too what's he from river's edge too? yeah he's in there he's okay. in a few things he's in yeah. i've seen him before but uh, like he's, he plays the little school. brother hmm. yeah and this android it's like this movie is so ridiculous like you like the very idea that like there's this section that like the police don't even go to it's like there's like this futuristic drug that's got everybody addicted to it it's kind of like sad in a moment like it's very cheesy but it's kind of played straightforward for the most part uh it's it, it kind of breaks into these like action scenes almost it's man it's it's a really fun movie like i like it even more now than I did back then. I, and I liked it back then too. It, it's just, it's just a neat little movie uh, that kind of oddly enough has a pretty big budget. Like there's like full blown, like bus crashes and stuff like that. It got like cool set designs and everybody has guns and knives and, and they're just like all these punk looking kids, uh, you know, with tattoos and mohawks and crazy dressed all crazy and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I highly recommend checking it out. I can't give it more than a seven, but it, it's it's an awesome movie. All right. Next up, nice. talking about a film that JP reviewed a little bit ago that I finally watched it from the year 1974, directed by Bob Clark. It's a film called Dead of Night, also known Clark. as Death Dream. What? So that's Robert Clark. It says Bob Clark on the back. I'm just saying. Oh, fuck you with your political <laughs> correctness bullshit. That's not political correct. See, now you fucking threw me off my game again. God damn You know what's funny? It. It's actually not even Robert. It's Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> Why is his name not Ben Clark? Wait, is that right? No. Look at, look at this. Yeah, is. This is the third time in a show that these fuckers are throwing me off my game. I'm going to bounce back strong. Um, so JP reviewed this one. A few months back, but I'm a bad person. I don't review stuff that I get, but definitely wanted to check this one out after he he talked about it because it's very similar to the Best Master of Horrors episode released, and that's Homecoming. Oh, so I was shit. definitely uh, well. Just stop. Just stop for a minute. You can't say something like that. No, no, it's not the best. It's the, it's the best in season one. No, uh, 
Yes, it is. Okay, what, what is this? Homecoming. Oh, is my. that the best in season one? No, that was, yes, that, it is. that's like one of the worst ones. No, yeah, it's, it's the best one. Like, I think I actually had it like right at the bottom. Oh, yeah, my number it, I think it was my bottom one. Maybe the one chocolate or whatever with uh, McGarris's one. Well, I I was of a very different opinion with those. My freaking Washingtonians was my favorite of season two, so I have a very different opinion when it comes to Master of Horrors. Okay, so, but Homecoming is the best one. So what what film are you doing right now? Deathstream. 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 Okay. Okay. I didn't yeah. hear what you said. <clears throat> so JP reviewed this one a little while back, and after his review, I definitely wanted to check it out because these these films that you know make a commentary on soldiers and PDST. Uh, this is definitely probably one of the first that came out to talk about the the troubles that the soldiers were having when they came home from Vietnam. So uh, I definitely was interested just based on this synopsis. So we follow Andy. Andy is a soldier who, of course, is coming home from Vietnam, supposedly. But he, he ends up getting killed, and he is told by uh, somebody associated with the Army. Uh, they tell his parents, Charles and Christine, that he was killed in combat, but the next day he magically, or later that night, he magically appears at the front door. But something isn't right about him. He's he's different than what he was before. There's, you know, there's clear undertones of PTSD uh, going on right away. But he's he's not the same person. He's very quiet when he was very outgoing before. He doesn't really leave the house. He doesn't really talk that much. He mainly just sits in his room, rocking back and forth. And his mom, you know, she thinks nothing is wrong. He's just, you know, he, he's changed from the war, but, you know, he's still the same person. But his dad, uh, played by John Marley, who is, of course, from The Godfather, uh, realizes that something isn't right and he isn't going to take Andy's shit. So, you know, he starts to investigate what may actually be going on with Andy. And he, he asked the doctor for his help. And it's just uh, the parents struggle with coming to acceptance that uh, their son isn't the same that what he was when he went away to war. Very interesting movie. It's a very low budget movie. It's not it's not made well, but it, it's definitely pieced together in a way that you could watch it and understand. It's definitely a, a lower budget type of a film. And it's, um, you know, a variation of a film that we reviewed all of few years ago that of course i didn't watch even though it was a main review uh the monkey's pod it, it, it has that kind of a, a a feeling to it but uh this is a uh, early tom Safini film as well it's a really good you know narrative film very well written i really 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 did enjoy this one um it, it, it's not a high body count that kind of thing it's more like a, a highly dialogued type of film so uh, i gave this one an eight out of ten as well uh, is it a zombie film is the question. Have you seen Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things? Negative. Nope. Yeah. Nope. It's interesting to see how Bob Clark progresses in each film. Yeah. Because is this this was his next film after that, right? Or before that? Yeah. No, it was just so. it was just after and then the same year he did Black Christmas. Yeah. So this and yeah, it's pretty interesting. But Children Shouldn't Play film. With Dead Things had like major production problems and shit there was a lot of issues with that one yeah yeah i mean it's super low budget looking Mm -hmm. like way more than death dream Mm -hmm. of course i have it i just haven't watched it did you get that from bci 
That's your ass. <laughs> Never reviewed it. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I have to watch ten Hellraiser films. I don't fucking watch Hellraiser. This is like four years. You weren't even on the show back then. God when damn it, dude. That was like those. a year and a half ago, man. <laughs> it's like two. <laughs> Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't get it. That's funny. Yeah, uh, you definitely got it because you got VCI before me, and I got well, it. Maybe I'm talking about City of the Dead. I don't think I got. Oh. Uh, well, uh, either way. Alrighty, moving along. But here. don't watch Super Babies too. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Bob Clark had to go out with Super Baby Geniuses too, but. Sorry, go ahead, Moots. That is a shame. That is definitely a shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next up here, I got a pick from Corbin uh, from 2005. It's called Nori the Curse. Now, this is a movie that I've heard about before, never seen it. It was actually kind of funny because I have like looking for this film everywhere. And then I text in our group chat. I'm like, where the fuck do I find this movie? JP's like, it's on Shutter. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a Shutter exclusive. It came out like last year. Fucking last movie that I fucking <laughs> or last place like I didn't even think to check there. So <clears throat> that was it was a movie that was like not released in America forever, like until like Shutter. Yeah, out I think. Yeah, so it was released in Japan in like 2005 and just made its way over what last year. So, um, but yeah, no, I'd heard of the film, but. <laughs> But I'd never seen it before. Um, so what we get here is we get a uh, a guy, a filmmaker, um, kind of an investigative journalistic type filmmaker who is investigating all these kind of random occurrences around Japan, having to deal with this Kagupa, Kaguta or something. I don't know how to pronounce this. It's fucking insanely hard to pronounce this word. Uh, the legend of this this kind of demon thing. And he's starting to think that all these random occurrences across Japan are probably related to, like, one kind of bigger story. So that's what we follow. We follow this guy and basically the footage that he shot, like, you know, certain interviews and just, you know, going to places and, you know, investigating these happenings and shit like that. So my thoughts on this film, uh, this is a really, really fucking good found footage film. Like, I was thoroughly impressed with this shit, man, because... You know, I was looking at the year. I was like, this is 2005. You know, this is about five years removed from Blair Witch. This is, you know, this movie was done before the big, um, you know, explosion of found footage films. I mean, Paranormal Activity came out in 2007. Was it 2007? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of the, the point where everything just kind of exploded with found footage. So this one was done pre that. And it's very, very good. It shot really well. That was one thing that I was really shocked by. It's not really shaky cam and stuff. The the cinematography is actually quite well. You get to see shit. Um, the interesting thing about this film is it's not relying on blood and gore and like jump scares and all that other shit that you see in found footage films that generally ruins found footage films. This one is it's about the story and how it's told and you know the visuals that you're seeing and shit. That's where all the horror comes from. It's fucking pretty good, man. It's creepy. It's got really i mean from what i can gather i mean it's always hard to judge acting when it's in a different language but from what i gather it seems like it's pretty damn good um i just really like the approach of the filmmaking here i thought it was put together and edited very very well and i like the story i actually really liked how the story comes together and how everything just kind of yeah just basically comes together in this one it's pretty interesting um i do have two 
minor gripes with this one. It definitely runs a little bit too long. I thought that they could have shortened this film up for sure. It runs uh, five minutes under two hours, so an hour and 55 minutes. It's very, very long for what it's telling. And I thought for sure there was a couple scenes that could have been either cut down or taken right out of the film for sure. And lastly, I felt there was one scene in the end of the film that was way too Blair Witch for myself because this whole movie is not Blair Witch whatsoever. But there's a scene that very much resembles the Blair Witch. And I thought that was kind of a downer because I was thinking to myself the whole time, like, damn, this movie, you know, it may have been influenced by Blair Witch, but it's not Blair Witch at all. And then it has this Blair Witch scene. I'm like, fuck. So... But I thought this was very cool. All the little subtleties that are in the film and the filmmaking and the way they did the effects and shit fucking is pretty crazy. And the ending's nasty and brutal and, and pretty cool too. So I highly recommend this movie, man. If you have Shudder, check it out. It's really good, especially if you like found footage films. This is honestly one of the better ones I've ever seen. I'm going to say that straight up. Honestly, enjoyed the shit out of this one. I just wish it was a tad bit shorter. Fuck me, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, Nori the Curse, I'm coming in a 9 out of 10 on this one. I truly enjoy the shit out of this. I'm so glad that someone told me to watch this, because I probably wouldn't have watched it otherwise. Because I didn't even know it was on Shudder. <laughs> yeah, we, we almost did it on a Netflix and Chao episode, and yeah. for whatever reason, we just didn't get around to it. Yeah, man, I, I would like to hear your thoughts. It's pretty interesting. It's cool, man, cool. dealing with demons and, and just everything that's happened. I don't want to give too much away. You know, it's found footage, so that's all you need to know, but... It's done really well. Just could have been shortened down a little bit. Biggest gripe. All right. This is the last one, correct? Yep. All right. Uh, the last film I'm going to review here is a title uh, from 1980. It's called Cannibal Apocalypse, uh, also known as Invasion of the Flesh Hunters. Uh, and this was a Italian horror film, I believe. And it stars John Saxon, who we know from Elm Street, but he's also done like a ton of Italian films as well, which is really cool. Uh, and this movie's very interesting. The, the, uh, Umbrella put it out on DVD. As far as I know, there's not a Blu-ray of this film. Modes, no. you would know better than me. No, there isn't. There isn't. Yeah, uh, but I, I requested this one because it just it looked. I like the cover, like just like you know, cannibal. Like I expected it to be like way, way, way like low budget, like crap because I just have never heard anybody talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not. So um, the movie opens up in Vietnam. So again, with this theme that I've been having of uh, like, I almost want to make my top 10, like war themed horror movies, you know, like war related horror movies, mm-hmm. but uh, it picks up in Vietnam and we have John Saxon, who is rescuing some uh, United States POVs. Uh, or POWs, sorry, POVs <laughs> from Moods' review. <laughs> uh, but P- POWs, uh, of course, prisoners of war. And <clears throat> one of them it seems to be infected with some kind of virus uh, and takes a bite out of Saxon's arm. Uh, and then he, some years later, he wakes up from a nightmare and we see that that was a nightmare. Uh, but you, you kind of get the vibe that that was an actual incident that he was dreaming of. Uh, and he gets a call from the guy that actually bit him, I believe. And this guy is now out of like a mental hospital and he wants to meet up. But just as he's about to meet up with this guy, his n- next door neighbor who looks like a super young girl, like I think she definitely is under 18 in terms of like the character. Uh, I hope she was over 18 in terms of the actor. Uh, but she starts like seducing him. 
uh, and he goes to like begin to like go down on her, and he bites her. Uh, and then she like freaks out and runs away. Does and she, he has does a he wife. bite her thing? I I don't think I don't know if he I, it might be like on the way down. I can't really. They, I don't think they show show specifically. Oh, should have bit uh, her. It would have been funnier. But um, well, it's definitely not funny. But yeah. <laughs> and he has a wife, so you're like, holy shit! Like, what's going on with this guy? And then you find out that his Vietnam buddy barricaded himself in the mall and is like shooting at people. So he like talks him down on the ledge. But then you find out that he's like infected, and him and his buddies like are running from the cops. And I'll kind of leave it off there, but it's kind of a weird movie because is it really a cannibal film or is it an infected film? Can infected be considered cannibals? Yeah, you know what I'm I saying? mean, I mean, it is the catalyst for their cannibalism. Are zombies cannibals? No, they're dead. They just they <laughs> they don't know any better. I mean. <laughs> Don't ask me. I hate zombie films. So the only th- the, the biggest problem with this movie is there's no rules on when you, the infection like takes over and you become like craving human flesh. Like because like this is like years after he got bit in Vietnam. So like why all of a sudden is he like acting on this now? You know. And then there's other characters who get bit who like turn like right away. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it, it's there's no reasoning for like any of this um but it's really an interesting fun movie (laughs) you know obviously it has some some subtextual things about the vietnam war uh and like post-traumatic stress disorder blah blah blah. that's always a theme when you're dealing with uh like any type of war horror and it should be uh so i like that they don't know that um especially when you see like the friend go and take over the mall and like hold himself up in the mall and and stuff like that that seems like very ptsd um but yeah man this this was a fun movie i i really like this movie and like the final scene in the movie is like so like kind of cheesy and ridiculous but it it was like a nice end um come in and john john saxon's really cool i've always liked him uh coming in at like a seven out of ten i would grade it higher but there's like that major plot hole that it really kind of is right in the way um but yeah i I enjoyed this one a lot it was fun yeah it's definitely Um, a fun one you know the first time i watched cannibal apocalypse i didn't really care for it like hmm. i I mean i thought it was okay and then i rewatched it actually you know what that was one of the films that me and dylan watched in our italian marathon oh was it yeah it was like super fucking fun to watch you know but yeah i didn't really care for to do another one of those i know man fuck <sighs> I know. Jeremy. All right. Last film I'm going to talk about. It's from the year 1976. Hmm. I want to talk about this. It's a massacre at Central High. Nice. Um, I'm going to so, tune out a little bit on this one because I want to see it fresh. If you don't mm-hmm. mind. I know Moots just watched it. Um, it's a very interesting film from what I remember reading. It doesn't have a release, or if it does have a release, it's not Region 1, and it's horrible VHS rip kind of a quality. But uh, from what I was reading about this movie, this movie was a huge influence on Heathers, which, as I was watching it, you could see how that is the case. So Yeah, that, this ma- movie, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the most interesting thing about this movie is throughout the entire running time, we never see any adults until like the ending scene, which is just like six or seven minutes long. But we don't see mm-hmm. any adults throughout the entire film. It's very interesting to to see that because I think as an audience, you're so used to seeing an older uh, voice to uh, uh, coming to age kind of a film. So. It's very interesting. To well, see this yeah, the reason the, the reason there, you know, the old pe- the teachers and stuff would be like the reason. Yeah, you know? and like it's yeah, I know. I'm glad that you even when they're that. like they're like sitting in the classrooms and all everything like that, but there's no teachers around. Though mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. definitely something different uh, happening at this school. So we follow David. David, no, is, who's the fucking main characters? David or Mark? God, I hate such fucking generic names. Uh... What's the name of the main character? I think it's David that... It, well, David and Mark are the two main characters. Yeah, yeah, but wh- who's the new kid? David's the new kid. David's the new kid, yeah. So David is uh, a new kid at this school where the kids are basically running the school. And he's best friends with Mark. And Mark is part of like this um, this bully clique that's in charge of, you know, they're, they're, they're the Republicans of the school <laughs> and um you know they're basically running around whatever they have the word of the law <clears throat> they beat up all the bull you know all the nerds and everything like that but david doesn't stand for this shit he's the democrat he's gonna fuck up you know he's gonna make uh mark and his and his gang of friends you know wrong for what they're doing to you know kids who maybe nerdy or outcast or things like that and mark's group doesn't take this very kindly and one day uh when david is fixing a car they drop the car on him and he becomes a cripple and then the film turns into a slasher movie which is very interesting uh not not your typical kind of uh slasher film but it's definitely a a a pre of course after black christmas but before halloween but it has you know the slasher traits to it now it's not like over the top kind of like oh this guy's going going around and killing people but uh you know he definitely does start to pick off Mark's clicks you know one by one <clears throat> and then in creative um, ways in creative in creative ways. ways there's definitely one creative way with a swimming pool that's very creative actually it's kind of kind of interesting that that hasn't been done you know more frequently and along the way of course we have a love interest played by Kimberly Beck definitely would be on Mr. Skin's top 10 hottest racks of 1976 if it was around back then. Um, that broad has a nice pair of hooters, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Teresa's the love interest who is dating Mark, but she falls in love with David. But David's like, no, I don't want to fuck you because you're with Mark. But you could tell there's something going on with them. Yeah, that's a fucking bullshit side story. I wish they wouldn't fucking throw love interest in coming-of-age movies. This is bullshit. Get to the good stuff. Um, But this is a very, really hidden gem from 76. It's unfortunate this film doesn't have a release. Once again, just like uh, fucking... God damn it, what's the name of the movie I reviewed earlier moods with the racial tension? Fight 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 for Your Life. It's very similar to that, that it's very prominent today when you really think about it, what's going on in our country <clears throat> and the discussions that are happening. Because it, it's clearly these 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 oh, people are, are similes, crazy sim- similes of what what is going on in our country with the fight with, um, you know, 
liberals and and conservatives. So it's a it's a really fantastic movie, hidden gem. It's unfortunate this film doesn't have a release. I know Synapse has been working on it for like four years now, but I think the the main trouble with it is that they can't get any features or they haven't shot any features for the release and Synapse, you know, definitely aren't going to release something that they aren't proud of in this quality. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, it, if it's a while more until we get a solid release of this movie, I'm fine with waiting, but it's a really, really great movie. Check it out. I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Definitely a hidden gem of seventy six. It's really good. Yeah, I've always thought I've always thought this one was very unique, and I'm glad that you noticed the because you know my two word reviews I do on on Letterbox. I, I, <clears throat> I said like teacherless uh, school. Yeah, you know it's, yeah. it's your it's, one for I saw the devil is amazing. Oh yeah, but yeah, ball crushing. <laughs> but best best two two uh, <laughs> word review yet. But yeah, man, like this, uh, it, it's just something that's so odd to see in a film like this. It's like a mm-hmm. teenage. It's about a bunch of teenagers. There's no teachers. There's no authority around whatsoever. And oh I re- look, Derek's ripping off your style on Letterboxd. Well, would you <laughs> expect anything else? <laughs> would you expect anything else? But I really like the subtext he, in this film. He is mood seven one six. But I, 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 there's a lot of subtext in this film, and I really like how it ends up going too. You know mm-hmm. how like you know once he starts taking out the bullies, what happens to the bullied? You know, mm-hmm. it's really good. It's really good, man. It's a cool film. Damn, I need to get on my 76 watches, and I know I'm not going to have any time this week. Yeah, Jesus. I, I still had that one left to watch, and I was like, well, Jeremy just watched it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch it so we can, you know, briefly talk about it on the show. Refresh my memory. And I couldn't believe the transfer that I found. I was like, holy shit. That yeah, was good. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. Yeah, the boobs look good. The boobs definitely oh, yeah. look good in the. She has a nice rack. Yeah, she's bank, looking bank, hot. Bank, bank material for sure. Yeah, she's super hot, man. Super hot. Yeah. All right, so last up for the Patreon picks here is uh, another one from Corbin from 1988, a film called Deadly Dreams. This is a film that I have never reviewed. I did not review this part of my 88 series that I did a few years ago because this one did not have a release. It was actually really obscure. Um, thanks to the fine folks over at Code Red. He dropped a Blu-ray of this one. Yeah, really fine. It actually looks pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so Deadly Dreams basically follows our main character, um, Alex. I believe his name is Alex. Yeah, I think it's Alex. And uh, so as a child, he unfortunately witnessed his family or his parents being massacred by this person wearing this fox mask. And obviously it haunted him until he was, you know, until he was older. So now jump forward. Um, you know, he's now in, uh, in college and he's again, having nightmares of his family being murdered and stuff. And what happens is, you know, he starts to see this Fox killer in what he thinks is real life. He's not sure if he's dreaming. So he's having these dreams, but then he's starting to see it in real life too. But he's really starting to question his question his sanity because he's not sure if he's actually seeing them in his, in reality, or if it's just like daydreams or whatever. And so then he starts, you know, he's got a best friend who's kind of this really quirky character. And, you know, he's got this girlfriend and he's got this really kind of sleazy, shitty brother that doesn't really give two shits about him and stuff. And there's kind of like, he's kind of got beef with like all these people. There's a lot of character interactions in this film where, you know, he's just kind of beefing. And obviously, you know, every time he says like, fuck, man, you know, those mass killers, you know, coming after me and shit, everyone's like, you know, you're tripping balls and shit. But so that's, you know, the, the short long of the, of the, the story. Um, 
my thoughts on this one, it is, uh, you know, I have said many, many times, I, it's, it's a little bit ironic though, because Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite franchise and I'm not really the biggest fan of like dream <laughs> movies unless the catalyst is someone like, you know, the storyline of Freddy. You know, I like that. This one right here, it's more trickery in a sense because, you know, it's playing with you the whole time. Like, okay, is this real? Is this not real? Is this real? And it's just back and forth. There's so many dream sequences in this film and it's one of those type of films where you're like, I know this is a dream and then he wakes up. You know, it's like, fuck. Okay. And it, it's very cliche throughout the whole film. Um, and of course we've got some twists and turns in the, in the, uh, in the third act that, you know, the reveals in this one, I feel are just like, uh, they're, they're not quite head scratchers, but they make you shake your head because you're like, really? Wow. They went there. You know, there was a lot of shit going on to, you know, for this to happen and stuff. And you're just like, holy fuck. Um, it's a short film. It only runs about 80 minutes. So it kind of gets to the point, which is kind of a good thing. It's not a terrible film by any means. It's just not really that exciting. I feel like it's so repetitive in itself that you're not really getting that much more out of it than dream sequence after dream sequence after fight after, you know, this, that and stuff. It's an all right film. It's an above average film, in my opinion. I think some of the acting is pretty honky, pretty wonky at times, too. It's just like, what the fuck, you know, could have used a little bit more tits. Um you know, it's an 80s film. Definitely going to use more tits. But I'm going to come in about a 6 out of 10 on this one. It's all right. You know, I'm glad that this movie, this obscure <coughs> film, got a release and stuff. But it's not overly the greatest by any means. Cover art's better than the film. For sure. Yeah. That is going to do it for what we watched. Finally. That was a lot of motherfucking movies that we just talked about. And now, our feature presentation. Oh yeah, getting into the featured review here on episode 130, and it is coming courtesy of our man, the Boston Brando, Derek himself. Yeah, from 2010, directed by Ji Woon Kim, I Saw the Devil. Yeah, I remember when this film came out, man. Like, it was all over YouTube because I think I started YouTube, like, right a little after that. Yeah. And I remember everybody was reviewing it. It seemed like a big hit amongst the the community. And I've always wanted to see it. And I I bet Derek picked this film because uh, he bought it for me, like, I swear, like, years ago at this point. (laughs) I've never watched it. (laughs) So he's probably, like, made me. uh, Oh, my God. I just realized. That that's happened a couple times in this in this Back episode, ends. because he bought me, he bought me Kurosawa's Dreams, and I just reviewed it, so, and then he p- paid for me to review it. Oh my god, I'm a dick. <laughs> Dude, you're such a dick. I'm such. A, I just realized that right now. Wow, wow I'm such a dick. Um, a dick. Dude, yeah, but uh, you know, it's not like hey, he the, like he gives us good shit to watch and, and yeah. hooks us up and has hooked us up in the past. We're just lazy assholes apparently. Um, but yeah, so this movie, uh, this is one of those things where I really want to get when we do the 1976 show, I would be really pleased to get another like year from the two thousands or even like 2010, because I feel like I've missed so much cinema from those little, uh, two thousands eras that I have so much fun going through the films and like yeah so do you guess get into the plot huh uh 
yeah, I don't really like this. I don't want to read the long one either, but it says... You gave me a heart attack. I yeah, I thought he was about like to say, movie. I don't really like this movie. I was going to be like, me a what heart the attack. fuck? No, it's just... I, don't I woke look. up this morning, I was like, I want to watch that again. I was like, oh, wow, this is... <laughs> and one- that's uh, that's saying something. If Jeremy wants to sit down and watch a two-and-a-half-hour yeah. movie again. Yeah, well, it's... Well, actually, the other one says spoiler right off the right off the hop. So, plus this one is just a one-liner, but... Uh, a secret agent exacts revenge on a serial killer through a series of captures and releases. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess that, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, nice and short, that's fine. But, um, yeah, so what we get here is we get a young detective. Um, I'm not even going to go into names here because... No, he's not a detective. He's a special agent. Well, special agent, detective. He's yeah. basically the same thing. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and his father... How does it feel, dick? Whatever, it's the same thing. It really is. Fancier word, it's a, maybe. It's a little different. Fancier word, maybe. But anyways, he's dating uh, this... The, he, you know, he's got a girlfriend, and, um, you know, her father is actually, like, an ex-detective. They even call him a detective in the film. I think he was a chief. He was... Yeah, he was a detective for 30 years or something like that on the force. And what happens in the beginning of the film is uh, she is, you know, abducted and killed. And so Mm -hmm. now he's got to chase down this killer and uh, basically exact revenge for her death. You know, he's a well-known serial killer also, too, where we get to know that right away that this guy has killed lots of people. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And this and, you know, and it's you know, it's kind of an interesting set. And I really do like the way this movie is set up, though, because it gets right into it right away. Like we're introduced to our characters. The shit goes down right away. Um, you know, the father-in-law had info and intel on some people that might be linked to this. He goes and checks mm-hmm. out these people and he finds out right away who his killer is. And there's no fucking around with this. There's no masking this killer or nothing. We're, we're yep. we get to see his face right away. And now, mm-hmm. the, and then he finds him, he fucks him up. And essentially what happens is here, by what they mean by capture and release, what happens is, you know, he, um, finds a serial killer and he essentially beats the shit out of him. He puts a GPS tracker down his fucking throat. And oh, my re- God. I see when he's picking through his shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he releases him on purpose because he wants this guy to suffer. He's going to hunt him yep. down. And now this game basically turns in. It's a revenge film, but it's also it's like a personal vendetta. Like, I mean, there's it's a- like horse horsemen of that film that came out. Yeah. It's, it's Let me ask you guys this. So. Yeah. What what do you think the core thought process is on 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 releasing him to potentially hurt and kill more innocent people? This is the I'm not. Do you think yeah, it's a he, completely selfish motivation? Hundred percent, hundred percent selfish. Because he doesn't care about anybody else. It's clear because he doesn't care about his father in law, future father in law. So he definitely isn't going to give two shits about strangers. But the thing is, like, he's well, I mean, always he definitely there. shows he's one yeah, went, like. He cares a little bit. Like he, he, <laughs> yeah, but not, he, it's not an inter- too much, though. It's a very he, interesting like, saves setup. saves a lot of them. Yeah, it's an interesting setup because, you know, he's the guy that, you know, he's usually out there saving people and stuff. But in this particular, when it hits home and hits his heart, he kind of loses that whole reality a little bit. And, yeah. you know, and you see that because once he lets him go, he ultimately is responsible for a little bit more deaths in this film. It, it's yeah. such a weird thing because come towards the end of the film and like when he, I was, mm, I was, does shooting. he know? Because who, who dies? Nobody dies. He doesn't cause people to die who he lets go. Well, there's still, acts. everybody I mean, lives. There's still acts. Like, I mean, the, I mean, this girl that he, 
you know, kind of fucks around with a little bit. I mean, she's yeah. probably obviously scarred for life. The pharmacist, who we don't even Doesn't know. Die. If, we don't know that, though. I mean, we don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was fucked up. I think it's assumed that he doesn't die. As, essentially, a lot of people do become yeah, victims. Affected. Like this old girl that the guy ha- captures yeah. is definitely going to be fucked for life. But as yeah. as this you know detective, as this agent, whatever you want to call him, you know this has to cross your mind. If you're going to let this guy go, there's that potential risk of him. You know, yeah, I just think he just doesn't care. Yeah, and it's like, completely selfish motivation. Selfish motivation. All about mm-hmm. making him suffer. And I love that dialogue too, where he says to him, right to his fucking face, he's like, "You are gonna feel every moment of this shit." Oh, you know, God, like, and he's just, and he's telling you, fucking shoves it down his throat, and then he lets him go, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, if you're watching this for the first time, which you were, JP, like, you must have mm-hmm. been like, holy fuck! Like, he's no, I've him- seen this before. No, no I, he said JP. JP. I know, oh, you've, I, said- I know you've seen it before, yeah. but I remember yeah, the yeah. first time I watched, I was like, motherfucker, let him go. Oh yeah, this is because awesome, you don't because you don't see that very often. No, like, it's, it's kind of whoa. an interesting premise. It's not just a revenge film. It's more like he's making this it's, dude suffer. I think it's something John Wick would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, it, in it is, and it's not like I. I feel like I feel like early on, like the suffering eventually does come, mm-hmm. but I feel like early on, like I don't think the guy's suffering like from anything like. When he gets let go, you know. No, no, no. He's not suffering from that, and plus, he doesn't know that he's being tracked. I actually like that when, yeah. he, when he kind of yeah, finds I like out. that too. And he's talking to him. He's like, "I know you can fucking hear me." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, there's so, there's so many good back and forth. Uh, it's, it's really good shit, man. But now this movie probably has some of the best fucking cinematography mm-hmm. of this century. Yeah, it's funny because I didn't even so see you posted that. Um, it's amazing. It really that, is. Uh, so good. GIF or whatever on, yeah. on the Facebook page of the uh, stabbing scene. Yeah. And I didn't see you posted that when I was before I watched this. Yeah. And when that scene came up, I was just like, I was like, holy fuck, that is some amazing yeah. camera work. It's, and it's and, the and best that's shot. it's not it's even just camera camera work though. Yeah. Right. It's like amazing <laughs> filmmaking. To get yep. the concept of this circular uh, 360 shot in a car. Well, no, which, what I think they did is that they they clearly probably did on a stage that was very dark, and yeah. they just built a replica of the taxi, and then they just built tra- uh, you know tracks around, and they just fucking put the camera on a dolly, had somebody push it, and that's because the movie that I line produced over the summer. Yeah, maybe I. Uh, yeah. We did yeah, but, a ferry, but it's in the car. Ferry, but that's the right? thing; it's totally no, shot. It the camera's inside the car. How do you know that though? Because how do you know like, it's not a trickery though? Well, it I is. mean, it could be a trickery. It's uh, I mean, it's though. definitely tricking something because there has to be like the no windshield, like all kind of because things. We just, it, because we just see, shot. we just see, we don't see the windshield though. It's editing. no. I'm saying, I'm saying where the camera is. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the way that it's circling around. There has to be like the car is probably cut up and like has like openings. Yeah, that could be a possibility too. Yeah, I think, I mean, the way I thought it was shot is that there's, you know, there's obviously multiple cameras in there, and it's done with a lot of really good editing, too, right? To give that effect. Is it a single shot, though? Yes. Or or is there a black part or something where they could put a cut there? You know what I I mean? I'm pretty sure there's. I I would have to watch that scene again and really analyze it. I'm pretty sure that there is a cut there because there's a scene where when he first stabs the driver and then the guy in the Mm -hmm. backseat leans forward and he stabs him, it, it. all of a sudden the angle is from there's a there's an angle shot from the driver's side and it, the mm-hmm. original angle is shot from the passenger side right because he leans over mm-hmm. to shoot that, that so i'm pretty sure there's an edit right there 
either well, way, either way, either way, it's, it's, it's the the fucking, way, it's amazing. Look, it's it really is shot. amazing. It, it's truly yeah. amazing, and like, it's so fucking vicious too. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, the I, scene itself is good. Like, I, it's not just like a cool shot. No, like all all that encompassed together, I, the the brutality of it. Um, I've mentioned before that I love when people are killed in a a realistic looking way. And to me, it was very realistic. Just, yeah. just these non-timed, like it's just like not hitting jabs certain, and yeah, just this like just like very frantic looking, like realistic murder. You know mm. what I mean? I, I feel oh, man, so good. I feel like yeah. you know, Kim captured everything that he did in this film. He captured it so well. You know, from the serial killer, like I, one of my favorite scenes in the film actually happens right in the beginning of the film, where the girl is, you know, the detective's wife or girlfriend. She's pleading for her yeah, life. She's pleading for her life, and the killer's yeah. looking at her, and he's just staring at her, and she's pleading and pleading. Then she, she, you know, reveals something. I'm pregnant. And then he, the he back, doesn't even so. fucking say any. Oh, it is okay. I didn't want to give it yeah. away, but anyways, she reveals that she's pregnant, which oh, I won't reveal that. But he just kind of stares at her, and he fucking cuts her head off. Yeah, he right away. Even flinch, dude. It's like it's so brutal, and so it's yeah. just amazingly executed. You feel the coldness in this character, and you're like, wow, I'm in for a fucking ride. I think this is like one of the best actors, man. I just love him as an actor he's so fucking he's intense. a great villain so yeah. good in everything he's in everything i've ever seen him in, he's so good because you hate him but it's but you want to watch what he does oh yeah. man like you hate him so much but you're like i wonder what this mofo is gonna do next mm-hmm. and then when he goes to the fucking cannibal's house and then that shit really goes crazy because he that that dude's just as big as piece of shit as he is i know yeah. it's just so it, it's kind of interesting how they introduce that character too he's just like they're just you know these type of people just know each other yeah, that, that's because, yeah it's, it's, because it's pretty believable. Like you could you could kind of see how these two would eventually be become friends or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, oh man, like I like to me that whole sequence is filmed amazing too. Oh, oh. The, dude, from the from the yeah. first opening scene of the of the titles coming up, how they're yeah. placed at the bottom. Like it just has great mood and cinematography, especially the opening with the snow. I don't uh-huh. even know. Does it snow in South Korea? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. The Winter Olympics um, is there, dude. <laughs> I, was just I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Pijong is in South Korea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't even know where the uh, Winter Olympics was set this year. I don't pay attention to them, really. Because um, yeah, they're not the real Olympics. Exactly. Yeah, they are. Uh, so, um, oh, we guys are just saying I, that because Canada won more fucking medals than the Americans. No, because J- I think it's a real Olympics. JP thinks it's the fake Olympics because it's I don't not think the, it's the real fake Olympics. Olympics. I just don't think it's the Olympics. They're both like okay. Olympics, <laughs> but anyways, exactly. But anyways, yeah. uh, so w- one thing that um, I really like about this movie, obviously, like the storytelling. It like I mean, can we really? We don't like. We can, I think we can all agree that the movie is amazing, and like pretty much everything done in the movie is is amazing. <laughs> like, okay. there's really not any problems with it. Isn't uh, it kind of like insane? Masterfully crafted. Isn't it kind of insane that this movie is? pushing two and a half hours long and it's like it doesn't I want, fucking I want more <laughs> dude it's like insane like i watched a fuck ton of movies this week for page like 17 hours worth this was the best two and a half hours that i had and it, it just fucking flew by i had movies that were 70 minutes that took 
three times mm-hmm. as long to get through it felt like that is the sign of a true amazing film well his it's his so other interesting. one this guy hasn't really made that many this and the tale of two sisters which is a equally amazing 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 film so the fact that these this guy made just two fucking awesome horror films I wish he would make more movies. Like, he's only directed, like, seven films. Yeah, have you ever seen, uh, like, Three Extremes 2? No. Okay, well, he did Memories in that one. Which Uh, which one is uh, Three Extremes 2? He did the Memories one. Is that the one from 2002? Yeah. Because weren't they released opposite? Yeah. Like, Three Extremes 1 is actually Three Extremes 2 or something like that? Yeah, they're released back. It's so fucking weird, Yeah, man. it's so weird. Yeah, uh, I always get those two confused. I have them both. I've only watched one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you this, man. South Korean cinema is really good. Like, yeah, and man, the, the Wailing, epic. This is an epic movie, and it feels epic. And South Koreans are really good at their revenge films, as well as these epic films. Like, they just feel big in scope and story and uh i literally every single south korean film that i've ever seen i've liked that's yeah because it's very interesting because from what i was reading like just like japan the crime rate there is super super low because there's no guns so i think that just why these two characters may know each other because there's really not that many fucking nutty people around so yeah i think that's why when the when her head was found it was such a huge big deal because like that doesn't happen there that often and when it does it's like it's a big big fucking deal well, so and also, that's a great scene where they're all sort of searching yeah. the like area in like a what do you call like those a like underpass lake yeah it's yeah. like in a little bit I, of a in a little bit of a river type thing yeah. swamp area <laughs> but i mean let's be fair though i mean if you were the one that came across the head in the water Regardless of crime rate or not, I mean, it's still a little bit shocking to see one's fucking head staring at you in the water. Yeah. Oh, dude, one of the best scenes in this entire movie is, like, the slight bit of comedy we get with the guy that gets his balls busted. (laughs) And and the police are like, who busted your balls? (laughs) (laughs) Because we talked about it. We talked about that blurriness shit. The blurriness of the poo tang a little while ago. I remember we were talking about that one episode, and it's funny that fucking showed up here and jb had an explanation for it too which is funny what what are you talking about i have you just said a bunch that of you can't sh- that you, that you can't show intercourse and in porn over there oh yeah 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 we you can't you can't um i don't even know if it's over there i know it's in japan no it's in japan yeah. it's south korea is different man they got different yeah. sense of laws well, so. well the pussy was fucking blurred there dude so well yeah I well mean, maybe he was watching japanese porn i guess so he could have been <laughs> right i mean yeah <laughs> um so i mean we i I mean we can obviously agree that there's probably not a whole lot more we can say about the goodness of this is there anything about this film that you would like to state that you didn't care for or just minor gripes on the only the only littlest thing that i have is like maybe some of the fight sequences seem a little unrealistic to me and then the only thing else that i could think of really is that the entire concept of the movie is a little unrealistic um but that's like the smallest of yeah because he's like he like fucks them up pretty good and you see blood squirting out of their head and it's like that guy would be more fucked up than that 
Yeah. Oh, I do. So, so I love the scenes. Not to go back into the stuff I love, but like how, like it, the the level of violence in this movie, yeah. and like the the tone in which it's delivered, where it feels so realistic. Like when he hits that chick in the head with the pipe. Yeah. Like it's just so, it's so it just feels like okay, that's what it looks like to get hit in the head with a pipe. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a movie. Yeah, because like, yeah. when he's in the cannibal's house and he fucking hits him over the head and like there's a, a not an extreme close-up but a close-up of his head as he's fucking hitting him and there's like blood squirting out of it it's fucking so good dude every so good. has a great ending too man but is there anything that you guys don't like there's only just like the like i said just like the unrealistic part of like oh he like fucks these people up pretty good that they would probably die in any other movie but they're just i don't you know cart it off and i don't have any problems with the actual you know storyline you know per se because i feel that you know these these serial killers and these type of cannibals and things like that they exist you know just because he is i mean i don't know i mean i guess with the whole gps thing i mean you could there's an argument there that you know you probably that probably wouldn't work it definitely wouldn't work you wouldn't be able to hear audible noises if it's in your stomach that right there but i mean it definitely could work but i mean you know letting him go and I, the whole idea, I think, could, though, because he's, you know, the serial killer in the cannibal, they're still eluding the whole police force and stuff, right? So this mm. is kind of happening in that world that they live in, right? So I feel like it could. My only my only gripe with the film is there's one scene in this film that, man, I've watched this film like three or four times now, and every time it makes me laugh, <laughs> probably not in a good way. It's the fucking scene towards the end of the film where the killer gets out of his car and he's standing in the middle of the intersection and our hero here <laughs> he, like you see him in his jeep and he just fucking tears back rips the door off and then does this total fucking crazy yeah. ass like Schwarzenegger fucking MacGyver type move I don't know what the hell you want to call it and like totally just grabs him off the road and takes off because you know he doesn't want him to get arrested and shit that shit. Yeah, that's okay. a little bullshit. I totally forgot about that. That yeah. part right there is like complete. I just, I wish they hadn't put that in there because it's so unbelievable. That shit would have never happened like that. It, it really is that. Like, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was one of the things that I lumped into my complaint of unrealisticness. Mm-hmm. But I totally forgot to even point it out. Like how how much different of that is than even the other stuff we pointed out. Like that is next level unread. I think everything for, for a movie that's very grounded in reality, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. I think everything, there's kind of a fair argument for it, you know, it's whatever, but that right there, it kind of is what it is. It's just, it's very comic booky, you know? And yeah. I just, that one well, it feels all, epic. Just like the movie, you know, it does. It does. But it's like, man, could, it's you like John McClane epic. You could never yeah. pull that. Out. If you watch it shit in slow mo too, it's kind of funny how it goes down. Cause when he grabs him, like the killer's literally jumping in the vehicle. <laughs> it's like, he has to help him out somehow. He's driving. How the fuck is he going to get him in there? And what's he do with him when he's in there? It just cuts. And you know, I'm assuming he knocks him out. I will say that there is a couple moments in this film that there is one convenient moment that I always take away from this film is when our, uh, our detective, he finds his wife's ring in the storm drain. I think he finds out. Yeah, a little... he, like, he goes over there and looks he like finds it way too easy. Way drain. too easy. Yeah. Like that shit would have probably never been found. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's just the way it is. And you know, he finds out a little bit too convenient. And there is some interesting editing in the film too. Like after he, he fucks up the killer one time, uh, he, you know, he makes his way to that clinic and all of a sudden he's just like in the clinic, right? He's, he's totally done, you know, getting fixed up by the, uh, the doctor 
in which I love that scene. There, there. I don't know if this was supposed to be funny, but I think it's absolutely no <laughs> worthy of noting because it's super funny when the killer calls the fucking doctor shithead, and he's like, "Hey, shithead, don't talk to me like that." And I fucking lose it every time, man, because he's just dead serious. But that's not actually what I'm talking about. The the scene with the editing. Okay, so after he checks out, and he's kind of taunting that girl, the, the nurse. So explain this to me. So he walks out the front door, right? He walks out the front door, and then the next scene, it cuts to her going into the back room. How in the fuck did he get in that back room? Because he's waiting for her. Um, Explain that to me. I've never understood. Wait, I don't. Okay, so, okay, remember after he leaves the doctor's office, he goes mm-hmm. out into the, you know, into the area to pay for his bill or whatever, and he's talking yeah. to the girl. So he goes through the la- or the the lobby area, and he goes out the front door, right? Like he's out in the street area. Because that uh-huh. door's leading out into the street area. It cuts to as soon as he leaves the front door. She, it cuts to her going into the back room, like the supply room, right? Yeah, she's going to do whatever, have a smoke or whatever the fuck she was going to do. But he's in there. Like it's I think it's just a, it's a, I think it's like a, a segment of missing time. Like I don't think it's supposed to be like right. Like, like the next second, away. you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, probably. But if you want to do but, it like but, that, but is there another entrance? Because wouldn't she have seen him? I mean, if there's only one way in and one way out of there, why? Well, the fuck we, do we see? know that there's one way in and one way out? Well, I don't the, even know. Dur- during the fight scene, I'm pretty sure that there's it's like just a room, right? It's like a supply yeah. room. There's there's an entrance in and there's an entrance out, and it seems to be. That I think maybe door. we're supposed to take take it that some time has passed. Maybe she went. You know, back into the doctor's office yeah. or something, and he's waited for his opportunity or whatever. It doesn't show it for sure. It's like but, instant. Um, it's like bam, bam, bam. Like in all of a sudden, yeah. like she's stripping. It's like holy shit, dude. Like, you know, there's. I mean, that is. I, th- kind I think of that's a- one of those things that is very un-American. Yeah. Like in terms of the t- films that we make. Oh no, no, that's it, why I chalk it up to being that's a type <clears throat> of editing style that's used in a lot of these films, anyways. Like you do see yeah. that in a lot yeah, of that, Korean no, films. You're right. You're right. And yeah. I always, I often have complained about that with foreign films too. Yeah. Where I feel like they're just they're just edited weird to where it's like hard to follow mm-hmm. sometimes. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that I think it, I think in America, like we make it a point to show, like Jeremy said, like a fade or something like that. To like we're very specific with with telling the audience what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have to say though. The uh, the killer, like, I'm not trying to use names here because I'm not trying to pronounce their names, but he is, fuck, man, one of the most menacing killers of all time. I swear to God. And I just, I love. Can we already talk about that shit? The whole end of the film. Oh, it's leading up to the, Jeremy, can you fucking settle down? <laughs> He's doing this. What is this? What is this? 2013? Let's go. Let's go. I got shit to do. No, it's just um, the first time I'm busting your balls, bro. But I love the fact, the conversation at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it just—it's just—it's so fucking good, man. It's so good. There's so many yeah. good back and forth in this and shit. And it's just—it's a great movie. It's a great film. I think everybody needs to see this. I, I can't even believe people haven't seen it. I mean, you just watch it for the—it's crazy to me. But mm-hmm. I don't this know. is like a movie that I would tell Carly to watch, and she would be so uninterested in watching it. What? Yeah, <laughs> uninterested. Well, I mean, she would just like just. The fact, I, it, like, if I just was like, it's a two and a half hour South Korean revenge film 
Like I feel like she would just instantly not want to give it a shot. Um, and then she'd end up watching it and really liking it. Oh, just throws that out. You know what? She actually says the same thing about you. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) That was good. That was good. (laughs) That's cool. But, um, (laughs) that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Let's want to get into ratings. Um, yeah, man. Who wants to... Well, let's make Jeremy go first since we already know his. 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, okay, Very I'll so. go next. Um, yeah. yeah, this movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, I was talking to you guys this morning and I was like, yeah, I need to watch this because it's like really long and uh, I don't want to text storing it because I have to read the subtitles. And Jeremy was like, oh, well. It's going to be easy because you won't be able to take your eyes away from it or whatever. And I think that's a very true statement because I I truly enjoyed this movie and I was like so into it. Um, Man, it was just a really good flick. Uh, And I'm coming in as also at a 9.5 out of 10. Yep. Said what I had to say, man. I love this movie. I love pretty much everything about it. I'm also 9.5. It's an amazing film. And you know what that means? It's a Hall of Famer with a, what, 28.5? 28.5, yep. Yep. Uh, cool. We haven't had a Hall of Famer in a little Since bit. I saw an episode 119. Uh, there might have been other ones after that that I don't have updated yet. Look at this freaking... I don't even know, here. really? It, you think there would have been more after that? I'm not sure. Um, Possibly. Can't think of any. I still think some a lot of people are in shock that we didn't have any Hall of Famers or Painters. After that Hellraiser franchise, yeah, I'm sure. I think we had some in Italian month, right? Did we not have any in Italian month? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so. 100 sure, actually. But oh, dude, we had a ton in 2000 top 10 of 2017. Yes, yeah, so it's definitely not updated, right? Did oh, yeah. we have some? I forgot about the year end show. Yeah, there must have been uh... a lot. <laughs> Did Brimstone not make it? Like. I don't know, man. There was a, there was. A, I, I have all the ratings and stuff. I just, I have not. Yeah, because Rob does a good job. Dedicate with those. He does a good right job now. updating that shit to you, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, well, that's gonna conclude one or one hundred episode one hundred and thirty here on the twenty two shots of moods and horror podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. That was another fun episode to do. Um, a lot of reviews, man. A lot of good films. I, I don't think we we had actually a lot of pretty good films that we watched this week. I have to yeah, say, Jeremy only had like one bad one. I know it's like unusual. Usually, I had two total. Thanks shit. for letting me say what I wanted to say at the beginning of the show, moods. Oh well, fuck it. Jeez, well then pipe <laughs> up then. Jesus Christ. Okay. What did he want to say? Oh, I wanted to talk about my job and 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 trying to make it to every show. But that's the type you guys- of shit that you leave to the end of the show, anyways, man. Yeah. So as you guys know, I am a production assistant and it is a freelance kind of a job where, you know, I can have a job, somebody, a production manager text me and say, oh, are you available these days to these days? I can say yes. And then they ask you to hold the days. And what that means is that you have their word that if the job ends up happening, that they'll book you for those days and you'll go and you'll work. But until then, the job could happen. The job can happen, you know. So I don't know if I'm technically working next Sunday or I have a I have a hold. 
from next Sunday to next Monday. So I don't know if I'm technically working those two Sundays or what's happening until my boss texts me and be like, okay, this job's happening. So, you know, I might not be able to do the show next week or the week after that. We're going to make it happen some way or another. Uh, Derek is going to come on or something like that. So, you know, it's a very unpredictable job that, you know, I could not have a job one day, but the next day, oh, this job came up and, in the winter time, it's a it's a slow time here for for production because it's cold outside and nobody really wants to shoot out in the cold. So whenever a job comes up, you know it's it's hard to say no. So if I miss a few weeks on the show, I promise to try my hardest to do all my Patreon picks from you guys. Um, if I get a lot, I'll, I'll I'll make it happen some way or another. But just a heads up, you know. As summer comes along, I'm going to become a lot more busier, and you know, Moods is busy too during the summer, so it's not going to be so much a problem when we get near to summertime. But right now, you know, I have to take jobs when they come, so I'm going to try my best to be here every week. But if I can't, these guys are going to push on anyway. So that's all. Yeah, I'm going to and say. and the one thing is, if he's able, if the job doesn't last, you know, into the night. Like even if it lasts a little into tonight, we could still record because it, I know that he doesn't like to because he for some reason he can't do two things in one day or else he spontaneously combusts. But um, if if possible, he could still make the show if the time frame works out. Yep. <clears throat> nice. And then um, yeah, I mean we have a few things planned for this month, but like we right now we do have four shows scheduled. Uh, I know we went bi-weekly the last two months, um, but we're unsure. Like We don't want to announce them because two of the shows are very dependent on if Moods is able to see the films. So there could be some rotation. But I guess one show we could announce is that we're doing an Irish spotlight with three Irish films. We don't know what they are for sure yet. And then... uh, we're also gonna do. Are we just gonna do a poll? Are we just gonna do a poll type thing? I was thinking about just throwing it on the Patreon for like you know five or six, ten bucks or something like that, and let people pick if if they wanted to. If not, we'll just pick ourselves. Okay. Um, but that oh, and the, at the end of the month, we're doing a '90s spotlight. So the, there's who those two. That? Uh, that was picked by Andrew Schroyer. I was being sarcastic, trilogy, you asshole. <laughs> And the, who else likes those movies? And of course, the other shows, yes, are dependent on me and this small ass shitty city that I live in. You know, I only got one yeah. cinema, so sometimes I don't get the films. And I don't know, we'll know tomorrow, but uh, it's so fucking frustrating. Really yeah. is frustrating having to do, to do this this way, but it is what it is. Can't do anything about it. So, but uh, yeah, we got some good shows lined up potentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the last show of the month. Uh, you know, I, I love the nineties like film. Like I love watching nineties movies and, uh, I actually like two of the three films like a lot. Um, and then I know in April we have one show planned and we're probably going to do our 76 show. Yes. So lots of cool stuff happening. That'll be an epic, a full exploding heads, 22 shots crossover, six hosts on one show. Yeah, that's going to be... Whew, I'm probably going to have to get 36 beers for that one. Oh, better yeah, get some Santa. We will definitely cut out all of the pre-talk and only do lists. Because if not, it'll be it'll be too too much. Like So normally we have all these segments before the list. We'll just do list. And then if we have any time left over, we could do 
any type of extra stuff we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we can do that. Because I, I believe the last one was like near five and a half, six hours, and there was only five of us. <laughs> so yeah. a whole nother ten. We'll at least extend it by an hour, I would say. <laughs> really? Am I really going to have that much stuff to say? Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, actually, because... <sighs> I mean, we're going to make predictions on everyone's number ones. I pre- as soon as 76 came up, I predicted JP's number one right on the spot. <laughs> so we'll see if I'm right about that. I don't know. We'll see how different these lists are. I don't know. I really don't yeah. know. Well, I'm, I mean, the one thing that could change stuff is, like, I've only seen, like, a handful of movies from this year. And uh, I have to start watching them because it's getting closer and closer. I've literally watched, like, six. By the way, I don't know if you guys plan on watching Mako, The Jaws of Death. But I'd no. probably skip that one. Uh, yeah, I was actually it was you know it just came out on DVD. I was going to buy it, but I, I didn't. Uh, someone just dropped it. I don't. I think it was V. I think it was VCI that put it out. Someone. Nah. Yeah. Someone. Was it? That movie's not good, by the way. Just letting you know. <laughs> but I ended up not grabbing it anyways. I actually forgot <laughs> about it. So. All right. But yeah. So, anyways, that's gonna conclude the episode. Jeremy, take us the fuck out of y'all. Okay, dokey. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode one hundred and thirty of the Twenty Two Shots of Moose and Horror Podcast. I want to give a shout out to James Cox for giving me some words of improvement. I definitely will try and be better at the show. Hopefully, what you said carried on in this episode. So, and so, if you want to follow the man Moose himself, you can do so at YouTube.com/slash/Moose Six One Six. As always, if you want to follow the man, JP, please keep doing so so he doesn't get bigger full moon box. That's YouTube.com slash DoubleShotJ. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, even though I won't do anything. YouTube.com slash NESRuler22. And as always, if you have any questions, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. But we will it, not It answer. works again. It works, but we will not answer. And as always, you can leave us a question at our email, 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror at gmail.com. It's 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash 22ShotsPodcast or on our Facebook page. But make sure you're not from a, a foreign country or probably will block you. Facebook.com. Search bar 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorrorPodcast. And as always, please support our Patreon to help me get sand sucked out of my vagina. Patreon.com slash 22ShotsPodcast. And that should do it, folks, for this week's episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Hopefully, I'll be back next week for episode 131. We will be diving into maybe Eli Roth's <laughs> special two. <laughs> we literally so say five na- minutes ago, we're not going to announce these in case they don't happen. <laughs> I said may happen. It Jeremy's all depends like, here, hold my beer, guys. I got this. I'll do, it I'll all just, depends I'll if Moods Canadian ass gets it. I'll just censor that. <laughs> Um, like literally throw yeah. a huge like, beep in also, you like a giant like beep yeah. <laughs> also uh, you guys should check out our letterboxes and follow us on there we should start putting those in the description yeah letterbox.com slash ruler 22 I'm the most active on there than these fuckers so follow me I'm on there not. every fucking day what the fuck man are you talking about I'm, all, I'm on there every day too yeah but you just say that you watch it you don't put your ratings or anything like that Winchester you know, the- dude what are you talking about dude I swear to God, you don't put anything. It just say that you watch it. You don't. No, put your I put it later after we do the show because I don't like spoiling shit. No, man. The only review that you have on there is Mako: The Jaws of Death. Everything else is no reviews. <laughs> I actually That's read that. True. I actually read that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking on my phone right now. You just give your stars, but you don't yeah. put what your ratings are. 
Yeah, well, what, the stars are the ratings, dumb fuck. No, you don't do the star rating. You do the point five fucking stupid ratings. It, it it all transitions down if you just divide in half. I actually I haven't. That's ra- not true I because like seven point five. It's like that doesn't mean anything. What's what seven point five in stars? Like three point five. No, that's technically if you do three point. There's technically no nine point five out of ten either. You three point five divided by five is seven. No, four and a, four and a half would be nine. Three and nine. a half. I'm saying a seven point five. Yeah. Is you can't do that in fucking the stars. Yes, I can. No. <laughs> I can. I don't know about you. Bacchio. What is it? Well, fuck you guys. I have to get up in five hours. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, guys. Bah, bah. You know how many times I've got up in less than that for this show? I made it, you fuckers. Fuck you. 